every night the same old dream I hate to close my eyes I can't erase the memory the sound of Julie's cries she called me up late that night she said Joe don't come over my dad and I just had a fight and he stormed out the door I've never seen him act this way my god he's going crazy he says he's gonna make you pay for what we've done he's got a gun so run Joey run Joey in my car and I drove like mad till I reached Julie's place She ran to me with tear-filled eyes and bruises on her face All at once I saw him there sneaking up behind me Watch out! And Julie yelled He's got a gun and she stepped in front of me Suddenly a shot rang out and I saw Falling. I ran to her, I held her close When I looked down, my hands were red And here's the last words Julie said Daddy, please don't, it wasn't his fault He means so much to me Daddy, please don't, we're gonna get married Nineteen seventy-five. David Geddes, Run Joey, Run. What's wrong with my sound here? There we go. It's a little bit better. I was messing with my sound earlier in the week to try to fix some problems here, but didn't get anything fixed. Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio, the Druff and Friend Show. This is being broadcast live and recorded on February fifteenth, two thousand eighteen. Right now, the time eight forty p.m. Pacific time. Song I opened with, Run Joey Run, was from July 1975, and it's kind of a darker version of Madonna's Papa Don't Preach, which came out about a decade later. So, anyway, we're going to get started here. We have a very special free roll tonight. Very special, thanks to the very generous donations of two individuals, one of whom is a co-host of this show. Calwatt has donated a lot to the show, both his time and money, which I appreciate very much. And uh, this week is no exception. Last week, you might remember that after Eric Benzamokin put a $50 bounty on Calwatt, that Calwatt said he's going to put a bounty back on Eric. But I mentioned that Eric doesn't usually listen live and therefore would not be able to play. And uh, such a bounty would not be doable. So Eric listened in the archives, as I expected, but he messaged me and said, you know, I can actually listen live next week, meaning today, and 
I'll do it. <laughs> he said, I'll put another bounty on Cal Watt as long as he puts one on me. So Eric offered to put a $100 bounty on Cal Watt if Cal Watt puts the same on him. And that is happening tonight, except it's even better. It's even better because Eric also donated $50 to the free roll itself, and he also donated $50 as an extra bounty on Cal Watt if Cal Watt managed to outlast him. If this all sounds complicated, I'll break it down a little bit more clearly in a second. So the free roll starts at 9 o'clock Pacific time, as it usually does. You need to check out the rules at PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, PokerFraudAlert.com slash free roll, all lowercase, to make sure you qualify for the free money, because we're giving away $350 this week, which is one of our biggest free rolls we've ever had. We've had a few bigger, but not many. $350 are being given away this week. 100 in the prize pool, 250 in bounties. First place is $50, second place is $30, third place is $13, fourth place is $7. It's just like last week. The difference is this week we have more bounties. This week, if you knock out Eric Benzamokin, who plays as Brutal Thinker, now it's kind of abbreviated, it's Brutal and then T-H-I-N-K-R. So if you knock out Brutal Thinker, spelled that way, then you will get $100 right there. If you knock out Calwatt, you will get $100. If you knock them both out, of course, you get 200 And then there's an extra 50 as I just mentioned. If when you knock out Calwatt, if you're the one to knock out Calwatt, and you take a look at the list and you see that Brutal Thinker busted before Calwatt did, then you get an extra 50 So basically, it's an extra 50 to gun for Calwatt after he's outlasted Brutal Thinker. Now, if Brutal Thinker's still in when Calwatt busts, then nobody gets the 50 Then the 50 will be rolled to next week's free roll. So thank you very much to Eric Benzamokin. Thank you very much to Calwatt. Eric gave $200 this week. He also gave uh, 100 last week. So that was very generous. And uh, Calwatt gave 100 this week. We also got 25 from SMI Florida and 25 from Luxac81. And if your name is not mentioned here, I am holding a bit more money from people who gave that uh, we will be using next week. So th- that's the exciting free roll tonight. The only thing is, I'm wondering where Calwatt is. I saw him in the chat, but he's not on Skype yet. I hope he's alive. I hope he's alive and not asleep. He texted me okay ten minutes ago. I swear, if he falls asleep now, I'm going to be so frustrated because after I built this whole thing up, hopefully he's here. (laughs) Otherwise, I don't know what I'm going to do. I mean, I texted him like... Ten minutes ago, when he was there. Alrighty, well, I assume he'll be there. He's in the chat room. He hasn't said anything, but he's there. And he's he texted me. The phone numbers to call into the show, as always, 775-FRAUD-55, 775-372-8355. You can also call, call the Mount Charleston line. That's an old 70s rotary phone which sits on top of Mount Charleston, which is about 45 minutes away from Las Vegas by car. That phone number is 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808. No matter which number you call into the show, you have to show your caller ID or you won't get through. If it comes through private, it will 
not even go through. I won't even see the call. If you call and I don't answer, just try back in about 15 minutes or preferably when we're kind of near the end of a segment because then it's much more likely I'll take your call. If you call me over and over and over and over again consecutively, I'm just going to block your number. So don't do that. Calwad, I'm glad you have not fallen asleep. I'm glad my uh, free roll plans here have not been ruined. Hello? How you doing, Druff? So you ready to battle it out with Eric Benzamokin for the... Uh, oh, these crap. Bounties? I guess I should register in that tournament, huh? <laughs> the registration lasts until 925, for anybody who wonders. Full stack you'll start with. It's at 9 p.m. on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can find that near the top of the screen. But so yes, I got to I got to know what his name is on here if he, I'm going to he's going you know, to be gunning for him. Yeah, he's Brutal Thinker, but it's kind of abbreviated. It's Brutal than T H I N K R. And he's definitely in there, right? Uh, he's texting me right now, so I'm sure he is. He's he's very excited for this. He can't wait to uh compete with you for these bounties and and also to, also to <laughs> also to outlast you. He really wants to uh, outlast you and it'll, it'll Well, that's not going to be too hard. Well, I don't know. You've you've done very well in this free roll. You've you've won it before. So if Calwatt wins, by the way, then he, he pretty much gets everything. He gets almost yeah, but, everything. He yeah, but the two hundred, the the hundred that I'm putting up doesn't make a difference, right? No, no. I just get just get to not pay it. Yes, right. Yes. <laughs> well, th- thank you for this, and thank you to Eric, and uh, very nice of uh, everybody who donates to the free rolls. And I, I'm a, I like this one. Now, tonight, are you gonna? Though. Is this uh, enticing enough for you to get out and get in there, or what? No, I just don't want it to distract me from the show. I'm afraid it's going to distract me. There's just oh, that, that, That's why I'm saying it's not going to be hard to outlast me, because when I'm doing this, like I'm usually doing three things at once. Yeah, see, that I am too, exactly. <laughs> but somehow you do well. See, like if I played this while I was on here, I'd do terribly, and it would just be a distraction to the show. I'm because, surprised you can resist it. It's 200 free dollars. I, Your right, people but, would be upset with you. I know, but you know, since this is on my own site, I don't, I don't want to... I think it would look bad if I won the money, so I Oh I don't you're taking even, it easy on us. I see what I you're don't, saying. I don't I wouldn't even accept the money if I won, I'd just roll it back in, so there's no point. And you know, some of you don't know, you know, since I'm controlling the show you know, from the technical standpoint and also thinking about what we're gonna do next and say next, sometimes as I'm doing a segment here I'll be looking at, at some things to you know, for the next segment. There's there's a lot going on in the background here that sometimes people don't realize. So that's I just don't want to complicate it with a free roll. The call to listen line. I know this is Calwatt's favorite thing. The call to listen line is a phone number you can use to listen to the show at any time, the live show, or you can hear the random streamed reruns when we're not live. That phone number is 712-775-8162. 712-775-8162. You do not need an, a smartphone. You don't need the internet you don't need a data plan. All you need is any phone that can dial. 712-775-8162. If you have one bar, don't worry about it. You can still listen. Will there be any buffering if you have a poor connection? No, never buffering. Never buffering. So the call to listen line, it's a beautiful thing. And when the show's not on live, just try calling it sometime. Just try calling it. it it'll pick a random show. Well, it will have already picked it. It will not just pick it for you. It will have been running a random show. You'll just join it in progress as if you're turning it on live. And I actually think it's more fun when it picks the show for you. I I find it a lot more interesting to listen to whatever it picks for me and just kind of be dropped into the show rather than me selecting an episode from the past on my own. So give it a call anytime, 712-775-8162. 
hundreds of thousands of minutes are listened to on that line each year. The agenda goes as follows. By the way, you can go in the chat room and chat if you're listening live. You need a flash-enabled device and a poker fraud alert account, forum account good in good standing. Here's the agenda tonight. The lead story is about Mike Leah and the controversy he's in, which I've inserted myself into just because I love drama. He won the WPT Falls View, which is in Niagara Falls, not too far from where Calwatt lives. However, there is a bit of controversy involving his win, because his win wasn't quite a win since he won it thanks to chip dumping when he was heads up. Of course, this was done as part of a deal. It was not done surreptitiously. It was very clear. He made it very clear that's what they were doing. So this wasn't cheating. But it's very controversial. We're going to talk about why. Anna Kate, who has been on this show twice, she was the victim of a scam call. And you may say, okay, big deal. We all are. Like We all get these scam calls from fake Microsoft, from the fake IRS, from fake Dell. I mean, we, we get these all the time, so what's the big deal? Well, she got one that I had never heard of before, and is a lot more scary than the fake, uh, your computer has a virus, pay $300 for us to fix it call. This was a call where they said her father was in an auto accident with two unlicensed drivers who were wanted or something. So some backstory to where they the, the police couldn't be called. So at that point, in fear that the police would be called over this, they kidnapped him and were demanding a ransom from her. Now, this was a scam call. It wasn't real. But uh, I'm going to play you two clips of that call that Anna actually recorded. And then we're going to try to call the scammer himself, who, at least as of a few days ago, was picking up the phone. (laughs) So we will see what he has to say. I think Colonel Fabersham will call him. Station casinos, they have been ordered to pay the bad beat jackpot after attempting to screw players out of it. This is from the jackpot one back in October, and they tried to pull out a flimsy reason as to why they shouldn't pay. The ruling has come down. They are going to have to pay, except uh, one player. It's still up in the air. We'll talk about that when we get to that segment. Another bad beat jackpot story. This one's not going to be paid. It was nullified after it was found to have been rigged by both the dealer and the player who was supposed to win the biggest share of it, and both were arrested. Doug Polk and Daniel Negreanu do not like each other. We've talked about that a number of times on this show, but it has heated up big time. Doug Polk called Negreanu a little bitch in a recent interview he had with Chicago Joey. And Negreanu has been trying to question whether Doug Polk deserved to be nominated on the uh, the American Poker Awards, which, by the way, we got snubbed for again. You know, this is the one that GPI puts on. We uh, we got snubbed again. But Doug Polk didn't get snubbed, nor did Negreanu. They were in for uh, both in there for uh, Biggest Poker Influencer of 2017, and Negreanu made some snide comments about that. It, the feud is getting pretty bad. It's it's no longer just you know, them messing around with some jabs here here and there. They They really seem to dislike each other. We'll talk all about that, and... Discuss who, if anyone, is at fault for this whole thing. A serial killer is on the loose in Las Vegas. 
you probably have not read about this in the news. You would think this would be a big deal, but somehow it's not a big deal that there is a serial killer. It's going to be a white male. It, it might be, but the reason that I think it's not getting that much press is that so far, three of the four victims have been homeless. So we'll talk about the serial killer who, who did kill someone, or actually he injured someone, he tried to kill someone, a fourth person who wasn't homeless. Uh, but we'll talk about the serial killer, and I'll tell you about another serial killer in Las Vegas that got very little press, who was caught last year, right around the same time of year. Obviously it's not the same person because this guy's in jail, but... Uh, that's a very interesting story in itself. Fountain Blue, Las Vegas. There's an opening date that has been stated for it. There's an update on Fountain Blue, so I'll tell you about that. Doyle Brunson claims that he lost out on a whole lot of money. A whole lot of money because he had a deal in place to sell Doyle's room right before Black Friday. And then Black Friday hit, and he did not end up getting that deal through. He claims had it not occurred Black Friday that he would have made $100 billion. Well, not quite, but a a shocking sum of money he would have been due. So we will talk about that whole situation. Also, Negranu made a claim of his own related to that, that he also lost out on a very large sum of money by Black Friday hitting when it did. Sometimes we will do a story on this show or have an interview and then update you. Often the update will come a week, two weeks, sometimes a few months later. We're going to update a story from 2014 because I know you guys are on the edge of your seats wondering what happened with a certain story from four years ago. Kim Shannon, who had a dispute with Amanda Musumichi, and we had Kim on the show. I read Amanda's statements on the show. Amanda even posted a Poker Fraud Alert about it. Uh, Kim Shannon talked about how she had just had a child at the age of 44, which she did back in 2014. Well, update to that, she's in a nasty child custody battle and is talking about it on Twitter. So that relationship didn't exactly go all that well. So I'll give you the update on that. Harris New Orleans poker uh, poker room is screwing you if you also play in the casino and you're a known player. How do I mean they're screwing you? Well, they, they can be screwing you out of future comps. You may not even be realizing it. A disturbing discovery was made by a reader and listener to Poker Fraud Alert. And I will tell you what he put out there. I believe him. And I'm going to tell you how to avoid having happen, happen to you as what happened to him. And by the way, this may be taking place at other Caesars properties, maybe not just Harris New Orleans. So if you play in the poker room in any Caesars property... You're going to want to hear this segment. MGM is going to open another resort in Macau. Seems like a no-brainer in a way because the market is so huge there and expanding quickly, but they are taking a bit of a risk. We'll talk about that when we get to that segment. Finally, if you're in California and you think maybe 2018 will be the year that finally, finally, we get online poker, don't think that. It's not going to happen. Online poker has been delayed until at least 2019 in California because they are monitoring the sports betting legality situation and may want to wrap it up in one neat little package rather than have two separate fights. So there's not going to be online poker in 2018. In fact, it will not even be legalized in 2018. So 
don't expect to be playing a legalized California online poker game anytime soon. That's our agenda tonight. And we'll just get going here. The free roll starting in three minutes. You have 28 minutes to get in there. So, Calwatt, have you heard about the whole uh, Mike Leah thing? I did. And I read uh, a little bit in the thread on PFA, and I read a little bit uh, in the thread on 2 Plus 2 that you linked to. Yeah, so this this was a very interesting story. Now, I would have found it anyway because this became so big this week on social media, but it was first brought to my attention by Alan Kessler. I was taking a nap during the afternoon, and I, I woke up, I think, to go to the bathroom or something, and I look at my phone, and there's a message from Alan Kessler on Facebook saying, yeah, big story out of WPT Falls View chip dumping. So then I went back to sleep, and... Uh, when I woke up, I was curious enough to look into it, and it is an interesting story. It's not the typical chip-dumping scenario. In fact, it's one of the few times that there is chip-dumping where it does not involve cheating or money laundering, anything like that. So nothing illegal here. This is just, uh, it's more about rules and ethics, but it's still important. It's still an important thing to discuss. It's an important thing to think about if you care at all about tournament poker and what titles mean in tournament poker. What I mean by titles are, I'm talking about bracelets or WPT titles, whatever, like major titles in poker. You know, you hear such and such person has this many bracelets. You, you, probably, you probably admire that and say, oh, wow, good, good for him. He won four bracelets. He won five bracelets. He's won three WPT titles. I mean, these don't mean everything. There's some great players who have no bracelets and no WPT titles, especially ones who don't play many tournaments. There's even tournament players who just, despite being really good, have been have just failed to get first in these type of events. So these don't mean everything. And there's also people who've won a bracelet or a WPT event who just aren't very good and just lucked into it. So these don't mean everything, but I I think they do mean something in poker. And for that reason, I think this is especially important. But uh, there's a lot of angles to this. And as soon as I saw this story, I, I became very interested in it, even though it had nothing to do with me, even though it will not be affecting me in any way. It's just one of these things that I thought was worth kind of entering the fray, and I did. So here's the story. Mike Leah, who's a very good tournament player, no question about that, very, very good tournament player out of Canada, he was playing heads-up at the main event at WPT Falls View. That's in Niagara Falls, Canada. Niagara Falls, of course, is, is pretty close to Buffalo and, and even Rochester, where Calwatt's from. So uh, you, have you uh, ever played in any of these Fallsview events because they're kind of close to you? Uh, I've never really been huge on tournaments. I think I might have played one of them. I definitely played Cash Game up there a few times. Yeah. Okay. So Mike Leah, who had won four previous Fallsview WPT preliminary events in the last five years, so he's done very well there, was one player away from winning the main. Mike Leah, despite all of his success, he has a World Series bracelet, he has various other titles, he's done very well in online tournaments. He's never had a WPT title in a main event. Never. So he came very close last year. He came second to Anthony Zinno. Not in this event, but he had a different WPT. So 
He was very excited about uh, finally winning this. I guess this has been a goal of his for a long time. He's had this emptiness in him that, despite all his accomplishments, he just did not have that WPT title. And here he was, one player away from it. And Ryan Yu was his opponent. However, Michael Leah was behind in chips. As they went into heads-up, right after the guy in third busted, Ryan Yu had $10.8 million in chips. Michael Leah had $4.7 million in chips. So it was about a 2.3 to 1 chip lead for Ryan Yu. Is that insurmountable? No, of course not. You can easily come back from that. Was Ryan Yu the favorite? Definitely. Even, even I believe that uh, Michael Leah is the better player, but there wasn't so much of a skill gap that being down 2.3 to 1 in chips that Michael Leah would have been the favorite. He was definitely the underdog at that point because he had a lot fewer chips. So then they took an unscheduled break. And I'm, I'm just going to read this to you verbatim from the WPT, the WorldPokerTour.com reporting site. Because if you're a fan of the World Poker Tour and you're interested in how these events are going, especially the main event, which gets a lot more attention, uh, this is what you're going to read. This, this was not a description posted on 2 Plus 2 or some forum. This was posted on the World Poker Tour site as the official updates for this event. So it says the players are taking an unscheduled break. And what that actually meant is they, they just both got up from the table and let the clock run. So they just both got up. They were heads up, had not played any hands heads up yet. I already gave you the chip counts. So they came back. Hand number 94. Mike Leah takes the chip lead. You're going to love this hand. <laughs> this is just, I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. I've seen it. Yeah, yeah, you've seen it. Okay. <laughs> not not live. I've seen it online, though. Okay. Ryan Yu raises to 4 million from the button. Now, keep in mind, Mike Leah only has 4.7 million. Mike Leah re-raises all in for 4.7 million for the big blind, which means Ryan Yu only needs to call 700,000 more to call the all in when he's already put 4 million into it. Yeah, but, but here's the thing. You... He already clicked on the uh, check fold uh, checkbox. <laughs> yeah, so, so I mean, so it, it didn't really matter. It was already out of his hands. So, so then uh, Ryan Yu folded at that point. <laughs> so now Mike Leah has a chip lead. Mike Leah eight point seven million. Ryan Yu six point eight million. Now we have a few people who listen to this show that don't really know poker that well, who just like the show. This is absurd. This is absurd yeah. because... Hey, Drift, when, when you're beat, you're beat. Yeah, well, we're, we're going to get to that. <laughs> we're going to get to that, but this is absurd. When, when your opponent has 4.7 million in chips and you've already put in, you've already committed 4 million to the pot, and all the, the most he can cost you is 700,000 more when you've already put in 4 million, and there's nobody else, it's just you and him, uh, even the worst player is not going to fold here. Like, this is an obvious call. You could have the worst possible poker hand. You could have 7-deuce offsuit and know your opponent has aces. You are still supposed to call there. So Drev, how much was in the pot? There was eight, eight point seven million. Eight point seven million, yes. So he folded for seven hundred thousand, and, and he had to pay seven hundred thousand. He had to pay, uh, yeah, point seven million more, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he he, fo- he folded. So, I mean, Druff, in, in fairness, he's not getting very good pot odds. <laughs> he's, I mean, what is it like twelve to one, something yeah. like that? <laughs> so, so now, Mike, Lee, I mean, you know. 
<laughs> right. So, so now Mike Lee is the chip leader. He, now Mike Lee, thanks to that hand, is, is, is up to $8.7 million, and Ryan Yu's down to $6.8 million. Hand number 95. Mike Lee limps in from the button. Ryan Yu raises to $5 million. So now Ryan Yu only has $1.76 million behind. So then Mike Lee raises him all in to where he just has to put in the final uh, $1.76 million. And again, Ryan Yu folds. <laughs> so Ryan's down to $1.76 million, and Mike is up to $13.8 million without ever seeing a flop. Pretty impressive in two hands. I mean... <laughs> hand, hand number 96. This is, this is actually the, you know, they could have at least not been so obvious about it. Hand number know? 96. This one's even better than the other two. If you, if you think the other two are absurd, wait till you get to this one. Ryan Yu, who has 1.760 million, raises to 1.72 million from the button. Mike Leah pushes all in from the big blind. So now Ryan Yu has 40,000 chips left. 40,000 chips to call this all in. He, he raised almost all in. He went 1.72 million in with 1.76 left. I'm sure that was an accident, Ruff, that he left that tiny little bit behind. And then Mike Lee raised him all in, and, of course, Ryan, you folded. <laughs> so that left Ryan, you with just 40000 and Mike Lee had $15.5 Then they auto-all-in for a few hands. And uh, a few hands later, Mike Leah won. Not even going to bother reading those. So you don't have to be a poker genius to understand what was going on here. This was a chip dump. So why would this have happened? Why would Ryan Yu, with a 2.3 to 1 chip lead, dump his chips off to where he was left with almost nothing after three hands? Intentionally dump them off to where he couldn't even see a flop. He thought he was beat. <laughs> oh, I forgot that part. I forgot that part. There, I, somebody skipped that when I was reading the description. When in this final hand where Ryan, you had 40,000 left and didn't call and just folded, he said out loud, when you're beat, you're beat. <laughs> Which is, that's kind of obnoxious to say when this chip dump's going on to, to make a comment like that. It's just kind of mocking the whole thing. Mocking the whole tournament, in my opinion. So, Mike Leah won. They interviewed Mike Leah after the tournament. And this is what he said. It hasn't sunk in yet. Winning a WPT has been near the top of my goal list for a long time, especially getting so close almost exactly three years ago when I lost to Anthony Zimmo heads up at the LAPC. So I've been pretty hungry to get back in there since then. So it hasn't sunk in yet, he's saying. Well, it should. I mean, he, he got to the same spot as he did with Anthony Zinno, except Anthony Zinno didn't dump the chips to him. So so to him, this is and an we, accomplishment. We don't know. Maybe the opposite happened then. I, I don't think so. I think Mike Leah, no. this is very important for him to win. But Mike Leah, the only difference here is that uh, you know both times he got heads up. One time the opponent dumped, and the other time he didn't, and he just lost. So, See, on, on the one hand, Ruff, his statement is so... <laughs> So disingenuous, given the circumstance, that it's it's really cringy. 
Um, but on the other hand, I mean, he's probably just saying what he thinks he should say to the cameras when he wins this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I, I think you have to really, I, if I did this, which I wouldn't have, but if I did this and, and they interviewed me, I would have really toned it down. I would have said, yeah, yeah, I feel great. Yeah, this is, this is a, a great day. for. Is this, I, I wouldn't have said uh, it's, it's been a, winning this is on the top of my list, blah, 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 because he didn't really win it. It, it was dumped to him. So – there's been a lot of different opinions on this, and part of it is because Mike Leah has a good reputation. He has a very good reputation. There, I've never heard anything bad about him. He's very well-liked in poker. He's known to be an excellent player. He, does, he doesn't seem to have enemies from what I've seen. I think he made some new ones after this, but uh, prior to this, he was never involved in controversy. He was just like a, a nice guy, from what I've heard, that everyone liked. Who was also good in poker and successful? I mean, before this happened, if you mentioned Mike Leah's name, you would have had a hard time finding a single person speaking badly of him. Hadn't done anything shady, nothing like that. Now, I will say that this was nothing that was being done sneakily. There's not cheating because it was. Uh, this was clearly an agreement that the two of them made. This was not uh, done in a way that people shouldn't figure it out. In fact, they did it so blatantly. It looked terrible to where everyone could figure it out, including amateurs reading it. That's been one big criticism. So they weren't trying to sneak this by anybody. But the question is, was this right? Now, you may wonder, why did this happen? Why didn't they just make a deal and end the tournament? Well, apparently, according to WPT rules, I haven't seen the rules, but this is what I'm hearing. According to WPT rules, you cannot make a deal and end the tournament. The tournaments all have to be played to completion, and in addition, uh, they will not distribute prize money differently than what is already listed in the prize pool. So you, uh, other tournaments will do this, where they'll actually pay out the prize money according to the deals made, not here. Here, the, uh, any deals a player would make would be under the table, and then they would have to distribute the money themselves afterwards. So if you look in the results, it shows that Mike Leah got the full first-place prize money and Ryan, you got the second-place prize money. That's actually not what happened. They clearly made a deal. In fact, they both admitted that they've made it, they made a deal beforehand. And clearly part of that deal involved dumping the tournament to where Mike would win. So some people who observed this said, who cares? Everybody else was out of the tournament by then. It seemed like they made the deal after the guy in third was out. Because if they made this deal beforehand, then that's unethical. And then that is that is a form of cheating. Because then two players know they're just trying to make it to heads up. Uh, where everybody else thinks that they have to have a, a chip stack to win the whole thing. So that that would have been terrible. But it appears, it's, it's not certain, but it appears and I believe that this deal was made after the guy in third busted. So if it was just between the two of them... There are some people saying, well, who cares? They can do what they want. And as long as they were both okay with it, as long as they both felt they got something out of it, why is it our business to judge? Where are the victims? Well, I have some other thoughts on this that are different than those I just stated from people who were supportive of Mike Leah here. First of all, there's a player of the year race. For the WBT, which I guess is kind of in the middle. It's, it's not a calendar year. It's, a, it's like the 2017 to 18 season. I'm not sure when it ends. 
but he earned first place points, Mike Leah, rather than second, had he finished second. So he did get extra player of the year points for finishing first that he didn't earn. What do you get when you win the player of the year? That's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, I read some people were talking about, you know, okay, some equity was taken there. And I mean, it seems to me it's especially these days where sponsorship isn't even really that much of a thing. For the most part, it really seems like prestige equity was more of what it pro- was taken, it, it right? It probably is more of what was taken, yeah. Then, and, and it's a small fraction of that, too, right? I mean, how much could, how much could this Falls View tournament possibly be worth? Well, I see, I see, I didn't look at that. I don't know how much this is worth and how many points he got and how much this is really going to matter. But occasionally it does come down to where two people are very close and something small like this can make the difference. So, uh, so that's part of it. That's, that's part of it, number one. Number two... It just looks really bad. This was the main event. It was not televised. Some people say, oh, it looked terrible on TV. No, it won't. It's not going to be on TV. It was never going to be on TV. So that's TV's not an issue here, but still. Oh, shit. I didn't even realize the tournament started. Are you registered? <laughs> yeah, I'm in there, but. Okay, well. At, le- at least blinding <laughs> off, nobody can bust you. <laughs> anyway, second, it just looks terrible. This is the main event. It wasn't on TV, but. This is being reported on. Both of these guys knew that. Mike, Leah, Ryan, you, they're very aware that people are reading the updates here. And I don't know how these two tournament veterans, especially Mike, Leah, could not realize how terrible this looked to the typical poker fan. This is, this is, this is something that you don't want being read. You, know, you, don't, you don't want the average poker fan reading this and saying... Well, and that's the offensive thing, right? I mean, they, they could have done something... At least made it like sort of reasonable, you yeah, know? Yeah, so, I mean, come on. So that that was uh, that was a big problem. Number three, uh, just in case they somehow discussed this, even if not in full, before they made it to heads up. I'm not saying they did. I think it's more likely they didn't. But uh, still, we don't know for sure. And had they discussed this prior to that, then that's definitely cheating. So that also is a, is a reason that uh, this type of chip dump should never be allowed. Uh, finally, uh, or, or actually, in addition, there's the uh, Tournament of Champions, which is they take 15k out of each prize pool of these main events and award a 15k buy-in seat to the Tournament of Champions to whoever wins the event. And this is a real 15k tournament. 15k buy-in tournament that you're just not paying to buy in because it's already been paid for you if you're the winner of one of these tournaments. So Mike got that as well. And the question becomes, is this fair to the people at the Tournament of Champions, the other winners who have won seats into there, that they now have to face Mike Leah instead of Ryan Yu, who's not as good of a player? Is it fair that the better player can kind of buy his way in to the Tournament of Champions by asking the one leading at the final table to take a dive. So there's questions about that. And finally, it's breaking the rules. You may not like the WPT rules of no deal making, but those are the rules they set. And if you don't like it, you don't have to play. You can't play it and decide, hey, I don't like this rule, so I'm going to change this rule, which is essentially what they did. Now, in their defense, the staff at the WPT apparently knew this was going on. Now, keep in mind, the staff is probably just local staff at the Falls View and not WPT officials, but still, the tournament director there was aware this was happening and, in fact, told them that they have to, quote, play it out. Yeah, we don't know anyone who would break the rules. <laughs> like, 
park in a handicapped spot if no one's around, you know? (laughs) (laughs) So uh, I I don't care so much about breaking the rule, but at the same time, if you do it, you can't complain afterwards when there's consequences from it. That's what I'm trying to say is uh, I'm not mad at the rule breakage. I'm just saying that, uh, this was I just realized no one's going to know what the hell I'm talking about. That was on the show that disappeared. Oh, that's right. That's right. Oh my God! No one, no one. People are going to be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" Well, the live listeners. Dr- Druff admitted that he constantly parks in handicapped no, parking no, no, spots. No. I, I said that I, if I'm going to be somewhere for five minutes and there's no other parking and there's tons of handicapped spots open to where there's no way that many handicapped people will come in five minutes, then I will park in one. But it's it, against it, the rules, though. It, it oh, Matt happens. the Rat says it was on the one before, so we're okay, good. Okay, we're good. Right. Okay, yeah. thank you, Matt. So, what's interesting here uh, is, the, for one, that neither player thought that this would look bad. They both did it so blatantly. No one took the time to say, wait a minute. Yeah, People are watching the updates here. Is this going to look awful? Won't this make poker look awful? Won't this make the WPT look awful? Like, a, I, I understand... Part of the reason they may have done it was because they didn't want to look like they were doing something sneaky. But this is part of the reason they don't allow this, the WPT. This is some of the reason that they want the tournaments to play out normally and not with shenanigans like this. This is the reason for these rules. So, uh, now, yes, they could have engineered a much more believable-looking chip dump. And perhaps it could have been so believable that nobody would have noticed. But... uh, they did this. They did the opposite. They did it in obnoxiously ridiculous fashion, and it, in a way, it kind of looks like they're giving a big middle finger to the WPT and its no deal making rule. So, uh, Mike Leah saw the outrage that was already taking place on uh, social media. In fact, it started taking place before I even knew about this. Uh, Dan O'Brien was one who was very vocal about this and others were vocal about it. Some were just making jokes about it, but there was a lot of anger about this. And then uh, Mike Leah made a a brief statement uh, where on Twitter he responded to uh, Blair Hinkle Blair Hinkle tweeted, one week out, if we get heads up for the trophy, I will not pay extra for the title. Never have and never will. So then Mike Leah said, settle down, boys. I did not pay a penny for the trophy slash title. We did an exact ICM chop, uh, which that's a chop where uh, the, an ICM chop means you're using a formula to determine what your equity is based upon your chip stacks. Not based at all upon the skill of the players, just I have this many chips this many people are left, there's this many chips total in the event, and therefore my equity at this point, you know, and, and the, the, the prizes are as follows, and then it, it computes, you know, you can use programs to compute this and figure yeah, out... Yeah, but, but what he's not mentioning <clears throat> is what whatever he paid off the top to get the championship. Right? Because clearly that happened. They may have very well done an ICM chop, but he also very clearly paid for this tournament, right? Well, okay, so I'm going to get to that. See, he claims that, oh, all, okay. that all he got was the ICM chop, but the, the only thing a little different was that the 15K value of the Tournament of Champions seat was figured in there. But other than that, it was, it was a complete ICM chop, he said. So he says he didn't pay anything, 
that basically they just did an ICM chop and then he was awarded first place. He says, again, a more detailed br- breakdown coming when I'm not as racing to catch a, r- a red-eye flight. So, and which he did do. He, he posted a statement uh, you know, several hours later after his flight was done. And then he said, that word is wrong, Dan O'Brien. Uh, I'll post a more detailed response as I get time, but I did not give up a penny of equity for the trophy, tournament champions, etc. It was too good of a deal to pass up. So that's basically what he was saying here. He's trying to say, we just did an ICM chop. We just did a straight chop based upon the equity of chips we had there. And the only additional detail here was that uh, it would be dumped to me, that I would get the trophy. And uh, it was too good of a deal to pass up. I'd get the trophy, I'd get the ICM chop money, and uh, you know I, I couldn't pass up that deal. That's what he's trying to say. Also, he posted a preliminary statement on Alan Kessler's page, of all places. He's Alan, oh boy. Alan Kessler took interest in this, as I mentioned before. He said, uh, uh, we were forced to play it out after making the deal, so we just tried to get it over with as fast as possible uh, while making a very obvious... <sighs> while making, yeah. a ver- making very obvious a deal was made. No talk of any deal was brought up by anybody until we got heads up. It was an even ICM chop based upon chips with me being awarded the win. So... That's all he posted at the time. So then I posted on the same page, on Alan Kessler's page, I posted the following back to Mike, asking him the following questions. I said, Mike, thank you for responding so quickly, and I look forward to seeing your more detailed response later. However, I have a few questions for you. Number one, if the goal was just to get it over with quickly after you agreed to an under-the-table ICM chop, why were the chips dumped to you if you were the notably shorter stack? Wouldn't it have made sense for the shorter stack to dump to the larger one? Number two... It, just, it seems clear to me that you wanted the title despite having not earned it yet. You clearly earned the right to play for it heads up, but you were an underdog at that point to win the title. What were the reasons you wanted that title awarded to you rather than the chip leader, who was Ryan Yu? Number three, what do you think is fair regarding the tournament of champion seat you won as well as the player of the year points awarded for that win? Do you think you deserve first place points for this? And number four, would you be open to voluntarily having your player of the year points downgraded to second place points. I do want to state, and I wrote this to him, I do want to state that I have no personal issue with you. In fact, I don't really know you. I do feel, you're that you're a, great tur- I do feel that you're a great tournament player, and your reputation in the poker world has already been, always been excellent. I do not believe you did this with bad intentions, but unfortunately your actions adversely affect the player of the year race and have somewhat cheapened the entire concept of winning a WPT title. What's done is done, but hopefully there will be some fair resolution to this. Now, what did Ryan Yu have to say? Ryan Yu explained his side of it on Twitter. He said, basically, I didn't want the, the 15K tournament champion seat, and the trophy is nice, but for whatever reason, I don't really care for it. We valued different aspects winning differently, and Mike should value it more if he, because he's more accomplished, and I thought I was being generous, but who cares? The 15K seat is worth more to Mike, who is an American citizen, which is interesting. I always thought he was a Canadian citizen, but he's from Canada, but maybe he's switched citizenship. Uh, I, I don't know why they'd be more valuable being an American citizen, but whatever. Uh, the points, I'm all in. Someone might be getting a hundred bucks. Oh, uh, well, well, <laughs> the, the points are worth more. Everything's worth more to Mike. He also has a massive skill advantage. Heads up, where I'm a whale, and he's still forty big blinds deep. Did you win or lose? I don't know. I'm all in with aces, though. <laughs> oh my god, it's five ways. <laughs> this is not good. You're probably, you're probably are going to bust then. Well, unless you're, you have these guys covered. Uh... No, it looks like a triple or quadruple, quintuple, whatever. Oh, really? Yeah. So your, your ace is held with four, five people. Wow. It looks like it. Boy, you run well. I'm still watching it. Oh, yep. 
Sorry, guys. They tried. <laughs> nine nine eight ten four deuce and ace queen all tried, but they didn't make. That's it. That's the thing. Everyone's trying because that's the best thing to do is knock out the guys who now. Now is uh, is Eric Benzamokin still in? Is Brutal Thinker still there? Let me have a look. Go ahead. Yeah, continue. I'll I'll look okay. and see if I can find him. So oh, I can sort by name. Okay, so, so Brutal put, Thinker. Yes, he's still there. All right. Well, he survived. The fifty dollars. He's in seven. He's in seventeenth place. Okay, so the fifty dollars is still on the table. Uh, Wait, fifty? I thought it was a hundred. No, the, the extra fifty for you outlasting him and then someone busting you. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, oh, I didn't even know. I get an extra fifty if I outlast him. No, the person who busts you get an extra fifty. <laughs> what the fuck? What do I get out of this? I don't think I get anything out of this. Uh, let me think. Well, if you win the whole thing, then you can. I guess you can win the money that others put. Do up. I get the extra fifty? Do I outlast myself? Yes, you do actually. All right. Okay. So. So anyway. This is what I'm guessing happened. They got heads up, and then they took this unscheduled break to discuss the under-the-table deal. Ryan had more than a two-to-one chip lead, as I mentioned, and he probably was the one who proposed the chop. He probably just said, hey, I'm a little bit scared of Mike Leah. He's you know, a really good player. I've got a lead, but not an insurmountable lead. I'd just be happy to take this ICM chop and get you know, fairly close to first-place money without having to play it out. That's, that was probably Ryan's attitude. So Ryan probably proposed the chop to Mike. Mike probably thought, oh, crap, I, all this time I've been waiting. I've been waiting three years after finishing second in a WPT. I've been waiting three years to finally get over on a WPT, finally win one, and now this, this guy wants a chop. And I, the, the title to me is more important than the money, Mike was probably thinking. Mike probably wants to finally be a WPT champion, and here this guy wants to uh, do a chop. So Mike at first probably said no. He probably said, forget it, I, I, I really want the title, sorry. And then Ryan probably said something like, uh, look, I, I don't care about the title. In fact, uh, I just want the equity of the chips I'm holding right now, get me. So I don't care about the points, the, the t- tournament champion seat, none of that stuff. I, I just want the money that my chips have earned me right now in equity. Everything else you can have, I don't care. So Mike probably said, all right, well, if that's true, then... Uh, Dump the chips to me so I have the title, and then we'll do it. So Mike probably said, okay, deal. Uh, but, you know, they don't allow chops here, so we have to finish it off. And they probably agreed to do it in this ridiculous fashion, maybe because they wanted it to be obvious and not make it look like there was uh, something shady going on. So Ryan got his guaranteed money based upon his much bigger stack. He didn't have to worry about Mike coming back from his deficit and costing him a lot of money. There was a big difference between first and second. First place was uh, a little bit more than four hundred thousand Canadian dollars, and or sorry, four hundred fifty thousand Canadian dollars. And second was three hundred thousand Canadian dollars. So a substantial difference, about one hundred fifty thousand Canadian dollar difference. It's about fifty percent more for first place than second. So Ryan was probably afraid to lose that if he ran bad. And Mike was probably just thinking, hey, I want a title. They they felt here that they both got what they wanted. Except, except, there's all these negative implications that come from it. Now, here's what bothers me. Is that these titles need to mean something. If Mike was the chip leader, this would bother me much less. Because at least Mike was ahead. At least if deals were allowed, he would have been crowned the champion. 
and that would have been that. Because when deals are made in other tournament series where deals are allowed, what they do is they give official first place to whoever had the most chips. In fact, I once made a deal at Commerce in a no-limit hold'em tournament where I was the chip leader, but the structure was so terrible in that event, it was still very much a crapshoot, so I, I forgot how many people were left, maybe, I think three. Uh, we made a deal, and I was awarded first place. But I, I was the chip leader. I was the clear chip leader. So I didn't feel guilty about being called first place there. I had the most chips when play stopped. But if you make a deal to be called the winner when you have fewer chips than somebody else in the tournament, you weren't really the winner. You can call yourself the winner. They can list you as the winner. You were not the winner because you had fewer chips. Some people say, oh, well, negotiating is a part of a skill in poker, too. So, you know, if you can use your intimidation factor to get someone to agree to, you know, let you be crowned the winner, even though you had fewer chips, that's a skill, too. No, it's not. Or it may be a skill, but it's not a poker skill. It's not a skill that should come into play in crowning a winner at a poker tournament. If you do not have the most chips of anyone in the tournament, when the tournament stops, you are not the winner. There's no way around that. There's no way you can explain when you have 4.7 million chips and someone else has 10.8 million chips that you're the winner because play stopped. No, you're not. You're second place at that moment. If you want to stop it and lock up the money, the, the, the equity you, you both have, fine. If, you, if there's a favorable cash deal that you can negotiate, let, let's say the other player is scared of you. In fact, I, I had this happen once. I was once at a, a small tournament at the Hustler. And there were like seven players left. They wanted to do a deal. I'm like, you got to be freaking kidding me, seven players. Like, I go, I'm a high-limit player. And I was, I was even a higher-limit player at the time than I am now. So I said, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to make a deal here. This is, uh, there's seven people left. So I saw, it, I saw it with 17 once. Yeah, so I said, I'm not doing it. <laughs> so there were six other people there who were like, you know, this was really big money to them to get like four, a four-figure payout, a low four-figure payout. So they, like to them, that was a huge deal. And I'm like, no, this isn't. So, so I actually demanded that they give me extra to, to, to agree to this. And some people were really mad at me for it. They're saying, well, why should you get extra? Why, why should you be the only one to get extra here? I said, because I don't want to make the deal. So this is, if you guys want to end it here, I didn't come here to quit with seven people left. Okay, So if I'm going to quit with seven people left, it has to be a hell of a deal for me. Otherwise, I'm not going to do it. And if you, if you guys don't like that, I understand. Then we'll play it out. So, so, so they agreed. They were all so terrified to continue playing. They, they weren't that scared of me. They were scared of like, you know, running back because the structure wasn't good. It, it was pretty much a crapshoot at that point. So they were all so afraid of losing the money they could lock up if a deal was made that they agreed. Some of them were mad at me, but they agreed. But I said, hey, that, I, I was telling the truth. I honestly didn't come down there to play that tournament to quit with seven left because the, it was a low-limit tournament. So I wanted to play it through. And I was also using it as kind of like a practice tournament because the World Series was coming up. Like I, was a, I, I really wanted to play out a final table, not quite with seven left. So if someone negotiates a better position for themselves in a deal-making situation, great. Great. That's your right to do. And if you can do it and you can use whatever skills you have to negotiate to get yourself more money, I think that's great. I think that uh, you deserve the money if you do that. However... If you want to artificially be crowned the winner, you can be the winner in your mind, but you're not the winner. How, how are you possibly the winner? So I thought that was such a strange thing for Mike to do. As Cal Watt mentioned, the chance to get sponsored these days is, is not very high. You don't, it, it's very tough to get sponsorships these days for any meaningful sum of money. 
You have to be a really big name in poker. And as good as Mike Lea is, he's not a big enough name, nor do I think he ever will be, to where he will get a super lucrative sponsorship. He's not going to be like a Daniel Negreanu being the face of poker stars. Uh, Mike Lea is a 43-year-old balding Canadian guy who's a very good tournament player. But there's many good male tournament players out there that uh, they're not getting sponsored either. So, Well, I think that definitely has something to do with it, but it's also just the, um, the media star maker power just isn't there anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you don't have that kind of uh, coverage on TV. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just, you know, obviously it's going to help if he's an attractive person. It will help even more if he's of a demographic that they're interested in going after. And it will help even more if he's female. I mean, I'm sorry, but it, it would. Um, but realistically, the cameras just aren't there to turn him into a star. Like yeah. it just, it just is not there. Especially not just know? for like a regular 43 year old white dude. Like it's just not, uh, that's, it's not going to happen for him. So, yeah, I mean, sorry, buddy, but you're you're the wrong demographic for yeah, this. Yeah. So, but but not just that. Even the right demographic. I mean, let's say he's like a um, a hot millennial girl, right? Even I mean, yeah, might get might be more inclined to get sponsorship, but the the cameras still are not there, right? In terms of it's a lot the, different building a star. You know, it's just not there. Yeah, it's a lot different than it used to be. So I still don't understand the reason he wanted this so badly. I understand why he wanted to win WPT. I understand as a a regular tournament player that this is an accomplishment he wanted. He wanted to be able to uh, even just go to sleep at night and say, hey, I'm a WPT champion. But why do it this way? This isn't real. This is just calling himself a champion when he's not. This is him buying a championship at that point. He says, oh, I didn't buy it. Yes, you did. You may not have given extra money for it, but you bought it in the fact that your opponent was scared of losing the equity he had earned and was willing to make a deal that was like a little bit favorable to you that would then give you the automatic title. But that doesn't mean you won it. That just means you, your opponent was so scared of losing the money, he agreed to dump it to you. So that's not winning it. So I don't know what satisfaction he gets out of this. I don't know what he expected. Did he expect that people would, you know, they, they weren't trying to hide it. So did he expect people would see him as a WPT champion when heads up, down 2.3 to 1 in chips? It was dumped to him? Did he think that people would not want to put kind of an asterisk on that, say, well, that's not a real WPT champion? Because it's not. So I still don't know what he thought he was gaining there. I understand why he wanted to win, why he wanted the title, but I don't understand what he thought he was gaining, either publicity-wise or just accomplishment-wise for his own satisfaction, what he thought he was gaining from doing that. That's still a mystery to me. So here is the full statement he made. He did make a full statement later that night. He definitely saw that he had to say something beyond just the short statement he made because he saw that his excellent reputation was quickly falling apart in many people's eyes. There were there were plenty of people who were defending him, especially ones who already liked him. See, when you're someone who's very well-liked, there's a lot more people who are willing to come to your defense than when you're a jerk. So since he was well-liked before this, there were a lot of people who defended him. So his history helped him here. But still, there were plenty of people who were very, very skeptical of this, and were, in fact, some were posting very, very angry comments on social media, calling him very bad things. In fact, some were even going as far as to say that we can't trust anything he's won before, 
that maybe he's bought all of his titles, which I don't mm-hmm. believe. But that's uh, you know, you, you know, I'm I'm of two minds of this, Drew. Like part of me thinks, ah, yeah, what's the big fucking deal, right? Because chops and things like this happen all the time, right? But then the other part of me is like. You know, I mean, I I think it is really kind of cheap. I don't I don't think anyone is really getting cheated out of any equity. But it would be really bizarre if like Federer and Nadal got to the men's final, right? And Nadal's like, oh, I, or, or Federer's like, I really want to win this. It's gonna, you know, give me my title. I'll just throw the match. You know what I mean? Like that's just never gonna fucking happen because they're they're competitors yeah you know? and i brought up so, this I, I brought up this to people who were defending him and saying this is okay and it's their business blah 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 i said okay think about this think about if a really rich guy like a really really rich guy someone rich outside of poker uh, let's say jeff bezos from amazon uh makes it he, he plays a poker tournament he makes it to a final table and yeah let's say maybe the first prize was uh a million bucks and Jeff Bezos says, you know, I've always wanted to win uh, one of these events, World Series, WPT, whatever. I always wanted to win one of these. But I'm afraid that you guys are all better players than me. And in addition, uh, I have the shortest stack here, so I think my chance of winning is about zero. So I have an offer for everybody here. Since I have so much money, I am offering that everybody at this table, if you're all willing to agree to dump to me, you would all have, and you all have to agree. If you all don't agree, then we don't do it. But if all eight of you agree to dump your chips to me, then and, and let me win, then I will give each of you a million dollars. You'll all get first place money. Do you know how quickly they would all agree to that? Right, sure. Yeah, they probably would. So, so, so let's say let's say he did this, okay? So, that, and then so all eight say, "Wow, I can get first place money in a nine-handed final table by just we all agree to dump." Okay, let's all dump. So they all dump to him, and they don't do it secretly. They do it the same way where it's very obvious what's happening. Would you consider Jeff Bezos a champion of that event? Would you think he was the, the winner? Would you see him as a, a bracelet holder or a WBT champion, whatever that event was? Or would you see him as someone who bought the title? Obviously, you'd see it as bought the title because uh, he didn't play at the final table. And I, I think very few people in poker would consider him a champion in, under that circumstance. I think just about that's, every- that sort of gets to... People that were complaining about Negreanu and other people like that rebuying like a bazillion times into a tournament, right? Right, right the rebuy. Is they were saying yeah. a similar thing? I mean, he's not necessarily buying the tournament, but he's definitely buying a much better chance uh, to win than the average person can, right? Yeah, but th- this is even worse though because this one, yeah, I agree. This one, you have to get to the fi- you're at the final table. So, so I think everybody would agree in this situation I just made up with Jeff Bezos that there nobody would consider him a champion of that event even if he'd be holding the title technically. So how is this any different? Just because there's two people instead of nine? Just because more money was given versus less money? It's, it's still being substantially behind in chips and saying, I want the title, so we're going to make a deal to where I'm just handed the title. We don't have to play any further. I'm 2.31 behind in chips, and I win. And there's no way that is... An actual title. So when you start listing people's accomplishments in, in tournament poker, okay, this person has three WPT titles and four World Series bracelets. Well, that, what we have to put an asterisk now. Say, well, how many of those did they actually win? And how many of those did they uh, win through deal making? Like, it's a stupid thing to have to even consider. I, I think it's right that these need to be played out, even if they're. I, I wouldn't be against there being a deal for money to where the players chop. Uh, 
you know, the difference between first and second based upon their chip stacks and then play for a small amount at the end. At least they're really playing it out. At least they're really playing it out and competing. But when, when there's an intentional dump and the person who's behind is declared the winner, that does not sit well with me and it, and it cheapens any of these titles. And if you say, well, these titles don't mean much anymore. There's so many bracelets given out every year, so many WPT events. Who cares now? It's not like it used to be. Well, okay, then don't have them. Then, then there shouldn't be bracelets or titles. There, there shouldn't be different brands of tournaments. It should just be generic tournament one, generic tournament two. It, it, there shouldn't be any of this stuff. If all you're doing is caring about the money, then there shouldn't be any kind of titles or trophies or, or listing people's tournament accomplishments by, by titles and, and trophies. It, it, all that should be out the window if that doesn't matter. But if it well, does... We all, we all know a lot of that is kind of bullshit anyway, right? It is somewhat, but there's but th- th- there there is a competition aspect. There is a, an accomplishment right. aspect. No, I agree there's a competition aspect. I was more speaking of, like, when you look at, you know, the uh, Hendon Mob report of, you know, $10 million in tournament winnings. You oh, know, yeah, that's like, BS. Okay. That's BS because you don't, you don't know if that person's actually won. They may have bought right. it more than they won. But, but at, right. least, at least these titles... They've really won, even if they spent a lot of money sure. trying to do it. So at least real, so real talk, Druff. Yeah, you are at the final table of the limit hold'em event, and someone's got a two to one chip lead over you, and he says, "Look, you know, I don't really care about the bracelet. Let's do an equity chop, and you can have the bracelet." No, I, I would say no. This is what I'd say. I'd say no. What we can do is uh, we can play for. Yeah, I, we can do an equity chop for almost all the money, leave a little bit behind, and then just play it out. And whatever way it falls, it falls. And, and people asked uh, him why he didn't do that, and, and I'll read his statement. You'll see why. Because that's, that was the big question in everyone's mind. Okay, fine. Ryan wants the money locked up. Fine, lock it up. Uh, Mike wants to win this title. Fine. Why not play for something very small at that point and then see if Ryan can, or if Mike can really win it? So. And that's done very often. That's done often, and I have no problem with that part. Because I do understand. It's easy to sit at home on your high horse and say, oh, these people, they shouldn't make any deals. They should play out for the full money. Well, it's easy to say that, but when there's hundreds of thousands of dollars difference or more between not first just and that. second. Tournaments are ridiculous. That's like you're, I, just not, you're not going to get in that spot that often. Right, right. You're, you know? you're not going to be in that spot that often. The, the structure isn't that good by that point. Uh, there, so much luck is involved at that point. So... It makes sense that they don't want that much money riding on how the cards fall for the next, uh, you know, 20 hands, 50 hands, whatever it is to, to complete it. So it makes sense that uh, at that point they both want to lock more stable money up and have less based upon luck. So I have no problem with that if that type of deal is made as long as they really play it out so the winner of the tournament is really the winner. So here is his, here's his statement. Well, it's been an interesting day to say the least. Can't say I've ever experienced anything like this before. I have no issue whatsoever with people debating uh, player of the year, tournament champions, deal-making ethics, WPT rules, and whatever else they so choose. The one thing that stings me is the words buy a trophy slash title or something to that effect. I have never or will ever pay for a win, and I'll get into more detail about that later. Not sure why I feel the need to defend myself, but I feel my integrity is being attacked which doesn't feel very good. Well, how could he never predict that this is going to happen? How did he think people would see those histories, those hand histories, on the official WPT site and not say anything negative about it? I mean, that's, I, I'm shocked that a tournament veteran such as himself would not have seen the way this would have looked. Unless he really thought no one was going to see. How could they not have 
foreseen this, but going on. I'm extremely sleep-deprived, and it's been about 10 years since I've had to form paragraphs, so excuse my ramblings and grammatical errors. I think that's kind of funny that he's, he's done so little writing of any kind in the last 10 years because of, of poker play that this is like tough for him to, to actually write it out. I'm going to focus mainly on my heads-up deal at Falls View, as that's obviously what brought these issues into attack or discussion. Now, I don't like that right there. He, he's, he's like mad at the people who quote attacking him. Look, you, you made a mistake that the way this went down. You, 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 this obviously looks very bad. You've got to say something. You can't be mad at the people who are frustrated about this. You, you can defend yourself. You can explain yourself. Don't, don't be mad at the people criticizing you here. I will post a follow-up going back on my previous wins. Chops, non-chops, as not only does it seem many are curious, I too would like to review to see how many I've made over the years. A quick background. My first six or seven years playing poker, I was in and out of some sort of backing deal, so my deal-making decisions weren't always 100% my own. I have been playing exclusively on my own for about three and a half years, with no backing whatsoever since my million-dollar score in 2014, which I had sold off a good portion of my action. I did not chop heads up with Dan Coleman. Even though we were playing for about 400k, he hinted he would want more than ICM, and my pride wasn't okay with that, so we played for it all, and he won. So he was saying that uh, he could have made a deal with Dan Coleman... But uh, Coleman felt he was the better player and did not want to uh, do a deal unless it was favorable to him. And Mike Leah said, F you, and played it out and lost. And there's a 400K difference. I almost never sell action with the odd exception of the 50K Poker Players Championship at the World Series. And just about never swap any percentages. I like to play for as much as, as possible. I enjoy the competition and like all the pressure being on myself. With that said, how do I feel about shopping? I don't like it. Being deep in a tournament, making the final table, playing shorthanded with huge money on the line, playing heads up for a title, there's no feeling I can compare to it. There's nothing I love more. Well, that doesn't make any sense. If, if, if there's no feeling he can compare to it, if there's nothing he loves more than playing heads up for a title, then why didn't he play heads up for a title? Hey, Druff. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but this is kind of entertaining. Guess who is first in chips? Who? <laughs> Me. Oh, no. Guess who's second in chips? Could it be Eric? Brutal thinker. Oh, wow. (laughs) Of course it has to go that way. Oh, my goodness. See, I said you might win. I said you might win. I know it's not over. That's ridiculous. That'd be funny if you you two end up being heads up and make a deal. We're going to make a deal. Maybe maybe Eric can, uh, you know, maybe you can dump to Eric. Maybe you can say to Eric, if you'll sponsor the show again, I'm going to dump to you. I'm going to see if I can outdo uh, Mike Lea. I'm going to try and make it even more ridiculous if that happens. Maybe you'll have like a 10 to 1 lead on him and dump to him. We'll do like, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do 50 min raises and then I'll fold to his next min raise or something. How bad will this? <laughs> how bad would that look for me Like after, after I've been criticizing what Mike did this whole week and then the, uh, the co-host on this show and, and the last sponsor of the show do this exact same thing? On my own site's tournament, that would be... It is a little suspect, that would That would be an embarrassment that I would never uh, live down. Yeah. So, and I have no control either. That's the sad thing. I have no control at this point. Is that the story we're going with? Uh, that's the truth. I have no control at this point. I'm, okay, I'm not, that's I'm not what the we're one, telling people. I'm then. not the one playing. So, okay. We're not going to tell people about your admin panel then, right? Well, of course I have an admin panel. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to deny that. Of course, I, I'm the admin of the site. Of course, I have a panel. So, thanks for thanks for clicking the button for me. I appreciate it. 
So he says, I've turned down more chops than most people, that I'm sure. So why did I decide to chop this tournament and how do we go about it? I wanted to win this tournament more than any other I can remember. I was messaging a friend early day two when I had 20 big blinds, making plans for them to come back and watch the final table. I told them I was going to make it and win. This is not a normal occurrence for me. From three tables to two tables to the final table, I was focused on nothing else. The word chopper deal was never brought up by myself or anyone else. And the way the chip distribution was, often myself with one of the bigger stacks and various short stacks, I wouldn't even have considered a deal, as ICM gives more, vi- more value to the shorter stacks than I would ever want to give them in a deal. After many ups and downs, I found myself heads up with Ryan. We're Facebook friends, friendly with each other, have a lot of friends in common, both big Toronto sports fans, and we've ended up playing against each other quite a bit. I respect his game and genuinely like him, but I don't know him very well personally. As soon as we were heads up, he mentioned something about talking deal. I hadn't considered making a deal until that exact moment. I believe my words were something like, well, I wouldn't consider any deal unless I got the win, trophy, etc. I don't ha- know how- I didn't know how Ryan would respond and honestly didn't care, as I would have been happy to play for it, heads up for a WPT title. Nothing more exciting than that. But very quickly, he responded that he'd be fine with that, even if we did ICM. So, let me stop here. This is a little bit weird. I mean, it is a good deal. It's like an absurdly good deal. Yeah, right, right. But, but he, this is what I don't understand. So, they would do ICM, but then if he wants to play this, like, like if this is so important for him to win this event, why not just do ICM for just everything except a tiny bit and then play it out? Why, why was this so important for him to get crowned a title he didn't really win? That, that's the extra he got here, was a title he didn't win, plus the player of the year points, plus the tournament of champions, which was figured into the ICM deal. So why do that? I still don't get that. So he goes, um, okay, so we're going to do an even ICM deal. Sure, I may be giving up some edge, but it's not like I play heads-up poker every day, week, or even month. Wow, I get to actually be responsible and not just flip for 150K and I get a WPT title. A spot in the Champions Club, entry the Tournament of Champions, and my fourth falls you title in five years. How could I not agree to this? Well... Is the, is the guy Brian Yu, is he a pro? No, it's Ryan Yu. Uh, or Ryan Yu, whatever. I, I, I'm not sure. I've heard he's a veteran in tournaments. I'm not sure if he's a pro. I know he's played a whole lot of them. Because uh, it seems like an absurd deal for him to accept. I, I, I really think the reason Ryan did this is Ryan is just one of these guys who just doesn't give a crap about titles or trophies or anything like that. He just wanted the money, and he must have just been thinking, shit, I'm heads up. There's a 150K Canadian difference between first and second, and right. what, what if the cards fall the wrong way and, and, and Mike beats me? How pissed will I be that, that uh, you know 150K difference and that's just so much money? He was probably thinking that to himself, and then says he's probably like, hey, I'll do an ICM deal just so I get you know fairly close to first place money. Uh, just based on our ships, and, and this way there's no, no variance. And then, you know, I, I see how to him, if he really didn't care about any titles or anything, that this would have made sense to him. But I, it's more on the other side I'm, I'm confused of what Mike thought he's getting here. Like, he gets crowned a title that he didn't earn, and everyone would know he didn't earn. So he says, uh, we worked... Uh, so R- Ryan... Ryan and I went off the stage to discuss. They did not pause the clock, but we didn't mind. It seemed very likely we'd come to an agreement of terms. We worked out all the exact details and breakdown. We added the 15K seat to first for the ICM breakdown. So they, for the ICM calculation they did, they actually increased first by 15,000 because that's what that seat's worth. Which, hey, that part's fair. Uh, worked out how much I would have to give him uh, as I, I would have to sign for and get paid for first and then give him the difference. We even agreed how much we were going to give to the dealers and staff as a tip. We triple-checked our stacks, payouts, and everything. 
They said we're going to have to play it out. So that, that was the most he explained about the staff there. He probably didn't want to throw them under the bus. But they said we were going to have to play it out. So clearly the staff knew. They even probably came to the staff and said, hey, we came to a deal. Can we just stop? And the staff said, uh, no, you have to finish it. WPT says you have to finish it. So uh, Ryan and I figured the easiest and quickest way to get it over with was just for him to raise fold large portions of his stack. We did this in an extremely obvious way, making a lot of jokes and having fun. That was where the when you're beat, you're beat comment from Ryan came in. We were both extremely happy with the outcome. Now looking back, I see how it's embarrassing and disappointing for the WPT, reporting staff, and even poker players and fans having such ridiculous hand histories like that being posted on the website, live updates, and deciding the tournament that way. There had to be a better way to go about it. We were not trying to disrespect any parties involved, but we were celebrating our wins and made a decision in our own best interests. We both earned almost a million dollars at Fallsview over the last few years. Incredible, really. So I, 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 I see what he's saying here, that, and I believe him that they weren't trying to do anything nasty or anything bad or, or trying to embarrass the WPT. I believe all that. There's no proof, but I believe all that. I, I believe that they didn't have any evil or bad intentions in mind. I believe that they really just thought they came to a deal. They're forced to play it out, so they're just going to kind of play it out as a joke and think everyone's going to get a good laugh. And then they didn't realize when it was over that people weren't laughing too hard. He says, one comment I read a few times, they shouldn't have made it so obvious. In my mind, that would be a, hun- a thousand times worse if we schemed up a way to dump chips without anyone knowing. That would make it feel like cheating and collusion. It would be embarrassing for Ryan having to lose heads up. The way we did it. Well, at least at least you'd be making an effort, though. <laughs> well, I I think maybe what what they could have done is at least uh, you know, you made it a little less blatant if they were really going to do this with this dump. Which I I still don't agree with this. I still don't agree with the person who's behind in chips being crowned the title and a chip dump making that happen when WPT rules say you can't do that. But if you are going to do this. Yes, you shouldn't do it in a, a super secretive way to where people don't know, but also don't do it in as blatant of a way to where it's obvious to everyone watching. Do it kind of in the middle to where uh, it's, it's nothing like this. It's not an embarrassing thing. It's not where everybody reading it will go, what the hell? And then if it's questioned later, then then say, hey, yes, that's what we were doing, and we even informed tournament staff, informed whoever, like this way, so it's clear they weren't making a secret of it. That, that would be the best way to go about it rather than, at least in my opinion, rather than this, this craziness where that hand history is embarrassing to read, as he even conceded. So he said, the, the way we did it, we were both winners, and we were being as forthcoming as we could. There have been countless suggestions on how this could be improved in the future, and I'm quite confident from this there will be more discussion amongst the tours and hopefully an improvement in the entire system. I do agree that every major title should be played for, and if that was the case, we should have played. Well, okay, well, then you could have. This was so weird. Why didn't you then? Why didn't you say, okay, we'll leave $1,000 on the table and play for that? Why not do that? Like, I, what do you mean it should be played for? You could, nobody forced you to dump chips. Nobody forced this to happen this way. You could have made a deal and then played for it. He says, people suggesting, why didn't we chop and leave something to play for uh, and play for the trophy and, and tournament champions? And so his entire response to that yeah, is a very good question. I just asked that. That's a, so he's posing the question himself. People are wondering that. And here is his response. These would not be my terms. <laughs> well, why not? 
They should have been your terms. You can say they they would not have been your terms, but they they should have been your terms. That's, if you really wanted to play it out, if you think it's fair to play it, if you think that's the best way to do it, you should have done it that way. You just wanted the easy path to a title that you had failed to win three years ago, and you figured if this guy wanted the deal that badly, maybe you can get him to agree to dump chips to you and just hand you that title. And that's wrong. It's not cheating. Uh, you shouldn't lose any money from this. You shouldn't uh, you know, be in any trouble for this. I don't think there should be any real consequences to you other than adjusting the, the player oh, of the year. Truff, t- yeah. Truff, do you, do you have the breaking news soundtrack? Oh, yeah, I should have had that ready. Okay, one second. Just, just everybody. Got breaking news on this topic. Everybody hold your horses here. Okay, one second here. You got to let me know when it's done playing, too. Okay. Go ahead. All right, so... TMLK says, make him kneel to TMLK, and that the topic has gone on. It should have lasted 10 minutes, and it's gone on for an hour. That's, that, that's why this isn't TMLK's show. That, that's that's why, the breaking news. That's, I can't believe I, I brought up that sound effect for this. I'm uh, sorry. TMLK, see, that's the reason he's not in charge here. He made me do it. <laughs> so going back to what I was saying before, TMLK uh, – Rudely interrupted me by proxy. The he, he should have done it this way. So he said, chop fairly or give me the win or we play. The fact that my opponent chooses to give me the win or lock up their equity is their choice. My reputation, my play at the table, my intimidation, my likability, whatever else it is that goes into the decision to give me more money or give me the trophy, that's something that I have earned over time. No. You've earned the cash over time. If there's a deal that's made for you, that gives you more money because your opponent respects you, fears you, whatever. Yes, you've earned that over time. The trophy you have not won, you have not earned over time. That's chip dumping. Chip dumping is never allowed. So he goes on to say, Ryan had his own motivations, some of which he shared on Twitter. I won't speak for him, but he seemed more than content and knowledgeable regarding the tournament champions and that he had put some thought into making a deal. Regarding player of the year... What should be done in deals? Split points among the chopping players, whether even by ICM. This makes sense, but WPT doesn't facilitate deals so they can't chop the player of the year points. Should I get somewhere in between first and second points? Yes, but uh, what about all the other deals that's happened already this year, past years, and will continue to happen going forward? Penalize me because we didn't try as hard to hide it? Either way, Ryan and I receive the same total amount of points. It's not like either of us are running in the running for player of the year. I have one previous small cash this season. Maybe he had more. I'm not really sure. But other than a, contend- a contending player trying to buy points late in the season, this is probably the least important part of the debate. I agree it's probably not going to matter, but this does rocket him up to 13th place. So he's not like like 100th where he has no shot. So that's... Is that just because it's early in the season? or I'm not even sure, but I, I, I read he's in 13th place. Because I think the, the World Series of Poker is going to make all the difference, isn't it? Well, no, this is, uh, this is player of the year for WPT. Oh, right, right, right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, so uh, so I, I think that he should be, uh, I, I think for sure, downgrade both, uh, well, I mean, Ryan already got second, but they should downgrade him to second. That, that would be the most fair. They, they didn't play for first. There, there should be no first here because they didn't play it out. So it should be, and, and he was behind, so you can't even say he deserved first being, being in, you know, first in chips. So if Mike Leia does end up going on to win it, and and the difference between him winning it and losing it is the the extra points he got for first place. 
Is he more or less of a deserving champion than uh, Chris Ferguson? I realize, <laughs> I realize not, they're for different titles. Believe it or still. not, Chris Ferguson is more deserving because he actually won it without any kind of uh, assistance. Mm. Like he really earned his points. At least he's a jerk. And I, he's I, a, I know it's tough, but I think I'd have to agree with you. Yeah. Like I don't. I don't want to say that, but yeah. Now, now here's you know? here's a question for Mike, and I, I I posted this back to him. I said, wait a minute. If you're insisting that this matters so little. If you're saying you have no chance, you're not contending for player of the year, okay, well, then offer to give them back. Offer to say, I offer the, the, the WBT to downgrade my points to second place. Why not just say that? If you think it's not going to matter, then why not just give them up? So it sounds to me like he, he does think they may matter, and he does want to give them up. Why, why would you ever want the player of the year points if you think you have no chance of getting there? So, and I think it would really look terrible for him if he does win it somehow. So... Definitely, th- those should be taken away from him. The difference well, what, between- what would the conversation be? I mean, it, it's probably not going to happen. But if it does happen, that he wins, and his margin of victory is the difference between the points that he got here for first and second, like, can you imagine? Yeah, that would really make him look horrible. <laughs> I'm surprised he even wanted it at that point. So, so yeah, oh, he, he should just, he should just give him up. That's the simplest solution there. Now. Tournament champions, he says, again, like the points, one of us was going to win a tournament champion entry this this year, and the buy-in option for future years. So I guess once you've won it, you can also buy in for 50K to sit at that table if you want. It's not like we found a way to sneak in an extra player or something. He opted for the cash while I opted to get the shot to try and win more uh, or lose the 15K value. Did I earn my way into the club? Is the TOC diminished because we made a deal with two players left? I think this has been overblown. Sure, in a perfect world, we want every player in the Tournament of Champions to win an event outright, but that's not a reality. Who knows how many, quote, winners this season and past seasons have made a deal to decide who wins. More than me, that is 100% sure. Well, I don't know if it's 100% sure. Do you, I, don't know if 100, if, I don't know if people made a deal to get it who are behind in chips, and if they did, they should be out too. But the point is, the, it's just like, look, I could shoplift from the store down the street, and when they catch me, I could say, well, do you know how many people stole from the store before that you didn't catch? So why not let me walk, too? Uh, so do you, do you think there's any shot that it makes sense for uh, Colonel Nigel Fabersham or Chico Loco could call Fallsview and uh, kind of ask them about this? <laughs> well, well, see, see if they got anything to say for themselves? The problem is it's 1 a.m. We'll just get some people in the, in the uh, tournament room, in the poker room that won't know. I already know. Well, that, already... that could be funny having Chico Loco go ballistic. <laughs> just on some already... poor, I'll, innocent employee. I'll, I'll consider. I just I, I can already okay. predict that call before it even takes place. Uh, so, so I, I th- now what do I think should happen? I think the tournament champion seat should not go to him because this is buying. This really is buying your way into a seat that you did not earn, and this is a closed tournament that you can only enter if you've won a WPT event. Uh, uh, main event, I believe. That, uh, or I'm not sure if it's main or not. But it, you can only get in there for uh, you know, having won this year, at least for free. And he didn't win. So, think of how someone would feel at their table if they think Mike Lee is much better than Ryan Yu, and you have him at your table, and then he beats you. Wouldn't that feel crappy to think he shouldn't even be here? Like I, I just don't think a, a player should be able to buy their way in by being awarded a title they didn't really win, and that's what he did. 
So I don't I like mean, he, he might be good with it. You know, there are plenty of people who, uh, and I'm not, I'm not equating what he did with this, but there are plenty of people who've stolen money and they seem real happy to spend it. Oh, I'm not know? saying he shouldn't be. I'm saying that his opponent, think of your opponent oh, as the tournament yeah. champions and, and he's at your table to your left and he takes a lot of your chips. And you're thinking, shit, he shouldn't even be here. Why, yeah. why am I losing to him? So that it, it's not like he can just choose to buy in. It, this is a 15K seat that he was given that he shouldn't be there. So that I this is what I think. I think that That'd be great if you won that. <laughs> yeah, again. So, I, I want to envision the worst possible scenario just so there's a shit storm. Right. So I, I want I want him to win the the tournament of champions and I want him to win the player of the year by just the narrowest of margins. So this is what I would do. If I were in charge of the WPT, this is what I would do at this point. Number one, he dump, there was chip dumping and that's definitely against the rule. They they can't ever claim that's that's okay. Even if the the floor men knew about it. So this is what I would do. Uh, I wouldn't attempt to demand he give back any of the money. Whatever monetary agreement they made stands. Uh, I wouldn't even ban him from the WPT. Some have said that he should be banned. I don't think so. I think he should be warned, not banned. He should be warned, don't do this again, but uh, not banned. But the player of the year point should be downgraded to second, and the tournament of champion seat, I think, should just be vacant. The, the money should be in the prize pool, but it should be like he's disqualified. It should be like he bought in and then got disqualified immediately. And you can say, well, that's not fair. What about his 15K equity? Well, that, that's that's what you get for trying to get it through chip dumping, which is against the rules. Truthfully, chip dumping is against the rules. And truthfully, they could have actually disqualified them both and redistributed the prize money. They they didn't. It would have been, yeah, that would have been a real big uh, brouhaha if they did that. But when someone is doing something like chip dumping at a tournament, even with heads up, that you could face very harsh consequences in any tournament. I think this would not be a harsh consequence. This should be was be a minor consequence compared to everything else that's happened here. But I think that's the fairest thing, because this way, nobody else is affected. This way, his player of the year points get rolled back to where they should have been, and he will not be in the Tournament of Champions, nor will Ryan, because they both refused to play it out as they were supposed to. And yeah, give them give both second and strip them of the title. Yeah, strip them of the title and, and have have that seat empty and leave the 15K in there for the other people who are at the table. So I mean, if they if they really care about deal-making and chip-dumping and all that kind of stuff, that would be a way to do it, but I, I just kind of have the feeling they don't really give a shit. No, I don't think they're going to care. I, I agree. I don't think yeah. anything's going to happen. Now, he says, it's not like I'm a billionaire who fought my way, who bought my way into a, an exclusive club. I had to fight my way through a field of 517 players to the final two and earn enough respect from my opponents to, to make a deal that gives me the win and everything that goes with it without me giving away extra money. Now, I would feel somewhat differently if someone were to actually buy the win, if I had offer an extra 2K, 10K, 5K, uh, 50K, 100K, where the, where the line is, I'm not sure. It is, it is negotiating. It isn't buy, it, is it negotiating or is it buying? But that scenario does not and never will happen and will never involve me too much pride. And then he lists his various titles. He lists some online titles. He listed that uh, five... World Series of Poker Circuit Rings, his World Series bracelet. He said, all of these were won without a deal. Some other wins were chopped. Some of my other losses that were listed as losses were chopped over the years. Well, notice what he doesn't list here. He listed a bunch of online scores, five World Series Circuit Rings, and a World Series of Poker bracelet. What is missing from here? What don't we see? Team MLK Ruff, trying to I, I don't see a, a WTP bracelet. So, yes, this is his fourth win at the WPT Falls View in five years. How come those are not listed? That means all of them were 
probably made through deals. And someone alleged on 2 plus 2, and again, you have to take this as the greatest salt. It's just a random 2 plus 2 person who could be lying, and there's no proof that was offered. But he said that his buddy also sold a win to one of these WPT Falls View wins on a preliminary event that he had in the past. One of those past three that he won was also won in the same fashion. But the, we don't have any proof of this, but this is what's claimed. But at the very least, it seems clear... Because, believe me, if the other three, if he won these other three without making a deal, he would have said so here. That would have been pretty big for him to say. So, since this was not listed, he clearly made a deal. Now, maybe he was the chip leader there, but maybe he wasn't. Or maybe he wasn't for some of them. So, this may not have been the first time he bought a title from behind. And that's especially obnoxious if, if he's you know, going around bragging, I, I have four WPT wins in the last five years. Well, were you ever ahead in chips when he made the deal? Uh, I, I won. I have the trophy, don't I? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we don't have Mike Lay's number, do we? No, no. I, I, I think I think he's probably he I, he gave me a like on Facebook when I said I was going to post his statement on Poker Fraud Alert. I, you know, I, I wonder if I want to see what he says. I'm, I have nothing against him. Unlike other people I report on on the show, some of them I just, like truly don't like. I have nothing against him. Okay, but uh, you know, I, I but I'm not going to hold back my feelings here. So th- that's about it. There's nothing much more to say about this. It's just if he's listening, call in. Mike Lee, for for some reason you happen to be listening, call in. We want to hear your side of the story. Now, you know, sometimes my dog will be outside barking, barking, barking to come in, and we don't want to let the dog in at that point because the dog hate right. The dog the dog will learn that if it just repeatedly barks that you you let him in at that point, then it makes him want to bark more. I, I said I'm never gonna, I said I'm never You're going to take about this topic for an hour and a hang half. Hang on, hang on here, hang on. It's just absolutely listen. listen. I, you called me. He, he called. He was hammering me with about twenty straight phone. Calls, exactly what I tell them not to do. Oh and now, now I take it. You I, just, you just train the dog. He's gonna, He knows what works now, Drew. That's what I'm saying. I, I made a mistake here. But, but Tim, okay, you have to understand. This is this is a show about poker, about uh, scams and scandals in the poker world, about controversy in the poker world. Uh, we we have this as the lead topic this week. So. There was a lot to discuss, and we discussed it. It's it's finished. We're going to move on to other things. But you you're not the one who dictates the pace of this show. You have to understand. This is this is Chinese New Year right now. You should respect TMMLK. It's Year of the Dog. I'm not Chinese. I, I don't have to respect anything. No, but you should be wishing TMMLK a happy New Year. So that's why you called twenty times in a row, so I can wish you a happy New Year. Xinyan Kuala. Ah, <laughs> yeah, No, but I mean, rough. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you are you admitting? Eleven minutes. Wait, hang on, hang on. This is a good, good question. Are you admitting that you are Chinese? You've never admitted before you're Asian. Well, you guys know that. I already told you that. No, you didn't. You, you, bad guy always says you're Asian, but you said you won't answer it. You're you're saying you actually are Chinese. Ihama. I don't speak Chinese. Is that yes? Ihama <laughs> mohanhao. Yes. <laughs> so are you are you are you full Chinese or are you half Chinese? Let's have it. This is like a po- this is gonna be like a poker table. English, please. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Let's be realistic here. Are you just mad that you don't have a WPT bracelet? I have played one WPT event in my life, and it was more than ten years ago. So no. No. That, okay. But you do have a World Series bracelet. I do. 
So I'm not mad because I the, the event the series I do play a lot. I have a bracelet, and the series I've played once in my life more than a decade ago, I don't. So obviously, I'm not going to have a WPT bracelet if I'm not trying for one. Oh, Trader Ruski just took a brutal beat, man. Where is he? He should call in and be part of this show. Well, here, I'll try to connect he, him. We, we need to get him in. Get him in here so we can console him on that. That was okay, rough. Let's, let's try to put him on here. I just I can't uh, believe I answered Tim McKay. So, Tim McKay, are you full Chinese? Just answer in English so we understand. I I can't divulge just at this time. But you're at least partially Chinese. Uh, maybe. This is very frustrating. Trader Ruski, hello. What's up, guys? I was coming after you if I win that pot, Kawat. Trader Ruski, stop getting it in with an overpair, for fuck's sake. <laughs> I know, my bad. That, that dude, I don't know if you were at the table, that dude got it in with an under... Yeah, twice in a row, Druff, he got it in with an underpair versus an overpair. Spiked a set both times and just shoved one right up Trader Ruski's yeah, ass. That's a rig. Yeah, it's I, a rig I, poker. I tens run into sixes. Yeah. So, <laughs> that's brutal. Did you... Did you post in the uh, chat G A Y? I should have. <laughs> All in three different letters G A Y. Trough. A lot of people were complaining on the um, chat that your Subway Tomatoes on the side would have been a better segment. Okay, I I don't know who is complaining or if you're even telling the truth, but that's why I no, sometimes... it's actually on the chat right now. Okay, here, here, I'll, I'll go read. But here's the, the truth only thing is, I well, see on the chat. Th- thanks for putting me on because I have a whole different perspective I'd okay, like to okay. discuss. Let's, oh, hear no, 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 Let's hear it. No, 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 no. Let's hear it. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. The only thing I see in chat is it says TMLK cum drinker is the only. <laughs> no, no I swear, I swear up. that's in the chat. Scroll I up. believe you, but you had to scroll up. It says somebody said that tomatoes on the side would be a better story, and um, and what else? The divorce of uh, one of the is it Jennifer Aniston would be a better topic. It says Druff's a Democrat. Yeah, I see that does, part. I, I don't understand does, that part. Does he have good teeth? Okay, uh, Trader Risky, what's your perspective? You say you see it differently. No, he's joking. I, I was just breaking uh, Tim O'Kay's wells. He, he didn't. He was torturing everyone and going to extend the listen, topic. I think. <laughs> if you didn't know about this issue and they legitimately went under the table and played it out as if he was going to win, you wouldn't have an issue with this. Confirmed, and I. If I didn't know, of course I wouldn't. Then how, how could I have an issue I don't know about? Well, there you go. So why are you so like excited about this? There's like, a lot of things that happen in the world that I don't know about that I'd be unhappy about if I knew that. That's a, that's a stupid argument. No, but I'm saying that if he chipped him, for example, which is obviously clear that he did, it doesn't matter if he won that way or if they had an agreement where they played it out over 20 hands. It's They're still breaking the rules, right? No, no, no. But there, if, if, if they played it out and he won over 20, they just played it out for a small amount of money and, and Mike Leo won, then fine. Then he won. Then I don't care about the money. No, there's no cameras. So he could just say, you know what? I have the best stand here. Just call me, and that was the end of it. You would have no problem there, right? He could have said, I have two pair. Okay, I call. You're not making any sense. One, hand. one way you're either. No, what I'm saying is, for example, the guy, say it goes to the first 10, right? They see the flop turn and river, and, and the guy says, you know what? I have you beat here. Call me. I have top pair, and the guy knows that he can't beat him. Okay, I call. And well, okay, that's, a, that's the same thing. It's the same thing of a, a form of, oh, really? uh, of chip dumping. Well, prove that. We're not talking about proof. We're just talking about what's right to do and whether the, the win is legitimate. We're not talking about proof. This isn't a court of law, or and we're not it talking is. about we're, and we're not talking about whether I would know about it or not. That's not 
material here. Okay, let's move on here. We're, we're done with this topic. Jesus. That's, that's, that's what you wanted. You want the topic to be done, but then you extend it by talking about it yourself. Okay. Something completely different. Right, right. Something completely different that just happened today. I, you know what? I'm wrong. It happened two days ago, but I found out about it today. Anna Kate got a disturbing uh, call claiming that her father was being held hostage. And if you think about it, if you don't, you know, don't live with your parents or whatever, then you get this call and someone claims that, then you always have to wonder for a second, well, hold on, what if it's true? Unless there's something like really obvious that uh, th- that makes it obvious it's a scam. But uh, of course, this can be scary at first. So this is what happened. She got a call from a number in 646, which is a New York number. And a really weird backstory that uh, her father got into a car accident with with someone else. That two people were in the car who, uh, for whatever reason, uh, couldn't be discovered. So... They had to this, take. This him. isn't going to have like a Vanessa Russo style plot twist, is it? No, no, it's really not. No, there's, there's no, right. there's no craziness involved here. Sadly. Just trying to prepare myself. No. All right, but but that uh, basically they had to take him prisoner because they couldn't let uh, they they couldn't just go through the normal thing of, of of a car accident and the cops maybe showing up that they had to quickly get out of there and they had to grab the father so to make sure he didn't talk and now they've decided they're going to hold him for ransom. So here here's part of the call with. Uh, Anna and this person calling from the 646 number, which is a New York-based number, and I I believe she is in New York, so it is a local-looking number. For some reason, it's not not coming up here. Twitter's a piece of crap. This is a video she posted to Twitter. I have a second video she sent me privately, but this one, this is the first one that she posted publicly. Boy, Twitter's such a piece of crap. Let me try to bring this up a different way. I can't believe this. I try to play it from like an embedded Twitter. And it's not playing. Okay, I'm gonna try here. I think I think it'll work directly on Twitter. Can you guys hear it? Oh, it's a little soft. Let me see if I can turn up the volume. Could you guys hear anything when I was playing it? Were you guys able to hear? How come nobody's Sorry, answering? yeah, I could hear it. I was on mute. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, I could like, hear nobody's it. answering me. But am I going crazy here? Okay, here we go. It was an accident. Okay. Holy shit, hashtag king has fallen on rough times, man. <laughs> Let me calm down. Let me calm down, okay? Because I really don't want to hear you falling. Listen, I need you to get everything, all right? Get your ID, get a pen and a pencil, and start driving to the bank, okay? I want you to go get the money. When do you get the money, all right, you got it. Thank you, doctor. He's already taking care of the kid, all right? I'm going to give you the doctor information. You're going to transfer give me, give me the doctor's information. No, no, listen. When you get to the place, I'm going to give you everything you need to know. You need, all right? Don't ask me what I have to do here because my brother, they're going to get mad if you try to give me instructions, okay? Okay, well, now it's, I'm, I'm not... Listen to me. The fact that you're pressuring me so quickly, you have to wait, okay? I have to know what's going on. 
I have to know the doctor's okay. name where I'm sending the money. When you pressure right, so listen, fast, listen, I don't know. No, 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 listen, listen. Not, you need to give me my goddamn, yo. She's not, she's not listening, yo. Listen. Man, I don't want her no problems, okay? That's how the video ends. So you may wonder, what's the story with this doctor? What's this doctor that was being talked about there? So here's here's the story. This is from her own description on a page which discusses scams related to this exact phone number. There's other people who've gotten calls from this exact number pulling the exact same thing. She says, I got a call from this number a few days ago, and the guy sounded frantic. He said, is this Anna Kate? She said, I said, yes. He said, your father's been in a car accident. He's okay, but my nephew's seven, and he doesn't look like he's going to make it. Your father keeps trying to call the cops, and my brother and I can't be caught by police. So your father is now with us in a house, in our house with a gun to his head. He gave us your number and said that you can go help with the doctor's fees. So if, we, if you can, we will let him go. He sounded angry, and at first I thought this was real. I was crying and trying to figure out what to do. Thankfully, a few markers, like go to the bank quickly and don't hang up the phone. If you don't have 2K, I can take whatever, made me realize that this was a scam. We called the cops, and then they said, sadly, many people fall for this. So, the, so, so yeah, that, that was a story that uh, in this accident, supposedly their nephew is going to die. His father's, his father's okay, but because the two other people in the car, the two adults in, in the other car, uh, couldn't be caught by police for whatever reason that they took the father hostage and and uh for the doctor's bills they, they hired some private doctor who, and, and so he, she better send the money for that doctor to take care of their bills for for this accident otherwise they're going to kill her father that's that's the kind of weak backstory with this here's the other portion of the call which has only been released to me so far can you guys hear this Yep. Yes, sir. Okay, good. Let's see. Let me bring this back up. Damn it. I had it up and then... Let me bring it back here. I lost it for a second. Here we go. Everything. I need you to get in your car. What you gotta do. You gotta pay the doctor. When too many children, we, you pay the doctor, we gotta put him in the phone, and you, we gotta take it to whatever place you, you want that we take it safe, okay? So we can let him go, alright? Okay, um, alright, and you're in the, you're, you're, this isn't a prank, right? This is your 100%. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, listen, I'm, I'm giving you my word that I don't play games. This is not a game, okay? This is my little name. I give you my word. That That's very valuable here. I, I love when you call scammers and they say something like, I give you my word, I promise you. That, that really means a lot. Anyway, so we're going to call up this number. Uh, obviously, this is a scam. This is a, a scam which I have not dealt with before. I, I assume most of you have not dealt with this. But this, this is a more, uh, this is a scarier one than the variety that has been going around. The IRS scam, the bank scam, the... Uh, Microsoft or Dell computer scam. This this is worse than them all. Prior to this, the worst scam was the IRS one, where they claim they're coming down to arrest you if you don't send the money right now. But the thing with the IRS scam, you have to be really, really naive to fall to fall for that. To think the IRS uh, is calling you, especially some guy with an accent calling their something from the IRS, send the money right now. I mean, you'd have to be really naive to believe that that would be true. But in this case. My wife actually got one of those. 
Really, the IRS, yeah, and they're they're pretty common. I've never got an IRS call. I've got a lot of. She like, she handed it over to me so I could talk to the guy, and the guy was just talking about, you know, if you don't take care of this, we're going to send the police right over. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> <laughs> I'm here. I'm I'm happy to talk to him. Go ahead, send him over. <laughs> he hung up. Obviously. Yeah, they. So that one is not nearly as bad as this because. With the IRS call, you're supposed to believe it's actually an official from the government. So as soon as you realize this is not the way the government would ever operate, then it's pretty much over. Here, the person calling you is admitting that they're criminals. They're, they're admitting that these are criminals who are running from the police that are holding a gun to your father's head. So there's no more deciding like, oh, I, the, the IRS wouldn't act like this. Dell wouldn't act like this. Microsoft wouldn't act like this. Here, it's a criminal. So of course you could act like this. So here... You actually have to think for a second and say, okay, uh, what are the chances this is true? Now, of course, one way to know it's true is either if your father isn't alive anymore, you know it's not true, or if uh, you can reach your father during this and he tells you that, no, he's not being held hostage, then clearly it's not true. Uh, but you know, what if you can't reach him at this moment? Then what do you think? Do you, do you hang up on them and tell them, you know, fuck off and... and Fear that perhaps someone who really is holding your father hostage is going to kill him. What if, what if he ends up being killed? Now, there are ways, she called them markers, there are ways to tell, for example, if you say right there, hey, I'm going to contact my father right now and make sure he's really with you, or, or if he, maybe he's at home, this could be a scam. If they really are holding him, they say, yeah, fine, go ahead, check. If they say, no, no, don't do this, man, you've got five minutes, then you know that, they're, that they don't want you to do it. Because if, if they really are holding your father and want you to pay a ransom, they, they, they're happy to have you check into things to make sure he's really there. Uh, if they're trying to prevent you from doing that, then obviously they're trying to hide something. So, so yes, there, there's ways to authenticate it. But you can see how this is much more scary for people. And this is something that's been increasing. Now, oddly enough, they claim this has been coming out of Mexico, not out of the usual sources such as... India or Nigeria or Senegal or one of these other countries that's known for these telephone and email scams. So Mexico is one I haven't really heard of being involved in this, but apparently that's they're the ones who've developed this particular scam. Now, what's interesting is reading down on this web page for this particular phone number where people post about their experiences with a certain number calling them, Others have said that they got this exact same call and the exact same story, but some said they tried to call the number back, and the guy answered. So, of course, we're going to call that number. Admittedly, it is late in New York. where they Most of these calls have come in to people who are in New York. Yeah, no shit, it's late in New York. <laughs> so, so, they may wonder why there's a call coming at this time, but uh, we're going to have a shot anyway. We will see if they answer. Now, it has been about a week since this started, this scam, from this number. So they may be on to the fact that there's... But the person you called has a voicemail box that has not been set up yet. Goodbye. Shocking. Goodbye. So usually by the time we get to these, they've either been shut off or they're just not answering because they know a lot of people are going to call up. Because what, what happens... Is after this get TMLK to call them like thirty times in a row. I bet will answer. <laughs> well, here clearly they have the phone turned off, so either they've abandoned the number or they just have it off at this time of night. But let's see. The last report of of them answering the phone was uh, 
uh, it looks like about a week ago, so maybe that's the problem. But I just found out about this today. So, yeah, I, I, I don't think that they did this because they knew of Anna Kate from poker or even from her uh, political activism. I think that she was just kind of a random victim. I think that they, apparently, according to police, that they buy lists of names and phone numbers and just call up and they, you know, they ask for the person by name. And then they, they even will have a list of their relatives, which is easy to get. And then they'll claim, you know, such and such relative is with us. We're holding a gun to their head. Here's the story and pay money right now. So be aware that's happening. If you get one of these calls, don't panic and think that your dad or some other relative is being held hostage. It is a scam. And if ever you get one of these calls, just tell them you want to verify. Tell them I'm going to call my dad right now. Hold on. If they don't want to let you hold on, then you know it's BS. If, uh, if you get the IRS calling you and you tell them you want to call them back, don't just call them back. Sometimes they have a number that can be called back, but say, I'm going to call the regular IRS phone number that I find that, that I have already. Uh, what extension are you there? If it's uh, Dell or Microsoft saying you have a virus, uh, you'll never get those calls. They never call people like that proactively, so that's always a scam. Basically, any of these cold calls where you get a call from someone claiming to be from a company or an organization and, or, or anything, and they claim that you have to pay money immediately, uh, it's a scam. 100% of the time. Unless you actually know you owe that company money, but still often not. Sometimes you owe the company money and, and they call you up. It, 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 it's, it's a company that frequently people owe money to, like you know the phone company or the cable company, and uh, they scam people that way too. So if there's ever any question, just call back a good number for that organization and then get to the right department and ask, is this true? Never accept a call to you. I actually got an interesting call that I thought was a scam. It turned out not to be. In fact, when I Googled it, it was listed as a scam, and it turned out not to be. I got calls from Wells Fargo, which sounded very kind of suspicious, almost like they were playing a recording to me, saying that they need to discuss my account and they need to verify some checks. I'm thinking, this has got to be scam. Like, I was just about sure. In fact, I got one of these back in October. I didn't even bother to return it because I was so sure it was a scam. I got another one in January, and I said, eh, let me let me call back. I'm just, I'm just curious. I'm not going to fall for it or give them any info or give up anything. So I called up, and I actually pretended to be Colonel Fabersham. I didn't even say I was me. So I called up. I gave them the reference number. But it was an American answering the phone. And just the, the whole demeanor, the whole thing kind of seemed like it was real. But then there were people warning online that it's a scam and that, you know, watch out, it sounds real. So I wasn't sure what to think for the, from that exact same phone number and the exact same description of the message I got. But they were saying they need to verify some checks. So I said, yeah, and this is on a number that I have that I rarely use. This is a, I, I have a number of phone numbers and one of them I have, like I barely use it. So that it was associated with that, and I don't have any bank accounts associated with that number. So I told them this is probably, I said, this is either a scam or it's something that, you know, someone listed my phone number as theirs when it's not. But they wouldn't give me much information. In fact, since I already said I was Colonel Fabersham, I didn't want to change it at that point and tell, her, tell them who I really was when I kind of believed them. So I actually hung up and called back the same number to get someone else, and this time I was myself. And yes, it was really Wells Fargo. It really was Wells Fargo's security department, and really somewhat, there was some issue that they wouldn't tell me with two checks that were written with someone who had an account using this particular phone number, which, again, is a number I almost never use and just about nobody has for me. 
So you pass some bad checks again, Drew. So I, I told them. I told them this is obviously some kind of scam. Now here's the weird thing: this particular phone number was. Uh, I won't go into the whole story, but it was never anyone's phone number until I took it. It, it belonged to someone else who I, I'm friends with, who kind of had it as a. It, it was kind of a extension to his business that was rarely used, but it was a cool phone number. So when he shut the whole thing down, I took that phone number from him. Is that the boobs number that you gave me? No, I wish I had a boobs number. But Mm. anyway, I took the number. So I asked, I said, there's only one possibility if it's not me. And I gave him that guy's name. He said, nope, that's not, that's not the name either. So I found out later it was actually a, uh, it was like a middle Eastern sounding name. They actually gave me the name and someone I never knew. So, some guy established an account at Wells Fargo, has been writing bad checks, and gave my phone number as his, and that's why I was getting these calls. So I told them for sure this was never this guy's phone number. This was not. This was not a case of like this is once his number and disconnected and it became mine. I go. This number has not belonged. I said it's belonged to either me or someone I know very well going back to the '80s. So there's no way this guy ever had this number. So obviously he intentionally gave a phony number, and if you're having issues with checks, then this is almost surely a scam. So they said, okay, we'll note that down. I said, also, please take my number off your system here, because I, I don't want to get any more yeah, of these right. calls. So they, they said they would, and I haven't gotten any more since then, but it's only been a few weeks. But uh, yeah, it looks like some Middle Eastern dude was... I don't know why he gave that number. I guess he just picked one out of the air and turned out to be my number. But uh, well, i got a tournament update for you, Drew. Yes. We're at the final table, and... Attorney Ben Zamokin is still in. Mm. I'm in too. I'm the chip leader, and I I uh, am on his left. And what, what position is he in? How many people are left? Uh, he is in. There are nine people. He's in seventh. He's doing all right. The audience is going to get pissed at me, but I, I want to jump back, sort of, to the first topic that they kept telling us to end. But not. But but. TMLK just went no. He's, he's going to flip out. But no, this isn't about Mike Leah though. This is about me. Okay. In 2006, I had a situation where I was at a final table where this exact thing happened. Where the second place person in chips heads up bought the win, and I was the one who brought this to the media and really made this uh, blow up and made the person look bad. The person involved was Liz Liu. She was at the Limit Hold'em final table in 2006, March of 2006, with me and seven other people. It was a nine-handed final table. Just a $1,100 buy-in Limit Hold'em event at Commerce. But back then in 2006, because poker was so huge, they actually had tournament reporters for each preliminary tournament. So there was a guy sitting there reporting on each hand of the Limit Hold'em tournament, would you believe? And that was Max Shapiro, who is a writer for Car Player Magazine, the guy who writes that uh, read him and laugh column. So he also worked as a tournament reporter, apparently. Anyway, Max Shapiro, who's you know, pretty old, and he, he was, uh, he'd seen a lot in poker. He'd been in poker for decades. He was surprised when he saw the way this ended. Now, I busted in eighth place. The structure was terrible in this tournament. So, like, once we were at the final table, whoever caught cards was going to win. So I didn't catch cards. I was out eighth. Liz Liu got down heads up against a guy named uh, Jason Hydema, who was really a nobody in poker. He's just a guy from Silicon Valley who played poker for fun. Not a bad player, but just uh, someone who didn't care about winning titles or anything. 
Liz Liu, on the other hand, was female. Uh, she was a you know, very like high maintenance looking Asian woman. Uh, thought she was a lot hotter than she was, but she was a decent looking girl. You know, she she wanted to capitalize on like the the hot Asian chick thing in poker and try to uh, get sponsorships that way. One problem was she had not won any tournaments yet. She came in fifth at a World Series event that was televised. She she came close in other events, but she had not yet won a single poker tournament of any kind. So she really wanted that on her resume, even a limit hold'em tournament. Well, she had 40% of the chips, and Jason had 60% of the chips. And she said to Jason, how about this? How about I just give you first place money? You just, you're just going to take first place money. I'll take second place money. But you have to let me be crowned the winner. So very similar to this. So Jason said, oh, sweet, okay. But the, it was her proposing it. Jason didn't propose it, but she proposed it to him. And he said, oh, sweet. So I get first place money. I don't have to win the rest of your chips. Okay, thank you. I'll take first place money. So he took first place money. She took second place money. And she was crowned the winner. Well, Max Shapiro had never seen anything like this before. So he wrote in the article about this tournament exactly what happened. Well, later that night, I went to go look. I said, well, I finished eighth. I wonder how these other seven people did. And I looked it up and saw this story. And I said, oh, my God, what the hell is this? Well, I really wanted to bring this out because Liz Liu had always been a complete bitch to me when I played Limit Hold'em with her at Commerce. She was awful, and I don't know why. I never did anything to her. I was never rude to her. Never did anything to her. Never even talked about her on the internet prior to this. Nothing. But for some reason, from the very first time I met her, she was super bitchy and unpleasant to me. One time, I had some kind of dispute with, with the Commerce floor man about the rake. I don't remember what it was, but... I went off to the side to discuss it with a guy, and then I hear this voice, this bitchy-sounding voice, screaming at me from the, from the table. It's Liz Lou. She's yelling at me for, for discussing this with the floor man. It wasn't holding up the game. It wasn't affecting anybody else. There was nothing that was going to affect her. She just decided to be a bitch. She felt I was wrong, and she starts screaming at me from the, from the table while I'm off on the side talking about the, with the floor man. Like that, that was the way she behaved. She believed that she was a hot chick, and people had to kiss her ass, and that she got special privileges, and that she could treat anyone the way she wanted because she could get away with it, she thought. So I really disliked her. And then I saw this. And I said, oh, ho, ho, ho. <laughs> now it's time for everybody to know the truth. So I've posted this everywhere. Well, as you can imagine, uh, people started to talk about this and Liz was none too happy. Liz was hoping this would be the win that she needed to increase her marketing value. And now the opposite was occurring as I was discussing how she bought a win. And when you Googled her name, that would come up. So she was very unhappy about this. So, so you're making friends again, huh? Yeah, so she ran to Max Shapiro and told him, you've got to take this, this description down. You've got to take this report down. It's killing me here. You've got to take this down. So she browbeat Max into taking it down and to changing it to saying that uh, she quit at this point and took the money, took the second place money, because what people don't know about her is that you know she's from Vietnam and she donates to poor people in Vietnam, to Vietnamese charities that distribute to poor people there. So she made this deal so the charity would get more. <laughs> Why, why is there always a charity? 
So I right. So I said, you know, I said that makes no sense. Wait a minute, you took less money. So if you're really giving a percentage of your wins to charity, you just screwed the charity. You took less money to be declared the winner. So therefore, the charity got less. So this didn't help the charity, hurt the charity. And second, this doesn't explain why you wanted to be declared the winner. That doesn't help the charity at all. So of course, everyone agreed with me, and she looked even dumber. So she got really mad, and she was telling people like Neverwind how much she hated me. But I didn't care. And I said, you know what? I, and I said this. I posted this out there. I said, you know what? If this was someone I liked and I saw this happening, you know, if it was someone I liked, I probably wouldn't have said anything. If it was someone I was neutral on, I would have mentioned it, but I wouldn't have, like, pressed this everywhere. It was the fact that she had treated me so poorly leading up to this that when I saw this, I wanted everyone to know. And I said, this is what happens. You, you may think because you, you see yourself as a hot chick and you can get away with everything and you can treat people poorly. And what are they going to do about it? Well, this is what happens. Then, then when you do something that's embarrassing, they're going to s- scream it from the mountaintops. And that's what happened here. It's, it's also well documented that you don't like Asian chicks. No, it's not like that. It's, I, I don't care. The, I've told a story before the Bellagio of one that, was, uh, that went off on me one time, and she was uh, I think she's white or maybe like white and Middle Eastern, whatever it was. Like I, I, I've had white chicks at the table that have done the same thing that I've disliked. But Liz, like every time we played was this way. It had nothing to do with her being Asian. But uh, I just. But it is true that you don't like Asian chicks, right? No, that's, that's not true. That is not. I true. thought you said on air that you weren't attracted to Asian. I, chicks. I wasn't. I'm not as much attracted to Asian chicks as I am to white chicks. But I actually have dated a few Asian chicks in the past. Distant past, but I did. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. So uh, anyway, she. But that was that was. Uh, I mean, I thought it was wrong, no matter who it was buying the, the title like that. But anyway, it was a Limit Hold'em tournament as a preliminary event at Commerce. That's a lot different than like a WBT event where you're getting a title. This is, as I said, if it was someone I liked, I, I would have thought this is stupid, this is wrong, but I'm not going to say anything because it's something so small. But uh, since it was her and the way she had treated me, then I was very happy to bring it out there. So uh, sometimes, you know, if you, if you mistreat people, at the poker table, you never know when it may come back to bite you. That was one case. She's not really in poker anymore. She she kind of transitioned to like always playing poker, to just playing tournaments because she was trying to get a uh, you know, sponsorships and all that, and so that was the way to do it. To hold on, hold on, don't tell me. I picture her when she gets out of poker. She's like a real estate salesman. I mean, I don't know what happened to her since then, but uh, she, she. Oh, I thought I thought you knew where she went. No, no, no she just vanished from poker. I'm saying she transitioned from like always playing cash at Commerce to then you know playing some tournaments and and also playing cash to only playing tournaments to then getting kind of some kind of like low grade sponsorship huh. and only playing what she had to to just like being out of poker. Like she, even, I, I thought you were saying, I thought you were about to say that she transitioned, transitioned. No, 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 no. You know, like a Kylie Jenner kind of transition thing, no? Yeah, I don't know what what happened with her since then. I also wondered like how she got the money to play because she kind of just appeared out of nowhere with a lot of money to play four hundred, eight hundred limited commerce, and she, she she was a good player. It wasn't that. It wasn't like she was uh, you know a fish, but she she also just kind of appeared without having built a bankroll. And I never really heard of what she did for a living before that. I had wondered if there was like a divorce and she got money. I don't know. I'm just guessing here. But uh, something she also didn't like people realizing was, uh, you know, I'll give Asian chicks credit for this, is that a lot of times they look a lot younger than they are. So um, 
like they, they often age very well when they get into 30s and 40s. So she also didn't want people realizing how old she was. She was I think she was like the same age as me. And she wanted them to see her as like a, like in her 20s. So even back then, I wasn't that close to my 20s. Well, she must have had some kind of money. She had a pretty decent boob job from what I recall. Yeah, she did that. She had that too, yeah. No, she had a lot. Like you could see, she wore very expensive clothes. She had uh, expensive watch on. Like she, she was very high maintenance looking. She was someone who definitely had money. I'm just saying. I think she, I think she came into the 400, 800 of commerce already having a lot of money, not just someone who ran it up big in poker. So, anyway, uh, that was my story from the past. Let's go on to the stations casino topic. We've talked about that some of this bad beat jackpot from October, where. On the river, uh, when one guy had a straight flush and uh, the other one had, uh, was it quads, I think? Whatever. The, the guy who had the, uh, the winning hand was so excited once he realized that the opponent uh, also had some, uh, a hand that was strong enough to uh, qualify for the jackpot. The guy with the winning hand exposed it before all the betting was complete. But there was... There's, no one was clearly going to fold. They both had super strong hands. And especially with the jackpot out. Obviously nobody's folding there. And all the cards had been dealt. So they have a rule in these bad beat jackpots that you can't discuss the jackpots or you know, during the hand being played or say what you have or encourage people to act differently. And this, this is a way to they prevent people from kind of the table all colluding to where they win the jackpot. Because everybody gets a piece of it. So you don't want a situation where you, you see the type of flop that you think could produce a jackpot and say, hey, let's just all check it down because this is a possible jackpot hand. Like, you can't do that or, you, or the jackpot's not awarded. What did, what just happened here? <laughs> Sorry, nothing. I'm just laughing at the table talk. Sorry. Okay, so at Station Casino back in October, there was a big controversy because a, a guy got to the, all the way to the river, had not revealed what his hand was prior to that. And, and mentioned that he had a straight flush and that he thought that it was a jackpot hand and was all excited. And the betting tap it wasn't completely closed yet at that point. It was on the river, though. So Stations Casinos claimed that he had violated the rules and thus the Bad Beat jackpot, that a $120,000 Bad Beat jackpot was now invalid and that they did not consider that a jackpot hand because he broke that rule. So, of course, uh, Nevada Gaming was called into the situation. They ruled in favor of the players. Uh, stations did not like that. This happened at the Palms, by the way. They, they didn't like this. Or, sorry, it's a Red Rock, not the Palms. And they didn't like that, and they wanted the board to have a hearing on this. So they still had not paid it out. Everyone was very angry at Stations about this, because it, it's not like any cheating was done to win this. This was one fair and square and the only time the guy mentioned his hand was after all the cards had been dealt out, and clearly nobody was folding. You know who was, in, you know, between him and the and the other guy with a huge hand. So clearly uh, this didn't affect anything. So they were just being assholes to refuse to award it. What's also stupid is this is player funded. They they took extra rake out of each pot to build this jackpot. So it's not like stations could keep this money. Stations would have to award it at some point anyway. So why were they fighting so hard? Uh, people think it's just because they wanted to keep the jackpot high up like that and keep traffic in the room. But the, the small gain they get from that, it, it, I don't understand why they would do it because they're having a huge publicity hit from this. This is uh, making them look very bad, but they're just very stubborn and keep fighting it out. So the people involved here, 
No players were well known involved in this. There was a low limit game, but uh, Avi Shamir was the one who lost the hand, and he was due fifty percent of it, uh, which was uh, sixty-two thousand dollars. And Len Schreeder was the winner of the hand, the one with the straight flush. He was supposed to get about thirty-one thousand dollars, and then about eighty other people would get a piece of the rest of the remaining twenty-five percent. Which uh, the, the 80 people came from Both the people at the table And also uh, anyone playing Bad beat jackpot tables At any station casino at that time Also would get a piece of it So there were about 80 people involved here Which is unusual Usually bad beat jackpots only affect that table This is a promotion they had though You know, if A bad beat jackpot hits at any of their casinos And everybody gets a piece of it Who's playing at a bad beat jackpot table So uh, This has been going on for a while Since October and finally, a decision came down on February 7th. On February 7th, they decided that the loser of the hand, who was uh, you know, this, this Avi Shamir, that he would be paid the 62000 or so. That uh, they ruled that he would be paid, and he did get paid. They, uh, they, they had a right to appeal, but they apparently just paid it out, gave up. They also ruled that the 80 other players would get their share. So the only one remaining was this guy, Len Schreeder, for his 31,000. The reason this has not been ruled upon yet is that he was the one who exposed his hand. So basically, gaming already ruled that everybody else, they had no control over this happening with Schreeder exposing his hand, so they shouldn't be screwed by it. So... It was already ruled that the, the rest of these people, since it didn't change the outcome of the hand, and there's no way it could change the outcome of the hand, that all of these people shouldn't be screwed by either the actions of, of this uh, Lance Schreeder or by stations making these rules. They also stated that stations' rules on this, their house rules, are not legal. They, they cannot legally invalidate the jackpot based upon that. Even if they claim these are the rules, even if station says you cannot show your hand at any point, and even if it's on the river you show it, then the jackpot's invalid. That's against the law in Nevada. So they also told stations that, that hey, you're, you can say these are your house rules, but they don't overrule state law. So that was an invalid rule they had. So what about Len Schreeder? Well, he'll probably get the money too, but it hasn't been ruled on yet because he's, he's the most complicated situation here since he's the actual one who showed the hand. So they're ruling separately on him but they already ruled on everybody else, and everybody else gets, gets their money. But what a stupid thing for Station to be fighting. First of all, $120,000 is peanuts for them. But even if it wasn't, this is not their 120000 Even if Stations was going to close their poker room, they would have to pay out that 120000 That's the law. So this is not their money. They're just temporarily holding it for whichever players end up winning it. So the fact that they care so much about this, the fact that they are trying to enforce a petty rule that's not even within the bounds of the law is crazy to me. I I still don't get why this is such a fight on their part other than just pride, other than just like, this is our casino, no one's going to tell us what to do. I mean, Calwatt, can you think of any other reason they could be doing this crap? I can't think of any other reason they could be doing this crap. Yeah. What about you, Trader Risky? Hey Druff, while he finds his mute button, <laughs> yes. Can you can you explain something to me about this tournament? So, 
I've barely been paying attention to it. So I, I put a $100 bounty on the attorney, yes. right? Yes. Which means I got to pay whoever knocks him out. I got to pay him 100 bucks, yes. right? Yes. And he put a $100 bounty on me. Yes. So he's got to pay 100 bucks to whoever knocks him out. Yeah. What's this $50 thing? What's the going $50 on with is he will also pay an additional 50 if you outlast him and then someone knocks who? you out. To, to the whoever knocks you out. Oh, so the bounty okay. on you becomes one. So this, so I'm right. I have like very little incentive to play this tournament. Yes, you do. <laughs> okay, that's because I mean the, the yeah. Okay. So are you saying you're going to take a break now and just just go have sex with your wife and uh, just leave I, it? I would blind? love to, but she's sleeping. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Uh, sorry, sorry about that. I and, I, and, I, and I can't figure it out either. By the way, I mean it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, this is one of the weirdest it, things I've, I've seen. A casino I, and room. also, like them not giving second place money. Once they're saying it's a jackpot, that it is a valid jackpot by paying everybody else. Why wouldn't they pay him too? Um, I, I think I, I think the reason is because the, everybody else didn't cause this, so everybody else was completely innocent here, and and now th- th- it looks like they're close to ruling in favor of the other guy anyway. But that so first they've cleared everybody who had no control over this, including ones who weren't even in the building, and 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 paying them. And 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 I understand what you're saying; it's either a valid jackpot or it's not. But maybe maybe they're thinking of penalizing the guy in some way. I don't know. But they 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 they're trying to figure out like they've now. Awarded to, to everybody who didn't cause the situation, and now only uh, ruling on okay, what about the guy who caused the whole thing to happen in the first place? What does he get? That's what they're doing. So, uh, but yeah, this is really petty, really stupid. This is very much against the spirit of the whole point of you can't reveal your hand during a bad beat jackpot. The only reason they have that rule in the first place is to prevent collusion to making jackpot hands occur, which otherwise may not occur. So. Otherwise, uh, you know, let, 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 here's an example. Let, let's say the board is uh, is king eight eight, and you're po- holding pocket fours. Okay, uh, pocket fours is a very bad hand at that point, especially no limit. So, if you're collude, but what, let's say someone says, okay, let's hang on here. This is only a one two game, and the bad beat jackpot is 120k. Um, does any if anybody here has a pocket pair? I, I'm holding pocket eights right now, so I've already got quad eights. If anybody else here has a pocket pair, or maybe anybody else has, uh, you know, two to the suit of that king, maybe we can just uh, check it down and hope we get the two miracle cards to make the the you know, huge hand over huge hand to qualify. That that's what they're trying to prevent, where people discuss the hand in the middle and play differently to keep people in the hand who otherwise would have folded. But not, not when it's over, not when you get to the river and one guy has a straight flush and one has other, you know, something else like quads. You, obviously, no one's folding there. So there's no way the hand would have played out any differently. So that's, they're completely going against the spirit of that rule and just trying to be petty and take away money that people have rightfully won at their casino. And, and to virtually no gain on their part. It's so weird. So... Here's another bat beat jackpot story, but one where the players are not going to get the money. This one actually involves a crime. While this last thing was a civil matter, there was no one who was going to ever be arrested. See, even if the, even if stations won their case on this one with the Nevada Gaming Commission, nobody would have been arrested or in any kind of trouble. It was just a matter of who gets paid or who doesn't get paid. This one actually is a matter of criminal law. This is in Louisiana. 
at um, which casino was this? At, at uh, Boomtown Casino in the middle of January 2018. It's in uh, Harvey, Louisiana, and there was a dealer named Ashley Solomon. Ashley Solomon is a man, by the way, 66-year-old man. And he apparently made a plan with another man named Dale Foray, 51, of Bell Chase, Louisiana, that uh, they were going to rig the Bad Beat jackpot. And they did. So according to the Louisiana State Bureau of Investigations, they said this. The investigation began on January 19, 2018, when detectives were notified by casino staff related to several inconsistencies with a bad beat poker game with a jackpot of $166,471. The investigation revealed that Solomon was the poker dealer and intentionally stacked the deck of cards for a favorable outcome. Solomon then conducted two false shuffles. The second false shuffle resulted in a bad beat jackpot. Foray was one of the players at the table and the recipient of the larger bad beat jackpot. So he's probably the loser of the hand. The investigation later revealed that Solomon had communicated with Foray prior to and after the poker game. Detectives obtained arrest warrants for both individuals on February 5th, 2018. So both men were booked into the Jefferson Parish Correctional Center. The casino refused to pay out any of the jackpot. Because the whole thing was rigged. That one I understand. <laughs> that was a rigged jackpot with, with uh, where the dealer was a card mechanic and dealt it out in a way to where his buddy won the greatest share of the jackpot. So that one I understand. It's a pisser if you're one of the people winning the table share. Also kind of a pisser if you're the one who won, won the hand and got the second biggest share and no longer get it when you had nothing to do with this. But I can at least understand that because this was not a valid hand to begin with. It would, have, would never have been dealt this way if it was not rigged. So this was not a real bad beat jackpot dealt. This was a fake bad beat jackpot hand that was dealt with a dealer rigging the deck. So obviously that is understandable why nobody gets paid there, though obviously it's very disappointing if you were one of the people who thought you were getting it and you did nothing wrong. Yeah, but I'm surprised it hadn't been paid already. They said they the noticed players, right? They said they noticed inconsistencies, whatever that is. So they they suspected it right away, and then they started an investigation. So then, so then they didn't pay. So the two guy, the dealer and the other guy, should have known they were onto them. And then they still talked afterwards and were connected. I'm guessing what they did is they said there's so much money here we're we're just uh you know we're just making sure everything's kosher we're going to check the uh the cameras and you know they probably thought everything's fine and then uh or if they didn't at least they had to wait it out and see if it would be and then maybe that's what they do anyway maybe when a big bat jackpot hits hits they do check it wasn't in this article that this was any different than they usually do I mean I understand your point it makes it, it is strange that they weren't uh at least Somewhat aware that someone was on to them, but maybe that's why they talked to you after it. Maybe that they're like, "Crap, why are they checking into this? You think we should? You think we should run?" <laughs> maybe that's what the discussion they were having. But yeah, that's that's. I wonder how he did this. Like, did he take a prearranged deck and slip it in? Like, a, how do you arrange it perfectly to where it gets dealt out that way without someone noticing? Unless you, pre- yeah, he said he did a false shuffle, so it's a stacked deck. 
He pretends to shuffle it and then deals it out stacked. But when when was it stacked? Did he stack it beforehand and sneak it in? Uh, yeah, probably. He probably had a, a deck that he just swapped. You yeah, know? it didn't say that here, but it had to be something like that. He, there's no way he could be yeah. picking out cards from the deck and, and, and arranging them in front of everybody. So No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm sure um, you know he had access. I'm sure he had a deck, and he stacked it, and he had it somewhere. You know? Yeah. So that, the guy being 66, he's probably been dealing forever and is you know, good enough, experienced enough with, with dealing to where he can pull these tricks. And it wouldn't surprise me if he's pulled other false dealing tricks before for people this may not be the first time but uh, probably not the first time he tried to pull money out of the jar with chopsticks you know <laughs> those are our two uh, bad beat jackpot stories this week time for the poker gossips doug paul continuing the granu situation has heated up it's gotten worse it's it's the point where i i even wonder how they will react when they see one another next because it's could this be just sexual tension it could be I don't know, but it's it's gotten pretty bad, and it, it it so a few things to talk about here with this. First of all, there's those stupid American poker boards again, and once again we were snubbed. Like people keep people ask like why are we snubbed from the American poker awards for best podcast? And I don't know. Like I know we got nominated I think last year, but we didn't make it past the first round. But that's fine. I, I just want to be nominated. That's all. Now, did you uh, announce the uh, special committee that you're on? No. Th- thanks for reminding me. I'll, I'll, we are through Poker Fraud Alert. Not just me, but Poker Fraud Alert is on a special committee, which we will explain shortly. Thank you. I was going to totally forget that. Thanks for reminding me. I knew I was forgetting something. So here are the... Uh, American Poker Awards uh, nominees. I guess they've already gotten down to the final four. Let me see here. No, okay. Uh, well, okay. There's so I, I now I can't find the nominees, but the, the American Poker Awards, which is put on by the Global Poker Index, and I guess Poker Star sponsors them. They had a lot of different categories, and we were snubbed for the best podcast. I can't imagine why. <laughs> we were no, we were, GPI we, sponsor. Yeah, I know. Makes, that's I guess I mean, someone was saying that you know how they can ever put us on. Last year they probably did, but that's probably before they realized we make fun of them all the time. But anyway, we weren't we weren't on there. But that's not really the story. The bigger story is that uh, the the final four for the uh, poker personality of the year uh, are up, and they include. Jonathan Little, Andrew Neem, who's a big uh, video Neme, blogger. Neemi, right? Neemi, okay. Yeah, he does that uh, video blog. It's gotten very popular. Uh, Daniel Negreanu and and Doug Polk. Now, forgive me, because I know that uh, Jonathan Little was, well, okay, I guess he was on he was on the World Series of Poker. He did some of the commentary and stuff, right? I guess what I was going to say is, compared to the other three, I mean, I don't know. He doesn't seem to have quite the same profile, you know? I agree. But, yeah, so he was nominated. So there's those four. So there's already some, there's a lot of uh, controversy about that. And 
that has spilled over to uh, I think there's one other thing. Oh, it's also biggest influencer in poker. That's where the also where Polk and Negroni were there. Presented to the individual who moves the needle most in the poker world. What does that even mean? Uh, whether a player, an industry member, or even a celebrity, the award winner is judged to have one of the biggest have been one of the biggest influencers in the game in 2017. So the nominees there are Carrie Katz, who owns Poker Go. Daniel Negreanu, Doug Polk, and Matt Savage, who is a tournament director. So that is the one that really caused the controversy. Again, they're competing here. Before we get to that part, though, I just want to talk about the podcast here. The four nominees are the Poker Central podcast, the Poker News podcast, the Poker Life podcast, and the 2 Plus 2 podcast. The Poker Life podcast is Joey Ingram, by the way. So, yeah. Uh, we were left out of that. Now, I see that they don't have more than four nominees in each topic. I think they had more last year, and then I, they brought it down to four. So maybe that's what I, happened. I hope you're not holding your breath to get nominated for this thing. No, no. I, that, that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's what we get for making fun of the GPI and the owner of it yeah. all the time. I mean, that's, a, that's the price we pay here. For Now, I don't think we, we would win anyway. Uh, this show doesn't have as big of an audience as some of these other ones listed. So that's fine. I understand. I, I don't say we have to be the podcast of the year. It's just It just sucks when we get ignored. You know, it bothers me when they nominate fail podcasts that like nobody listens to over this one. That's what pisses me off. That didn't happen this year. But when I see hey, who's that... Who's that guy that's got his own station that you're jealous of? What's that guy's name? Are you talking about Mark Hoke? Yeah, that's No, it. no, I'm fine with Mark Hoke. But I, I, I just, I've seen some fail podcasts that have been nominated for certain awards and then we're, we're not nominated and that gets me mad because mm-hmm. we have a bigger following than a lot of those and that's, that's when I think it's wrong that's when I think that uh, there might be uh, either some ignorance or some malice or maybe both so let's get back to Doug Polk and Daniel Negreanu so their first dispute really started when uh, I think it was about a year and a half ago when poker stars raised their rake and Negranu said in an interview basically that rake increases can be good because it will drive some winning players out of the game and make the game more heavy with fish. So for the pro who's playing against those fish, that uh, paying more rake will still allow him to make more money because it will have driven away other pros and there will be more fish there, so it's worth it to him. That's what she's trying to say. It was kind of a ridiculous argument, and Doug Polk seized upon that immediately and started the more rake better jab at Negranu, where he just repeatedly made fun of Negranu for being a corporate shill who's actually trying to convince people that more rake is better for the player. Which I mean, on- and honestly, in this case, rightly so. Yeah, you know? yeah, it was it was a stupid thing that Negranu said. And see, this is what Negranu has to watch out for. I understand Poker Stars is paying him a lot of money. And he has to defend them. He can't bash poker stars because they're paying him a fortune. And even if he doesn't agree with all of their decisions, he can't come out and say that. If you are going to take big money to endorse the site, you, you can't come out and always honestly speak about them. But you've got to draw a line somewhere. So he could have gone to them and said, look, you know, you guys want to raise the rake. You can. I'm not going to criticize it, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I can't really defend this. So it, it would just backfire on us. I think it would just be better if I don't mention this at all. Or, or if I do mention it, it's just that, you know, give some kind of business reason why they have to do it rather than this something absurd that this best for the players. Because it did backfire, especially because Doug Polk was, was focusing on it so much. Now, 
With that said, Doug Polk at the time, especially a year and a half ago, he is trying to rise in popularity. He's already a popular player. He's very well known. He's uh, every day it seems to be more well known in poker. He's done a great job marketing himself. Uh, Seriously Serious, who works for him, has done a great job assisting with that and making a lot of these videos. So I think Doug Polk has been very effective with what he's attempted to do. He's succeeded, basically, in in what uh, he's been trying. Apparently, he's not even playing much poker anymore. But... Doesn't need to. Yeah, he he doesn't need to. So he's been very successful that he's got this upswing poker. Also, he's a... I mean, he's a heads-up specialist, right? I mean, I imagine... I'm sure he can still, you know, win and beat the game and everything, but his specialty is not around. Yeah. You know? So so he has been very successful in, in what he tried to do, but I believe that some of that came from trying to seize upon things that would get people's attention. And he saw Negranu as a convenient target because Negranu was saying some stupid things in favor of poker stars. People were mad at poker stars at the time for the Supernova Elite crap they were doing. So he kind of put a target on Negranu's back and has been harsher on him than I think he really deserves. Not that Negranu didn't say some stupid things here, not that Negranu didn't deserve to be called out for some of these things, but boy, has Polk been hitting this hard. And and uh, yeah, and there's been a number of jabs at Negranu over this time. In fact, when Polk played last year at the World Series and, and uh, got that big score in the one-drop, he was w- he was wearing a T-shirt that said "More Rake Better" and happened to be sat next to Negranu too, <laughs> so people took pictures of that and laughed. Like uh, you know, when you're wearing a shirt to the one drop to make fun of Negranu, you know you're really taking it to the next level to try to taunt someone. Like Negranu isn't doing it to that level to Polk. He's not. Negranu responds angrily sometimes, but he he doesn't. Uh, he's not like actively trying to piss off Polk. Where in the reverse, Polk is really actively trying to piss him off. And it's, it, I think it's because Negranu is the bigger name, and he's kind of an easy target. Especially he he represents poker stars that you know a lot of people are pissed off at poker stars uh, for some of the things they've done. So uh, Polk has really been the one picking this fight. But at the same time, you know the, the things he has been criticizing, it looks like. Are, are things that Negreanu has really done and said. So, getting to this in the present, this has been going on now for a year and a half. Getting to the present, Joey Ingram, we had him on the show last week, and he talked about the crusade he has against America's card room because he feels very strongly that there is uh, collusion, botting, maybe even super using going on there, and that the owner doesn't seem to care. So, uh, Chicago Joey has been pressing this very hard through his very well-watched poker channel on YouTube. He had what was known as an emergency podcast uh, to discuss this and other matters, and Doug Polk came on. And at one point, Doug Polk delivered a rant about Negranu that was harsher than anything I've heard from him before about Negranu or really anyone else. It's about a four-minute rant. I'm going to play it for you. And it was something so significant that Joe, Chicago Joey actually separated that from the emergency podcast and made it its own video so people could just easily find it and play it. And 43,000 people have played it already. So he wanted everyone to see it. Now, I will also state that Chicago Joey is very much on Doug Polk's side. They appear to be good friends, and uh, Joey does not like Negranu either. So... This wasn't just, oh, this is epic, watch this. It was also like he's trying to help Doug Polk get this out because he feels like Doug Polk really made him look bad and really 
bashed him hard there, and so Joey wants more people to see it. So Joey wasn't being neutral here, but regardless, this was Polk's rant, and I'm going to make sure Calwad and Traderuski can hear this, and here we go. Oh, I know what you mean. I, I, so there's there's two different issues here. I think the more important issue, which really is, uh, you know, actions speak louder than words. And when someone actually, this is actually a thing that happened. I just want to before we go on, you guys can hear it, right? Yep. Okay. Just just reiterate that this happened. He laid on a couch and talked about why the games with higher rake will be better. Okay, and he can like try and semantics it up about what he exactly said or whatever. But the bottom line is, he said that there, you know, if there's more rig, there's not the regs. Now the game's better, so you win more, and like it's it's a good. That happened, and that was one of the absolute most insane show fests I've ever seen before in my entire. Honestly, Joey, I thought it was kind of beautiful to, to to see someone just get on their knees and just just give poker stars that that real full service to that degree that was beautiful he and he was he was doing a hand job motion while he said that so that's what he means by the service to that degree that's that's what he's trying to say there he just gobbled it right up rake guys guys at home rake is actually good for you the more poker stars make the more you make so everybody wins i've never seen anything like that it's obviously completely mm-hmm. untrue he then tried to spread like oh people are telling rumors about me like i didn't say that you did say that, and then to try and somehow say that you're the good guy here, it's absurd. Right. You can't say those things about poker and then try and argue like somehow it's better and not stand up for the community. So, you know, I think about that. I think about when he said, we've got some amazing things coming up this year you're going to be really excited about, and it was like four straight rake increases, and then that was it. Um, right. th- that that was also a pretty low moment. You know, on on just like a from like a business standpoint, I get it. You're paid a lot of money, and you gotta do what you gotta do to get the money. I understand like that's that's where things are right now. I mean, we know he's not making money from playing poker, but oh boy, <laughs> a little jab in there too. We know he's not money making money from playing poker, so he's even throwing in there that he, that uh, Negreanu is a losing player. I think he's basing that on Negreanu's own admission that despite a lot of caches in 2017 and what appeared to be a great World Series, that Negreanu actually like lost eighty thousand on caches versus buy-ins. This was Negreanu putting out a uh, an honest blog that he didn't have to put out where he was stating that even in a year where it appears he did so well, he actually lost because he's been entering so many high buy-in events and why most tournament players, despite many appearances, actually lose overall. So I think that's what Polk is getting at here. But either way, he's trying to jab at him and make it sound like he's a losing poker player now. To then try and pretend like you're like sticking up for people, like, I'm the good guy, guys. Only seven blinds in rake. It's like, I don't understand. How can you take that position? You're clearly wrong. Uh, he's a massive hypocrite. And uh, he's, frankly, an embarrassment. He's an embarrassment to the players of the game of poker. So that's one thing. The second thing is, you know, at least for me and him personally, he's just, like, so unbelievably petty. Like, I feel like Negranu is, like, the, like, girl in high school who's not as cool as some people but thinks that she's really cool and wants to be cool, so she says things about people when they don't want to know. And so he, like, always is kind of, like, saying things behind your back and stuff. Like, I just get this tweet, you know, like, four or five days ago, I see this tweet from Negranu. I will never leave poker like some people. And I'm just like, all right, I get it, Negranu. And then, like, like uh, guys, I'm in it for life. I'm still here. I'm I'm here, guys. 
look at me. I'm still in poker. I'm going to always be here with you guys. It's like, dude, honestly, shut the fuck up. Honestly. It's so absurd. He's getting paid millions of dollars to be a hypocrite and tell you why taking your money is good and why he should take more of your money and then trying to also be the good guy. You don't get to be both. You get to make the money by screwing over your customers and be the bad guy, or you get to actually mean something in the world of poker and be the good guy. And when I see this tweet today when he's like, oh, influencers, like oh, the list of awards for influencers, there's someone on there like, I don't know what the definition of influencer means. Like, who's an influencer in poker? And the list is him, Carrie Katz, Matt Savage, and me. And so he says that, and people are like, oh, well, here's what we're talking. He's like, well, I, I get Carrie. You know, I get the people that are making the rules and saying structures and stuff. But, you know, other people, like, why are they on the list? Hmm. Let me just do a little elimination here and wonder who you're talking about. Like, what the fuck is this backhanded bullshit? And why has he got to be such a little bitch? I don't understand. Mm-hmm. It makes no sense. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. Did you hear that? That was That's the way it ended. But can you believe Why does he have to be a little bitch? So yeah, he's getting heated, man. Very heated. Hey, hey, Druff, uh, what do I got to do if I want to make a deal in this tournament? <laughs> There's no deals, and you better not dump ships. Well, hold on. Ben, ben Zamokin just got knocked out. There's two other guys left. Can I make a deal with him? Because I'm free rolling at this point, right? I, I'm going to have to take a cue from the genius. Oh, this guy just shoved, and I've got Ace King suited in the big blind. <laughs> Well, right okay. now, I'm just uh, he. Does, I don't know if he's well, listening well, to the radio. Really, really any, any, any any two cards uh, can be. Uh, I'm just ace. tank torturing. I know, him right but now. see, even if any two cards can be live, as long as he doesn't have an ace or a king. Oh, he's got king queen. Oh boy, <laughs> flop ace king. Oh, he's out. It's a flop release. All right, king. so oh. so it's heads up now with me and snow tracks. <laughs> Let's make a deal. I, I don't know who I should snow root tracks. for here. Hold on, I don't know who I should root Let's for. You know what snow tracks did? Deal. Listen, to what snow tracks did. Snow Tracks went and called me out on the forum for not paying him. And this was so ridiculous because I have paid Snow Tracks so many times quickly. Wait, wait, he agreed to the deal. No. I said, I, Snow I, Tracks, let's make a deal. No. He said, K, yes. No, zero chance. No. No. <laughs> no. I'll let. All I want is the title. He can have the money. I just want the title. Are, are you the ship leader, though? Oh yeah, yeah. I see, got one hundred ninety thousand. He's got sixteen thousand. That's not as bad. That's if if that were only the situation with Mike Lee, I wouldn't be talking about All it. All I want is the well. Title. And would he get the bounty too? You can. What about the bounty? Drop? Knock. That doesn't sound fair. Me. Wait, are, are no, you guys what taking? What I'll on. do is I'll just I'll let him just raise me out, right? Are you guys taking an unscheduled break right now? We should. We should. He says K deal. He really wants to make a deal. So, what about if I just tell him to min raise every time, and I just check the sit out button? No, right? No, we can't. We can't have this. But I, right, but I want the title. Look, right after this all happened, I, I can't have this stain on my site. I the the WPT <laughs> has already been fouled. I can't have Poker Fraud Alert fouled too in the same week. In the same fashion. Oh, man. Not only Snow, Snow Tracks, as I was saying, he called me out for not paying him. I've paid him pretty quickly many, many times. And so this one time I took like an extra week to pay him, and he posted that the, the Poker Fraud Alert radio free roll is a farce and that I don't pay people. And then, then a whole discussion started well, about he's, this. He's got a shot at knocking me out here. A real shot or a chip dumping shot? Well, both. I mean, but it, I got 190. He's got 16k. Well, it, it, it sounds like he has very little shot. I will call in and dispute that with Druff. <laughs> oh God! 
All right, let the chip dumping begin. I'm going all in with seven six off. <laughs> what? Well, if you're really going all in, at least uh, at least that shows you're trying to win. See if you if you just keep folding with tiny bits left, that's the problem. Like if you okay. if, if you raise. Now wait a minute. He just reshoved, and it's only four thousand for me to call to win a thirty six thousand dollar pot. All right, I fold. No, 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 no. No, I did. I folded. I folded. When you're beat, you're beat, Druff. <laughs> for real, I folded. <laughs> this is going to look so terrible if it's... <laughs> I've seen you're oh helpless. There's nothing I can do about this. This is <laughs> this is going to look so terrible after all I've said about Mike Lear this week and on my own site oh, with, with, with a radio co-host. This couldn't be worse. <laughs> and disposition in chat saying player of the year means nothing now. <laughs> There is a Poker Fraudler Player of the Year. I'm not giving you points for this. At the very least, you're getting no points. Oh, my God. I'm giving you no points if that happens. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, this this, uh, this thing with Polk and uh, Negreanu, I think it even goes back further before a year and a half. I think I found something on Google, like, as far back as 2014 when they were feuding over something. So, I guess they just never liked each other. But it got much worse a year and a half ago. And uh, so this this is really kicking it up a notch, though, where he's calling him a little bitch. And I, I guess he didn't like. All right, I won. <laughs> okay, well, at least there's no. I almost it, it was it was a forty k pot, and I had four hundred and seventy two to call. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I really wanted to do it, but I'm like, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. <laughs> I'm glad you uh, stopped. <laughs> Stop yourself. I'm glad you ignored the temptation. It just all it, it falls perfectly there to where you can pull this on the same week this happened with Mike Leah. It's terrible. <laughs> so do I owe anything? I don't owe anyone anything, right? I'm no, good. no. You, uh, well, yeah, you owe. Uh, well, you you have to because whoever knocked out Eric Benzamokin is owed a hundred dollars. Right. That's it. I knocked him out. Oh, you knocked uh, you knocked Eric Benzamokin. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, you didn't tell me that part. Okay, so yeah, so you you get that hundred dollars, and uh... Andy's gonna have to pay the hundred to the guy that knocks him out now. No, but nobody knocked him out. He won. Oh, er- oh, Eric's gonna have to pay him. Got it. I have to figure this out. Wait, this this is confusing. All this stuff. So yeah, I guess I guess this is the best result. I guess Cal Watt owes nothing. Wow. After all this, it's, it's uh, it all just goes to Cal Watt. This this tournament seems very suspect, Ruff. Yeah, this is suspect. That the, the way next week's prize pool. So, so really, yeah, all, all, all I'm all I'm paying out here is fifty dollars for this whole thing. The rest goes to Calwatt. Something just doesn't seem right. Well, I, actually, like that's not all, true. With I, all the talk and the setup, and then I just saw this really weird fold when someone was getting insane pot odds, and and now the guy who was talking trash about it ends up taking it down. Who's put? I mean, I don't know, man. Well, if you want to throw yourself under the bus that way, that's fine, but. <laughs> I actually owe you money now, is the truth, because um, you know Eric Benzamokin sent the money to me. So here I'm gonna. I'm, I think I think this is him calling in. Let me answer oh the God! Here. Let's hear what he has to say about this. <laughs> uh, is this Eric? I, I can't believe the beat I took from Calwatt. Did you witness the chip dumping at the end? <laughs> yes, I, I stayed to watch because I was so flabbergasted at. <laughs> Going that going that far to lose to King Three, uh, with when I have an ace in the small hey, blind, of hey, course, suited. Yeah, that's right. 
<laughs> do, you, do you know what that reminds me of? That every Asian degenerate at the 4080 game in commerce, when they call with like 10 6, they go, oh, suit it. Don't, don't exactly talk about happened. TMLK when he's not here. Come on. Yeah, well, well, yeah. He he opened. Uh, he raised from the small blind, and I shoved with uh, king three suited. I had three blockers, and you know, he had three blockers. He, he decided he decided to make a bad call with his ace eight off suit, and he lost like he should have. Okay. <laughs> well, at least That's that wasn't that wasn't a horrible beat. Ace eight usually supposed to lose to a king three. Yeah, but it, <laughs> it, it is true. It is true that he did. He did have two live cards, so at least he had that. That was a really bizarre dynamic draft, though, because it was four of us at the table, and uh, uh, Ben and I had the chip lead, and the other two were there. And I'm thinking about it, and I'm like, well, neither I nor Ben really have an incentive to win this thing, and the other two have, like, every incentive in the world. It was just really bizarre. It was a strange dynamic. And then they got really nitty, the other two players. <laughs> yeah. And I'm thinking, like, like, I don't get that. Like, you could just fucking come after it. Right, because, I mean, the people who should have been really nitty were you and I, because we had very little upside in this tournament right. at all, you know? Yeah, I was. I, I really thought everybody was going to just, well, they, they had to have you out shift, but once they have you out shift, I would think you just uh, shove it in with garbage and try to get lucky. The, the craziness happened early. Like, there, there was uh, a lot of craziness going on early, but it was really, it, <laughs> I really wanted it, that it could get heads up with, with uh, me and Ben, because then, you know, you say Ben? I think I think you mean Eric. It's Eric Ben's. Oh, I, I, yeah, I keep on. I'm sorry. I'm con- conflating his last name with first name. I'm sorry, Eric. I'm sorry. Um, but well, I'm trying to how awesome would it be? How awesome would it be if we got heads up and just proved how rigged this tournament is? You know what I mean? Just proved how rigged. Trying to figure out if you have a little calculator, help me figure out what's my net loss here after the. But I get the seven bucks back for fourth place. So. <laughs> Well, uh, you, you sent one hundred forty-three uh, minus, right? You, you, you sent okay. you sent two hundred fifty dollars, and uh, no, he sent two hundred fifty. No, sorry, he sent one fifty. He sent one fifty, okay. and then you right. you put a hundred. Yes, yeah, so one hundred forty-three dollars is correct. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. I, I, so I, I get the seven bucks in Bitcoin. <laughs> I, I can if you want. Yeah, sure. It'd probably be seven dollars in fees, but sure. <laughs> Uh, you, you know, this may be worth doing again. I can't. I, I'm soon thinking to myself, like, I can't believe I'm still in this. Like, how is this possible? I'm still in. And then we get to the final table with Kawhi, and he's the chip leader. And I'm like six, and then I move it up to where I'm second. And I'm thinking, like, I can't. Like, nobody's coming after us. Yep. And then there's one poor bastard. He tried to get me like three times, and he got caught every time. Yeah. But well, I, I knew this was going to happen. I, I said at the beginning, I said, Kawhi, what if you win this? I kept thinking, like, what if he? I just had a feeling he's going to win this. Yeah, well, there it is. So, uh, and uh, it's it's sad to say that I'm probably even more tired now than he is. I'm I'm, I'm sad that I didn't follow through and make that second fold when it was 472 <laughs> chips to call. No, that would I really I should have I should have done it. I should have just dumped. I should have shut it, down the room if that happened. <laughs> if there were people watching, <laughs> I could do that. I, I could have gone on there and shut down the room. I, I think <laughs> I was considering that, just going on there and just turning it off. <laughs> Just shut it down. Yeah, you gonna strip me, strip me of the title. Yeah, before the carnage can occur, and then <laughs> poker fraudler becomes a laughing stock here. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, so I don't, I don't know anyone, anything, right? Uh, no, you, you, you're out of this very cheap. All right. 
All right. Well, thanks for uh, for letting me do this, though. It was kind of fun to put the bounties up and uh, wish everybody a good night. I'm going to listen to the rest of it tomorrow, I guess. Okay. That's provided it records, which is uh, questionable nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm sure, you know, I, I have a feeling you've been checking that like you know every 20 minutes. I'm, I just realized sure that as, as you guys were talking, I was like, oh, crap, I didn't check this. But the on-air light is on, so that's a good sign. I'm going to go check right now. <laughs> just, just so I don't freak out, I'm going to check out right now. I'm glad we taught you a lesson not to play your your ace rag. That's right. Yeah, I should know better. Heads up from the small blind. That was I think. Yeah, I, I, it's well, it's recording. We're good. No, I prefer to limit hold them, so you know I don't really know. No, you you played five. You made the right move. It was bizarre that both of us even made the final table. I think. Yeah, I. I that's just how it I goes. Wonder, you know the conspiracy theories that must be flooding these chat rooms and these threads must be insane at this point. I'm glad this That's is why I wanted to follow through with my chip dumping at the end. That I, would have been I, fucking hilarious. I'm glad this wasn't for more money. If this if this was for like thousands of dollars, I can imagine the accusations would be flying here. At least it's only for, oh hun- for hundreds. I mean, for thousands, what are you I would talking be. Talking about you had you had one guy. I can't remember his name. He finished third or fourth or second. He, he wouldn't stop bitching about not getting paid fast enough for the thirty bucks or twenty bucks or whatever. Are you kidding me? That the hundred dollars is enough to set everybody up in arms. Yeah, it is true that some people are just very, very, very uh, sensitive to this—the uh, free roll and the being paid and all this. And I was like, you know, you have to understand that this is a site that uh, we're just doing this. I'm not gaining from it. Uh, it's a pain in the ass for me, and you know, I, I do it. But sometimes I like to pay people all at once, like I do like five of them at a time or whatever. So that's the reason. Andrew, I got a deal sometimes. for you. Yes. And this is going to be a tough one for you, because I know I know how sensitive you are about the topic. But I I will take all of my winnings and roll it into the next free roll. I don't how much. It, what is it like one hundred and twenty bucks or something? No, well, no I no, won no, one hundred fifty. No, no, you won more. No, you, you won uh, you won fifty dollars for the first place. You also so, uh, so I won two hundred bucks. Yes, you won two hundred bucks. All right, so two hundred even. All right, so I'll roll. All of the 200 into the next free roll. No bounties or anything, just into the next free roll. This is going to be hard for you, but I get to pick the song. Oh, boy. Now, you don't have to answer now. I know it's, I know it's a difficult thing. You feel like your, your show is being taken over, but you've done it before. I've seen you whore it out for like yeah. someone donated 10 bucks. That's, That's going to happen. I, I, think, I think I have to for this one. Yeah. Yep. It's maybe I'll get lucky. I'll pick something between like 1955 and 89. Maybe it. it whatever it is, you're probably not going to like it. So probably just not. Okay. Prepare yourself. You know, sometimes when I hear old shows, like on the call to listen line, I hear some song come on. I go, "What the hell? Why would I have picked that?" And then I have to listen to the end. And I hear, "Well, this person donated ten dollars to the free roll, so that's why we played this song." You go, ah, okay, there we go. Because and you'll put, you'll play if you decide to take the deal, which you don't have to. The song gets played in its entirety. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, I would, yeah. All right, all right, cool. So it's up, to, I mean, you know, if you want to disappoint your your audience and not give them the 200 bucks, that's that's your choice. Now, I hope you there's know? no trick here. I hope you're not picking like a 12-minute song or something that's going to be... No, okay. I wouldn't torture people like that. <laughs> Combine that with the agenda, and oh, my God, no. <laughs> yeah, we'd say... <laughs> Instead of like it's an hour into the show, we just finished the agenda. It'll be it's an hour into the show, and now we're just starting the agenda. Yeah. No, that'll make for a good free roll too, because two hundred bucks is kind of meaty, and you know we'll get some people in there. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, and thank you, and Eric, for uh, the generous donation, and 
Eric, your money is going back into the free roll, so you can come back next week and win it back. All right. You know what? I might just match that just to make it a really, really oh, big free roll. Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. Just the tiredness talking or not, but I'm, I'm thinking about that. That sounds binding to me. I'm not a lawyer, but this well, sounds they, like they, a they binding how, contract uh, to me. They got dinner. It is recorded now. So. Yeah. See, they, it's, it's on. It's on record. We we have two Jews on the on the line here, but only one of them is cheap. What, what, what do you think? You think the PSA uh, universe would like that? A big four hundred dollar free roll. I, I think. I think the, you get a lot of people coming out for I, that. I think the PFA universe likes a forty dollar free roll, so I think I think they'll be thrilled with this one. <laughs> yeah, I think it would be awesome. All right. Well, uh, thank thank you very much. Uh, a lot of generosity here. I appreciate it uh, so much of the site, except when there's chip dumping. I don't appreciate that. And <laughs> how could I not? How could I not do that? If if it wasn't my site, I, I would laugh at this. <laughs> if anybody else's site, I think this is great. I say, oh, this is so appropriate, so fitting for the week. And uh, it was my site after I was so vocal about it. I said, no, this is my worst nightmare. Don't do it. <laughs> Oh my god! Was, oh my god! When it was four seventy two to call to win forty thousand, you know what would be I the, wanted to fold, but I knew you'd be so. Bad. <laughs> you know, you know what would have been the best though is uh, rather than it being my site here, if this occurred on uh, a site that was owned by Mike Leah. Oh yeah, now that that would be fitting. That would be fitting. But me, I I was just a commentator on this whole thing. All right. Well, that's sounds like we got a four hundred dollars free roll. For I, next I think week. so. Well, we'll let we'll let uh, Eric decide what to do, and yeah, I think so. So, all right. For now, Eric's going to go to sleep. Let me sleep on it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Good night. All right. All right good night. Thanks a lot, guys. Take it easy. So we got got Eric to stay up late. You know, he 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 was at a, a card room that I won't name recently. One that's. Not close to me, but the closest of all the card rooms to where I am. And uh, so I said, okay, like it was on a weeknight, but I said, you know, I'll come down and do it. But like after everybody goes to sleep here. But then he said he was leaving at like 12 or 1230. And that doesn't work. I wasn't going to go all the way down there. And then like he'd be gone a half an hour later. So I didn't go. So he he doesn't have the like super late schedule that uh, some of us do. And uh, as as you see, he's going to sleep before Calwatt, who's three hours later. Hmm. But okay, getting back to Doug Polk though, which I, I this is how I feel about the whole thing. Uh, obviously, the bad blood between them is worsening, and Doug Polk going and calling him a little bitch like that's that's just really really trying to hammer it home that he really doesn't like him and really wants people to think badly of Negreanu. Uh, mm. There there was also that uh, spat recently where. Negreanu got pissed at Seriously Serious, who works for Doug Polk, for photoshopping pictures of him and also uh, accusing Seriously Serious of photoshopping a picture of Negreanu parking in a handicapped spot, which wasn't Wasn't there also a picture that involved a dildo? Yes, the, he was mad about that, about the uh, Seriously Serious shopping in uh, Negreanu, like, sucking on a dildo, so... Negreanu was clearly angry about that too, and they had some words. So, and of course, when Negreanu is fighting with Seriously Serious, he knows who Seriously Serious represents. He knows that's he knows who he works for. He knows why Seriously Serious is doing this. So, uh, it, it's getting worse and worse. It's getting to where they've really gotten to hate each other. It's no longer just kind of like a sniping between rivals. They they really seem to hate each other now, and now they're not even trying to hide it. And this, 
what, what's kind of sad is that it looks like this kind of just sprung out of nowhere and escalated unnecessarily. Uh, and as I said, I think Doug Polk enjoyed the escalation because this got him more views. But if you think about it, what is this really over here? What what really happened between them? What what terrible thing occurred to have caused it to get this far? And and nothing did. And and also, I don't think that either Doug Polk or Negreanu are bad guys. I I think that uh, both of them are are generally good people in poker. And uh, but somehow the two of them just despise each other so much, and now it's getting to the point where. It's getting very vicious, and I don't see it ending. And I'm wondering at the World Series, even though Doug Polk has kind of stepped away from poker to get into the crypto stuff for right now, uh, I have to imagine Doug Polk's coming back to the World Series after the series he had last year. You know, how's it going to be if they're at the same table or they see each other around? Like, is, is there going to be in person arguing now? I don't know. There could be. I think there'll be vicious glances exchanged, Ruff. <laughs> Imagine if they get put next to each other again. I mean, this is this year it'll be much worse than last year. So we will see. That's uh, it's getting pretty heated. A serial killer is on the loose in Las Vegas. There is definitely a man who is going around shooting people dead in Las Vegas, and has not been caught. There were two people killed, or sorry, one I think one killed and one injured on January 29th, and two killed on February 2nd. As far as I know, nothing since then, but serial killers are known to sometimes take a break in between killings. So just because it stopped on January 2nd, uh, February 2nd and we're at February 15th now does not mean that it has stopped for good. So the same man has shot and killed three homeless people all in Las Vegas uh, one of them was on uh, January 29th, the other two were on February 2nd. And he also shot and wounded a man in Logandale, which is about an hour away from Vegas. Now, the man in Logandale was not homeless, but he was alone at the time. Perhaps he was mistaken as homeless, or perhaps the serial killer just decided to go after him because he was alone. Anyway, it's a guy with a gun. He's about six feet tall. A very, very poor camera image of him, looking like it was at night that the police have released, of him walking up to a homeless guy. You don't actually get to see the firing, or if you do, you can't tell because the resolution's so bad. I think they, they borrowed the security camera from the Bellagio. It's that bad. But uh, if, if you go to the Poker Fraud Alert thread on, on the Flying Stupidity Forum called Serial Killer on the Loose in Las Vegas, you can... I may actually move this to the Casinos in Las Vegas forum. Uh, no, I'll leave it in flying stupidity. What the hell? So if you go to that thread, or if you just go to YouTube and type in Las Vegas serial killer on the run, you can see the video. No sound, but you can see a, a video at now night. Police say the same gun was used in all... F- can you hear that or, or not? Here, I'm going to play the uh, little news report here. Can you hear that or no? I, I can't, but I'm just playing the video from the thread anyway. Okay, I'll, I'll play. I think I'm here now. Four shootings <coughs> now. They're trying to figure out yep. who this killer is before he strikes again. Police say this surveillance video shows a suspected serial shooter walking up to a sleeping homeless man in Las Vegas and killing him. It's basically an execution. Every night he'd come and go to sleep. So that's just about the victim. I won't play that. But uh, so, so anyway, it's, it's a guy who just walks up to sleeping homeless guys and, and shoots them. And 
just killed three of them the already, fuck? and just and shot a, and the, the the three guys killed were not related. They were all homeless, but they had no association with one another. Uh, it does not seem to be following any kind of pattern other than three of them being homeless and one of them being alone in the city of Logandale. There's no known motive. You can't see anything from that video. No, it's a really. terrible video. I, th- I really think that the Bellagio sold them this, the, their security <laughs> So This is better than the Bellagio. <laughs> that's a sad thing it may actually be. Why, why can't the security cams be better these days? Even at night. I mean, there's some decent night vision cameras out there that aren't that expensive. So why why is it that terrible? You really can't see anything other than... I think it's really far away and they're zooming in on it. Oh, maybe Because it makes sense. The camera is there to guard the property, right? Yeah. And this is kind of going uh, across the street, so... So, uh, nothing has been solved with this yet. And they're very concerned that four people were killed. Yes, it's been almost two weeks and nothing's happened yet, but this guy is just randomly killing people who are sleeping on the street, and it's hard to believe he's just going to stop there. So the amazing thing to me is that this is not making headlines anywhere. Uh, where I, I think if a serial killer was just going around and like just shooting people on the strip, or uh, or even just shooting people around the city, I think this would get a lot more press. I think home because it's homeless who are mostly the victims. Then uh, it's it's not like it's dismissed, but I think the press doesn't jump on it because the average viewer is not going to say, "Oh, what if it happens to me?" Because they'll go, "Well, I'm not homeless. He's not going to shoot me." But yeah, you know, one of the people who got shot was not homeless and was just walking around alone. So, yeah, if you are walking around alone in Vegas, then this guy could get you. Now, this has some similarity to a disturbing case last winter in Las Vegas. Also in February, January and February, actually. Homeless people were being killed in a different way. They were being hit in the head with a hammer while sleeping. Mm. So some guy was going around with a hammer and slamming homeless people in the head as they were sleeping and hit them a number of times until they'd be dead. So in January 2017, a homeless man was found dead with uh, what looked like a hammer or some other similar device uh, had injured his head and to where he died. A month later, another homeless man, February 2017, died under identical circumstances. And also, around the same time, another sleeping homeless man was attacked with a hammer but survived, but didn't get to get a look at the attacker. So, police then did something clever. They said, how do we catch this guy? And they came up with an idea. See, if a guy's just walking around with a hammer, that's not enough. And if they just wait for him to attack, then you know, they could prove that he did this, but then a, a homeless guy would probably be dead or, or seriously injured. So how do they do it to where they can catch someone in the act of doing something like this where nobody will get hurt? And they came up with a perfect idea to use a mannequin. So they got a mannequin and they wrapped it up in blankets, which in February, of course, is not surprising to see in Las Vegas as someone sleeping on the floor in blankets because it's pretty cool at night. So they, they wrapped a mannequin up in blankets, uh, put black boots kind of crossed as if the guy's crossing his legs when he's sleeping. All right, let me guess. Bad guy was caught dry humping the mannequin. <laughs> No, but they they did find someone on February 22nd who was pacing back and forth around that mannequin. And by the way, they put mm. the they put the mannequin right in the same spot where one of the other homeless men was killed. So they they put the mannequin there and some guy showed up with a hoodie walking back and forth back and forth pacing for 14 minutes carrying a bag. And then finally, 
whipped a hammer out of the bag and struck the mannequin really hard in the head and then looked and sees it's a mannequin. Now, imagine what would have been on his mind at that point. Like, Probably, what the fuck? Yeah, right. Like, what the fuck did I just... <laughs> someone left a mannequin sleeping here? Like, I wonder if at that point he realized that he was fucked and they were going to catch him or if he just really thought someone left a mannequin out there like screwing around and he just stupidly attacked a mannequin. Whatever it was, he had like a... He kind of had an... You couldn't see his face, but you could kind of see by his body language that he was kind of confused, like, what the hell just happened here? And then he kind of just sauntered away. Didn't run, just kind of slowly walked away and was just started walking down the street casually. That's why I think he didn't suspect this was a police thing. And then the police pulled up told him to, uh, there's, there's no sound to the video, but the, they told him to drop the hammer and then told him to get on the ground and you know, approached him with guns and, and arrested him. So, Shane Schindler is his name. He's 30 years old. He was arrested. Now, he claimed when they interviewed him that he knew that he was striking a mannequin, though he claimed initially that he was just kicking the mannequin. He said he walked by and saw a mannequin and thought it would be funny to kick it. And they kept saying, no, we know you did more than kick it. And he goes, no, no, I just kicked it. And they finally admitted. He, he finally admitted they hit it with a hammer when they told him they had a video of it. But he said they hit it with a hammer just because, you know, he knew it was a mannequin. That, you know, what's the harm? And obviously, this is the guy who did it. You know, what, what's the chance that a in the exact same spot where homeless people were beaten to death with a hammer while sleeping, that he would approach a mannequin that you can't tell whether it's a homeless person or, or a mannequin? Because it's all wrapped up and hits I didn't it in the prove head. it, though. Well, that's the problem. That's the problem. I agree so, with you logically. Yes. That's the guy. Yes. But how do you prove it? So, so listen, to this. this is interesting. They released a portion of the interview with Shane Schindler the day they arrested him. Now, they arrested him, and they, they didn't want to quite tell him that, uh, you know, how serious this was. That, you know, they, they wanted to relax him. So a lot of times, as they do with these criminals, they make it seem like uh, there's a chance they can get off that uh, you know, if they just cooperate, that they try to make it not sound as serious that the guy will talk. So they brought the guy in there. They told him he can walk out any time, which of course wasn't true. And uh, what they really meant is he could walk out of the questioning any time, but then he'd be arrested. But anyway, they brought him in and said he can walk out any time and told him they don't care much about the mannequin, but they just want to discuss about the homicide stuff. They were trying to just get him talking. So uh, the guy sounds very, very creepy. And uh, if you listen to this, then again, this is not the guy who's killing the homeless people right now. That person has not been caught, and that person's doing it with a gun. This guy is currently in prison, but listen to this. I'm going to go to the sink, unless you want to talk about something. You're going to go left. To the core. Yeah, I fully agree. Okay, all right. I didn't know if there was something else. So, so that part's just him and the other detective talking. Oh. Or him and the, the two detectives are talking to each other. We're homicide detectives. Okay. We're not interested in your warrants. We don't care about the dummy. That's not our, our business. All right. And that's what this guy, keeps, this, this suspect, you know, okay, okay. He kind of sounds a little bit slow, too. Um, we're actually oh. working. There's, there's been some homeless people who have been hurt. Okay. Um, that have gotten seriously hurt. Okay. And that's what we're investigating. Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. And um, some homeless men have, have gotten hit with a hammer. Okay. And that's why we're interested in this. Okay. Okay, that's why we're talking to you. All right. Okay, have you hit anybody with a hammer? No. Okay. You, um, there are some guys in the past, what, I'll, what I'm thinking of doing is I'll grab the book and 
trays and pictures and see if you know anybody. Okay. Maybe we can figure out who gave you that hammer. Okay. Um, you have not hit anybody with a hammer before? No. Could you hit somebody with a hammer and not remember it? No. By the way, the thing about finding out who gave him that, got him that hammer, he had claimed before this interview that I'm playing to you now that the way he got the hammer was a homeless guy sold it to him for $3. However, upon searching this guy's place, they found that uh, that he had actually bought the hammer himself for $4 from a hardware store. So he lied about that completely. See, he said he got it from someone else to try to make it sound like someone else did it. That's what it, the point he was trying to make. Okay. Why would you pick this point in time to hit that mannequin with a hammer? And well, we can actually show you everything you did. Right, right. Yeah. Well, like I said, it was kind of weird, you know, Okay. Did you actually lay down for a while? Yeah. Yeah, I was probably going to sleep there tonight, so... You thought about sleeping and just crashing right there? Yeah. But then you thought better of it and went back to the to the dummy? Uh, well, yeah, that was kind of strange, the dummy sitting there, so... Okay. How sure of you were, were you that that was a dummy? 100%. 100%, yes. You know, before you made contact with it. Yes. Those are made to look like humans. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. When you first hit it, were you sure it was a dummy? Yes. I don't know how. Well, like I said, it wasn't breathing, it wasn't moving. You know, I plus that was ever sticking out. What if it was a human being that was just not moving? Well, you know, I was sure. Well, you're sure now. What, if, what I'm saying is, what if it turned out to be human? Would that have bothered you? Yeah, of course, but I knew it wasn't human. If it was human, I wouldn't have did it. The problem being is we've had some other people, people, struck in the head in the exact same fashion that you struck this dummy in the head. Okay. Um, that's, that's something that we're uh, worried about. Okay. Okay? If you had something to do with that, if, if there's something going on with you, we need to know what's going on. There's nothing going on. This is the first incident I ever had like this. And <laughs> it's the first incident you ever had like this. Like, like people are going to have multiple incidents of striking uh, mannequins in the head with a hammer. <laughs> I knew it was a dummy, and it was a real person. What never happened. So... Do you need help? I'm going over to Clark County. That's pretty much my biggest fear right now. I'm going to Clark County. He's referring to going to Clark County lockup, not the, the county itself. So that's it. He, he's at this guy at this point. This guy is still thinking that maybe he's going to get off. He says that my biggest fear is going to the county jail, which is funny because he, he had much bigger problems than that. They were about to uh, try charging with with murder. You're you're going to go to Clark County. I am. Yeah. Well, we're going to make sure the officer arrests you takes you to jail. Why? Because you make us nervous. I do? Yeah, you do. You do. Why? Because I think you're I think you're out there killing people. I'm not killing nobody. I, I think you are. I thought I was going to walk out of here. Are you really going to have him arrest me? Yeah, you have a warrant. And I, I think you, you need to go over to the jail. Um, we're going to get a search warrant so I can get the DNA from you. Um, we're going to get a search warrant. We're going to take your clothing. Um, 
So I, I'm, I'm, again, we're, Brian told you when we sat down, we're going to be really upfront with you. And you also said I could walk out of here at any time. But I guess that you was... Can, you could stop the questioning anytime you want. Yeah. But things are changing as we go. The more we get to know you, the more you worry me. I do? Yeah, you do. I do? Like, a guy, he's really strange, this guy. Like, even uh, it, being questioned by the police like this for murder, that's never pleasant. But uh, even if he did it, but uh, it's kind of a weird, weird vibe to this guy. Obviously, since he's the one who did it, but uh, it, I, I'm surprised he even thought he was going to walk out of this. I honestly, honestly believe that you're going around hitting people in the head with a hammer and killing them. It's not me. While they're sleeping. It's not me. Okay. Who is that? I don't know. The whole reason we put that dummy out was to see who'd come along and hit it. You're the man. And you're the guy. Okay. The same spots where other people have been killed. Same position. That's how we knew where to put the dummy. Okay. <sighs> so how long am I going to be in Clark County? Well, the answer, how long you be in Clark County... He's in prison. He was. He was. He eventually pled guilty to attempted murder. Not murder, but attempted murder. So this was an interesting one legally, for the reasons Cal Watts said. Is that it's obvious to everybody thinking logically that this is the guy who did it. Okay. The problem was, even though they caught him with this mannequin ruse, they could not prove that. He was the one responsible for the others. What if he just happened to be walking around with a hammer and, and decided to hit what he knew was a mannequin? That's not even a crime. But at the same time, um, given the incredible similarity, given that there was it would be very difficult to tell that it was a mannequin before striking it, given that it's very uncommon to walk around and hit something with, with a hammer like that. It's not like something that a lot of people would do. Uh, you, you could also see that maybe a jury could convict him. Just thinking, hey, it has to be him. So in this case, this really was one of these cases where there really was a big risk to both sides. That there was a risk to the prosecution that he'd walk completely. And there was a risk to him that the jury would say, hey, it's got to be the same person we're convicting him. So there ended up being a plea bargain, a very odd plea bargain, I think the first one of its kind, where he pled guilty to attempted murder, but the attempted murder was against a mannequin. That basically he was pleading guilty that he thought it was a human being when he struck it. And he was he admitted that once they were willing to drop the charges for the others, you know, for the actual killings. He said that if, you know, basically the, you know, he got an attorney, a public defender, and basically the agreement was, I'm willing to, you know, he was willing to admit that uh, he thought this was a human that he struck there, if they will agree not to press charges against him for the other cases and, and cannot do so at any time. So the 
prosecution ended up agreeing to this, and he was sentenced to eight to twenty years in prison. Which, if I read, I read the documents, the plea agreement. They actually it was available online. I read those documents, and from what I can see, it sounds like he could actually be paroled as early as two years. So he could be out of prison and back on the streets as soon as 2019, because this was a 2017 decision. So, amazingly, this guy could be right back out there. Now, I don't know, that's the earliest he could be paroled. It's possible that they would deny him parole just, you know, for various, even if he is uh, a model prisoner, they could still deny him. But, uh, I, I believe he, he could actually uh, be paroled in, uh, in two years and be fully released within eight. So, it was a tough situation. And I, I still don't know if the prosecution did the right thing, though, agreeing to this deal, especially given how quickly he could be out on parole. I don't know that he did the right thing, agreeing to say that he didn't know if it was human when he struck it. You know? It, it seems to me like he was in a pretty decent position to just deny. And what, you know, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to prove it. It's one of those situations where you're you're like 90% sure maybe even higher than that that this is a guy that's been doing it but you can't prove it and you can't prove that he knew that it wasn't uh, just a mannequin laying there you know yeah maybe well, the wind they, maybe they the wind blew the, the hammer? no they they couldn't match the hammer because it uh unfortunately it's just it was a standard hammer and, and also i think the the injuries they guys they suffered it's not like a bullet where you can uh you know, pull the bullets out and and match it to a specific gun. This was uh, just a blunt force object they thought was probably a hammer, but I don't think they could have matched it well enough. I don't think it was... Uh... At least I didn't see anything in the reports about this to where it could have been matched. It's, it's a blunt object, yeah. and the angle and the force and all that could be different, That's what depending I think, on yeah. the blows. Yeah. So they, That's crazy. They, 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 yeah, because you'd think the Vegas jury sort of fucking connected them. That's, that's what I was, think- I was thinking. Them. That's what I was thinking, that it's it, it depends on the jury, but I could easily see a jury there going, come on, this has got to be the same person. I mean, the, in the exact same spot, walking up there with a hammer, pacing around, you're hitting something that, that the, he couldn't tell either way was going to be uh, human or not human uh, in the head. I mean, it's got to be the same person. Even without proof, we've got to mm-hmm. convict him. I, I could see juries thinking that. So I, I think they, depending, I think they could have a hard time with it. They could, too. I know. I could see it either way. Yeah. So, so that's that. Now that was a year ago, but it's, that was also a tax on homeless people. This guy, uh, he's in prison, so he's not the one who did this one. But now we have a new one who's shooting them. And in this video, this very grainy video that uh, I talked about first, you can see a guy walking up to a sleeping homeless person, like a, kind of an outline of the body. You can't see much detail, and you can see him kind of crouching as if he's about to fire a gun, and then it stops there. Timothy so. Chalamet, Kyle. Sorry, what was that? What was yeah, the TV went. The TV went on. Oh, someone on the show that didn't know. Oh, thought he was having a voicemail slippage. <laughs> that was Jimmy Kimmel. <laughs> so, yeah, I. So that for some reason, this is going on, and, and uh, Facebook has been doing something interesting recently. Uh, I don't know if this guy had a Facebook, but Facebook has been removing profiles of anyone who is associated with a high-profile crime, even a semi-high-profile crime. Now, for, for a long time, they would leave these profiles up, especially ones that weren't, like, super big cases where you can just go look at them. It seems like ever since that Turpin case, the one with that family in, in Riverside County that uh, had the 13 kids that they were abusing and, and keeping prisoner, 
uh, they had that extensive Facebook page with all those creepy looking pictures, and that there was a lot of press around those those Facebook pages. Ever since that, they have after leaving it up for about a week or two, they closed that page, and ever since then they've gone systematically removing Facebook pages of accused criminals of not even like a super high profile case, even just kind of locally high profile cases. Like I'll give you an example. And I'll tell you the reason I thought of this. There was another killing of sort of a homeless person in 2015, which we've talked about before at the end of 2015, final days of of 2015, there was a software engineer from Northern California who had driven to Las Vegas and was sleeping in his car uh, for CES, which wasn't starting yet, but it was going to be starting soon. And apparently this is what the guy did. He made decent money as a software engineer, but for whatever reason, he didn't want an apartment. He just liked sleeping in his car. He was very, very cheap. And he he would sleep in his car and then go shower at the YMCA. So he actually would... would well, I think what happened, Ruff, is he got into town like late that night, I thought. And he didn't want to pay for the extra night because he was only going to be there because he got in so late. I don't even think That's that was I, true because I I, I heard no? he didn't have he didn't have a home back in San Jose either. That he was just a, he always lived really? in his, yeah he always lived in his car. He wow. was a, he was like a voluntary homeless, someone who who could afford not to be homeless and just chose to be homeless. So uh, and and he, and he bragged before that when he'd go to Las Vegas and other places he would always sleep in his car and he was familiar with that YMCA that would let him for free go in and shower. So. Uh, so th- that's the that's the biggest problem there for him. So he thought uh, with with not having a hotel room, with how do you shower? So that's uh, he would shower there in uh, in the YMCA for free. They let him do it, so he would sleep in their parking lot. Well, unfortunately for him, there there were these uh, two uh, young people, a, a male and female, who were on a car burglarizing spree where they're breaking into cars and stealing out of them. And the the male had a gun, and uh, he was on drugs at the time. And for whatever reason, he he broke the window. To, you know, he he saw this guy sleeping there, and broke the window and uh, saw him there. And that the software engineer said saw the gun and said, "Don't do it." And he shot him anyway, just senselessly killed him. So those two were arrested. They they were caught because the girl who was only nineteen she blabbed to people eventually that this had happened within a few days she blabbed to people that uh, that uh, her boyfriend there had killed someone while they were doing this so they arrested both of them and they're still in jail awaiting trial but their Facebook pages were up for a long time and they just went down recently like more than two years later so, like, every Facebook page I'm, I've been trying to look at recently of, of some accused criminal seems to be down. I, I don't just mean someone who's, like, accused locally that never makes the news. But, I mean, th- this story about the murdered uh, guy who was in the YMCA parking lot, this was big st- a big story in Vegas. This was a big story in, in California. But beyond that, uh, people didn't really hear about it much. Like, the, the average person in New York has not heard of that case. So I was surprised Facebook took it down, especially over two years later. But they they seem to be doing that. I think ever since that Turpin case, they they don't want uh, like Facebook gawkers at at criminals. They don't want their site used that way. Like, oh look look at this person's profiles on Facebook. I think they just don't want their site to be seen as a place you go to learn about the lives of of some creepy killer. Or or more likely, they don't want 
the negative publicity from allowing that to happen. Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. I, I didn't mean they care about it. Actually, I mean they, they didn't want because I don't think they give a fuck. No, they don't. They, I mean, they only <laughs> they only care about uh, the, the perception of that. So, and then they're probably going to sell the uh, pictures to the networks. Yeah, I guess they could do that too. But yes. just don't put the Facebook frame around it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> so. Uh, anyway, the average person is probably not much in danger in uh, from the serial killer in Las Vegas, but uh, they're walking around alone. You never know. Okay, uh, the Fountain Blue. You know, I'll skip this topic. The Fountain Blue Las Vegas has, has an opening date now, but I'll, it, Brandon may call here. He said he's going to call after midnight, probably. So, I oh, will, nice. I will. I will table this one till the end of the show in case he calls in. He likes these Vegas topics. In fact, I should have discussed the serial killer with him, but oh well. Uh, Doyle Brunson claims that Black Friday cost him a lot of money. He said that he had a deal for Doyle's Room, which is an online poker site that he half-owned uh, right before April fifteenth, two 2011. And he claimed that Black Friday hit and his deal no longer went through, which would have been worth... One hundred billion dollars, gentlemen. Yeah. So, Tim <laughs> and came back on. Okay. Yeah. I, I just threw him back off. Oh. So, yeah. So, so he—that's what he's claiming. It was actually two hundred thirty million dollars to sell Doyle's room that was offered to him right before Black Friday hit, and then it was. Not worth anywhere near that. Uh, after that, they gave him a counter offer of zero point zero. So, nope. I oh, didn't hear zero point zero. So, here, here's what uh, here's what he claims. Um, where's the article about this? Uh, I'm in trouble finding it here. I had it up. I had it up and it's vanishing now. Is that what you tell your girlfriend? <laughs> Damn it. I had it here. That's the one thing that disappeared. Let me try to find it again. See, if this was a show that wasn't live, this would be a part we edited out. Okay, so... Here's an article I found on uh, CalvinAir.com. Good enough. So he claims that uh, right before Black Friday that he was given a deal, or he's offered a deal for $230 million to sell Doyle's Room, which was started in 2006. In fact, uh, those of you that know of Tom Quarrel, Tommy Boy 83 he rose up on Doyle's Room. He was uh, like a very low limit player on Doyle's room and, and rose up to become a high limit uh, limit Holden player, and then he ran up a role from there. So that's uh, that was a Doyle's room success story. But yes, he was supposedly offered. To, uh, I, I think it was the whole room. He only owned fifty percent of it, but uh, uh, two hundred thirty million dollars was offered to buy Doyle's room. And he claims that he still has nightmares sometimes over this whole situation because he was just about to accept it. 
and then uh, Black Friday hit, and it was decided that uh, the deal's off. The uh, so, so sorry, the, the story wasn't from Black Friday. This was. Uh, this, I've got this confused, the two stories. This was from the UIGEA's passage in October 2006. Because uh, that was there were two big blows to online poker in the U.S. One was October 2006 when the UIGEA passed and it became officially illegal to transfer money involved in online gambling. And then April 2011 was Black Friday when uh, three big sites, PokerStars, UB, and Full Tilt, got busted. So this The is first a, one didn't bother a whole lot of people at Full Tilt. Yeah, or, or or poker stars for that matter. Or but, poker stars, yeah. They, yeah. they continue. Or but, absolute but poker, or you know. I guess whoever wanted to buy Doyle's room in two thousand six uh, wanted to make it open to Americans and and was afraid of the consequences if they did. So the the deal. It wasn't on. the only one that actually left, wasn't it? Party poker. Well, that's the only big one. There were unfortunately yeah. a lot of smaller ones where I was playing and making a lot of money went out. Like the uh, mm. the iPoker network went out, and uh, the the Boss Media network went out. And the uh, CryptoLogic network went out, and I, I made a lot of money on all these. So it was very disappointing. Th- these bothered me much more than uh, Party Poker. Everyone was complaining about Party Poker at the time. I said, uh, I, Party Poker by then, there were a lot of good players already over there. It was uh, th- These smaller sites had a lot of fish and not many pros, and, and I was killing them. So that, that was the frustrating thing to me. So Daniel Negreanu, not wanting to be one up here. He he wanted to make sure to get it out that uh, he also suffered, but he claimed his was from Black Friday. Full Contact Poker, which he started a long time ago. In fact, it wasn't even a poker site for a while. It was just a blog and then a forum. Then he opened. Then he started making it a skin of various uh, poker networks at the time, and he claimed that uh, on April twelfth. 2011, he was offered $170 million for full-contact poker, which is hard to believe because that was never seen as a real place to play online poker. That was seen as Daniel Negreanu's blog and forum where you could also play online poker as a skin of, of some other network that wasn't huge. So I don't know who would pay $170 million for that, but maybe they like the user base, but it wasn't a huge forum either. That's what made, it's not like another two plus two. Like it was, it was an active forum, but it wasn't super huge. So I, I, I don't know what would have been the value, but people make dumb deals all the time. So who knows? People paid a bunch of money for Neverwin back in the day, right? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that was actually a better deal than what way better deal than 170 million for, uh, for for full contact poker because Neverwin poker was bought for you know the six figures, and it actually through affiliate marketing they actually made it back. Mm. So they now I don't know if the affiliate marketing could have been just as successful on another site, but here they had a site that was SEOing well. So they ran affiliates uh, stuff on there, and it, it it did eventually make that money back. So that that wasn't that bad of a deal, and they weren't risking you know huge money there. But 170 million is a different story. I don't know, and who knows if Negron is telling the full story here, but that's what he claims. So. That's th- those were the two frustrating stories of, of well-known pros who could have sold their sites for a ton of money 
and then something happened a very short time later to ruin it. For Doyle, it was the UIGEA. For Daniel Negreanu, it was four and a half years later to full contact poker, and he claims it was three days after the deal was proposed to him. So, uh, either story could have been exaggerated or I don't think completely made up, but you always have to take these stories with a grain of salt, especially when they don't completely hold up to scrutiny. Like, I guess in 2006, maybe Doyle's room makes sense for $230 million. It still seems too high, but that was at the height of the poker boom, where everything was overvalued, so maybe. But in 2011, poker was already regressing. So $170 million for a, a forum and blog belonging to Daniel Negreanu, which also had poker, but just as a skin, I can't see it being worth $170 million. I mean, it seems high, but I've seen a whole bunch of dumb th- yeah, that's <laughs> dumb price tags being put on stuff, so who knows. That's why I'm not completely yeah. uh, dismissing it. Like, it's possible they just went to him and, and he said, oh, uh, you know, how, how much will you sell this for? And he says, $170 million. And they said, we'll get back to you. And then three days later, Black Friday happens. Like, it could have been something like that, where there was no chance they were going to take it, but who knows. He claims he was offered it, but yeah, I can see that'd be frustrating, though, <laughs> if you think you're going to sell it for that, and then uh, you think you've got that moving in that direction, that deal's probably going to happen for insane money like that, and then uh, Black Friday hits, and that's that. So, that's uh, that's the stories they tell. Take it for what it is. In 2014, we had a woman on Poker Fraud Alert Radio named Kim Shannon. She's from the East Coast. She was accused by Amanda Musumichi, who's a another East Coast woman who plays poker, of scamming. That She said uh, Kim Shannon owed her $5,000 in back rent and was not paying it and was dodging her and was, was lying to her about paying back. And I basically had a very unflattering story about Kim. Kim shot back with her own version. I posted about it on the Poker Fraud Alert forum and initially took the side of Amanda. That, uh, for the most part, I thought that Amanda was mostly in the right. Amanda did come on to Poker Fraud Alert and, and told her side as well. Well, we never got Amanda on the show. She was on the forum, as I said, but she never got on the show. But Kim Shannon agreed to come on the show and, and told her version. Now, I never quite understood from Kim... Why is she, Kim acknowledged on the show that she owed three thousand dollars to Amanda and hadn't it just you know had been slow in paying it for various reasons? She was basically saying that Amanda's lying about repeatedly coming to her for it. That she's just hearing about this again now after a long time. And she's like, yeah, you know, I should have uh, I should have paid sooner, but I kind of just uh, yeah, let it go. We hadn't thought about it in a while. That's a crappy excuse, and I don't believe it. But but she was saying it's three thousand. And that Amanda's ex- exaggerating by claiming it's five thousand. So I, I said, "Well, okay, then pay her three thousand and and hash out the other two after that. At least pay her the three that you both agree is owed." And I don't believe that ever happened. But another topic that came up on the show, unrelated to this, or mostly unrelated, was that uh, Kim recently had a child, which was a little surprising to me because Kim was forty-four. And so I asked her, was this a natural child? Did you, you know, this wasn't in vitro fertilization or anything? She said, no, natural child. I said, was it healthy? Yes. She said, a completely healthy child. Planned? 
was no, <laughs> a completely Whoops. a completely healthy child between her and her then boyfriend, who was like twenty eight, was recently born, and that the child was completely healthy. I said, "Well, good for you, very good." I'm, and that's a lot of forty four year old women. In fact, most forty four year old women cannot do that. That to uh, have a and and a, there are a lot of forty four year old women that don't want to do that. Right, right. So <laughs> having kids is a young young woman's game. It really is. Well, that's uh, Benjamin's mom is is not all that young. Not she wasn't forty four when she had been, but uh, she uh, she was an older mom. Well, I'm just saying it's a tough process. The younger you are, you know, the easier it is. Yeah, yeah, I feel that. Well, now, how do you feel well, as up, a fa- up until a point, obviously? Now, now, well, now, how do you feel about being the father, though? So you're, so you're a father of, of kids, and you were, you know, fairly old when the kids were had uh, for. Uh, oh, really. thanks, Druff. Now, well, I was too, though, so I can say that. I think we were kind of, <laughs> I think we were kind of around the same age actually when we had our kids. So yeah, probably. So, uh, do you feel this affects you? Do you feel sometimes that uh, if you were younger, you would have more energy for certain things? Yeah, I mean, probably. I think that that's probably definitely true. Or, I mean, it, it's hard to know because kids are just tiring <laughs> to begin with, you know? Yeah. They see, really are. And I've, I've thought about this before myself. I have thought about uh, at times when I feel tired or whatever. Like, I, I've had the thoughts that, you know, I wonder if I was younger, if I'd have more energy for this. But, like, I don't feel exhausted. I don't feel like I'm super old. But I, I think that, like, 10 years ago, I probably would have had more energy. So... Anyway, Kim had a kid at 44. The, the the father being old was not the problem. I think he was 28, 29. He sent me a long rambling message, a long rambling private message, which I, I won't read out here. But at the, the time, guy? yeah, the guy at the time that, that I had written that I was on Amanda's side from everything I had read, and I had written some critical things of Kim. This is before she appeared on the radio. Uh, she wrote, he wrote this long rambling message about uh, you know, why I'm incorrect about my conclusions and why I should take all this down. So he really, he was really unhappy that this stuff was up there about Kim and and like a very long rambling message. I didn't even bother to answer because like there's no way I was going to convince him this this is her boyfriend and the father of her child. So I just ignored it and he went away. But anyway, don't expect him to be defending her anymore because surprise surprise the relationship did not work out. So she recently posted on Twitter. This is the only reason I know this. On February twelfth, guy, guy over uh, three grand in child support. <laughs> Maybe then she could just give it to Amanda. Uh, she uh, she tweeted on February twelfth, two thousand eighteen. Separation slash custody mediation pre gaming styles. Regular people versus degens. Regular people. Him. Stay calm and speak cohes- cohesively. Her. Right. Amicable re- amicable resolution is my only focus. And then she puts degens, and then she puts a screenshot of her discussion with a friend about this this mediation session coming up. Someone said to her, good luck, toots. Hopefully it isn't as painful as expected. And she says, hashtag sucker bet. I'm I'm setting the line at 16 minutes before he calls me a cunt. Take the under, Mm. take the under. And the person says, LOL, and she says, ha ha. So she claims that... uh, She's going to be called a cunt within 16 minutes of their mediation for the. I don't know event. why they broke up, Truff. Yeah, that sounds like a. a, sta- a they very seem stable like they get along really well. <laughs> She's posting this on her own. Like, no, there's no reason anyone would have known this before. I think her boyfriend was in poker too, but 
Yeah, she's just posting it up there. I, it de- definitely putting it up there so everyone can see that that he's going to call her a cunt. I mean, she wasn't posting a, a shot of a conversation with him. It was a conversation between her and a friend about what's going to happen there. But that, obviously this must be pretty uh, uh, pretty contentious. And uh, keep in mind, this isn't a divorce. They don't believe they were married. This is more about uh, yeah, the, the custody agreement and probably the money involved. The sad thing is even even despite the questionable things I've heard about her and her finances, I don't even know who's probably in the right in this situation. I've heard some things about the boyfriend that aren't that great either. So I, I don't even know if, if I had to guess like who would be in the right here. I couldn't even tell you. Uh, Drew, they sound like two wonderful people that deserve each other. <laughs> well, they, but they don't. They're not with each other anymore. It's It's over. The, I mean, they don't deserve each other. The honeymoon's over. So th- this is why it's it's uh, when you get pregnant by someone that uh, is kind of unstable, and if you're unstable yourself, and you're not going to be together for the long term, that can be a problem. Especially uh, neither of you has that much money. Especially if you're uh, 44 and just had a child. So feel bad for the kid here. I think she would be up for uh, giving Steve Wynn a yank for a couple mil. Oh, I bet. She should She should go see him. <laughs> she should say, yeah. go to Steve Wynn and say, hey, uh, I know you like grandmas. I'm not quite a grandma, but I'm like the age of one. So, <laughs> Okay, come on. 44 is not no, grandma. She's, she's, 40, she's 48 now. That 44. Still, you don't find too many grandmas these days that are 48. No, but the, the grandma that Steve Wynn said he wanted to have sex with was like 51. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's why, that's why I'm bringing it up. I got you. All right. Okay, so let's see what else we got here. I just want to give that little update since we had her on here before. Uh, Harris New Orleans. I'm sure she's thrilled. <laughs> <laughs> she can't wait to hear this update. Well, but she she put this out herself though. This isn't even like I'm I'm digging into her private business and fa- <laughs> this isn't even like a Facebook update. She puts this on her open to the public Twitter. Mm. So she wanted everyone to know. So that the she she. Now, of course, Genocide got mad at me for the same thing. Genocide put an open update on Twitter about her pregnancy and then blocked me because I mentioned it on this show. I was like, what the hell? What? See, you see, and I didn't, I, I wasn't even mean in the way I was talking about Genocide's pregnancy, but she was mad that I was putting it out here. Whatever happened with her? She, she's like, she had a kid, right? I believe she's living with her parents in Delaware. And she's right? living with her parents, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, and raising the kid, yes. Yeah. On, on the That's plus far, side. Far uh, from her. Uh, time and do spreading for playboy right no but on the plus side from what i've seen she still looks very pretty she's 33 years old and looks very good for, for her age and uh, so it looks why she's doing great other than that uh, not so well so let's uh well, good for her she you know uh, i guess living with her parents she can stay home with her kid maybe yeah. she likes that yeah well i'm sure she doesn't love the situation because you know she she left tommy boy she was with him for a long time and she left him for this South African guy that I think she actually met while vacationing with Tommy Boy in South Africa, which is kind of offensive. But, yeah. But, I, I mean, I'm just guessing this. I don't know this for sure. But then she, she went to South Africa, lived with the guy for a while. He got her pregnant, and then the guy just pretty much outright ditched her. I don't know. So she did a Tarzan routine. <laughs> yeah. Didn't let go of the one vine until she had the other one in her hand? I, I think so, but then the, the, other van, the other vine snapped, and that was that. So. Mm. Uh, I think the other guy just ditched her. I, I don't know the story, but you know she claims he just 
wanted nothing to do with her or the kid, and that was that. So she's back in uh, in Delaware with her parents, raising the kid alone with no dad there, which which sucks. I mean, that's that's not what she was expecting when she went to go live with that South African guy. But you know, it's you got to watch out. You got to watch out when you get pregnant, uh, someone you don't know very long, then this can happen. So, Harris New Orleans has been doing something in the poker room, apparently, that is kind of shady. And I think everybody who plays poker at Caesars Properties, especially if you gamble in other games at Caesars Properties, that you should know this because you can end up getting screwed. And I think this is something that's that's wrong. And uh, I'll tell you a suggestion on how to perhaps prevent this. So, I need to define some terms here for people who don't know them. Uh, there's a term, a term called tripping someone, and it doesn't mean like you're sticking out your leg so when they walk by they, they fall on the ground. Tripping someone in the casino sense means that the casino has put in their system that you are taking a trip there. Now, that doesn't mean you're taking a big vacation or you're spending a long time there. A trip just means that you are at the casino and they know about it. And you've got to be very careful about that because the way they determine your comps at casinos, and I mean all casinos, not just Har- not just Caesars, Harris, whatever, is through something called ADT, which stands for Average Daily Theoretical. And that has to do with, on average, over uh, you know, recent and semi-recent uh, visits there, if your luck was exactly average, if you take luck out of it, what would be your expected loss at the games you played on average over X number of days that you've been there? And that's what they determine. That's what they use to determine what comps you're given. The better ADT, average daily theoretical, you have, the higher offers you will get. So, of course, if they think you're there on a day and you don't play at all, then your daily theor- your, your theoretical for that day is zero and it brings down your average. So basically, you don't want them knowing you're there unless you're going to play a good amount. Nor do you want it to show up and, and quickly play for a minute and leave. That also kills your theoretical. You want to make sure that on any given day you show up, that you play you know, something near your average playtime or it can kill your comps. And sometimes you have to show restraint. You may be at a casino that you play at a lot. Hey, I've got five minutes to kill. Why not play some video poker? No, don't do that because it will hurt your theoretical. Now, if you play every day there, if you play constantly, then yes, one day of, of bad play is not going to hurt your average daily theoretical much. But if, if you don't come all that often, then that can really kill you. So that's something that's very standard everywhere right now. And that's why they generate these players' cards to keep track of this. So that's why you have to be careful, if you care about this, if you care about your comps, not to swipe your card unnecessarily, meaning uh, don't swipe your card just to get points for eating at one of their restaurants if you're not going to play that day. Uh, when you stay at the hotel there, automatically they know. You don't have to swipe anything. They, they know you're there. That counts. So if you have a three-day hotel stay, that automatically counts for you know, three days there. And they will count, you know, look at your theoretical. So, what does this have to do with the poker room? Well, a few things. First of all, 
poker comps, at least at uh, Harris New Orleans, which is a Caesars property, are, are laughably bad. They give you a whopping seventeen cents an hour in reward credits. <laughs> That's what you've. So if you, if you play for six hours, you've earned a dollar in comps, basically. So you might as well not bother. And if you're stupid enough, or just don't know to turn to use your player's card when you're at the poker room, and they swipe it in then that will be considered a trip. That's what he means by... That's why this poster means tripping. That's what they mean by that. They'll consider that a trip for the day, and that will count toward your theoretical. And your theoretical in poker is going to be super, super low, just about zero, and that will drag it down, and your comps will get worse. You may not see it right away, but within a few months, you'll see it. Unless, after the poker session, you go and play enough video poker or blackjack, whatever you would play casino-wise, to be the same as your normal theoretical there. Now, if you do nothing but play poker, then it doesn't matter. If you don't ever play casino games, then don't worry about it. You're not going to get comps anyway. But if you're also playing casino games and you just show up to play poker one day and nothing else, you don't want to swipe your card because then that'll give you basically a theoretical of zero for that day and drag down your average. Now, that's useful to know by itself. I I bet a lot of you are still swiping your cards even though you may play other games and not realize it hurts your comps, which it does. But there's more to it that's very shady. The shady thing is that Harris New Orleans and perhaps other Caesar properties are not just swiping your card to the poker room when you give it to them because you want the, the, you know, the laughable comps they give you, but they're also apparently swiping your card in some way even if you don't give it to them and don't want them to. Now, how can they do that? How can they swipe your card when they don't know, don't know who you are? Well, if they don't know who you are, they can't. But if you're a regular there and they know who you are, apparently the floor men have been instructed to swipe you in anyway. And that's what they've been doing. So a guy who posts on the site named Go Buckos from Pittsburgh, referring to the Pittsburgh Pirates, that's what his name refers to, he posted this story. He said, I never once turned in my card at a poker table on a day when I would not have, when I wouldn't have been tripped for something else anyway. So he means like he didn't swipe it at a restaurant. He didn't swipe it in a hotel. You know, he didn't stay at the hotel. He didn't uh, go play at a machine. He did nothing at the property except play poker, and he never gave them his card. And yet, he was shown as having played that day, those days, not just one day, with basically zero theoretical, and that dragged down his offers and his offers uh, went down to trash. He said that uh, at one point he was getting about you know, in the low four figures per month in free play from Harris New Orleans down to 30 per month in free play. So he went from thousands down to 30, which he thought was mostly because of this because he played a lot of poker. And he was very careful not to swipe his card unless they had a way to already know he was there. If he's just going to play poker and do nothing else, he was never swiping it because he knew about this. So he went to one of the floor men and said, what the hell is this? How did this happen? He said, I, I never gave you guys my card. Why, do you, why are you swiping me in? And the floor men admitted to him that they do this. But he said that it was a courtesy the floor man said that they do this as a courtesy to players who might have forgotten their cards. 
And Go Buckos here, he didn't believe that. He said, I don't think this is a courtesy. I think casino management told you to do this. And so the guy said he didn't know, and he seemed surprised that Go Buckos cared about this. I guess he wasn't understanding the whole ADT thing. Now, he does believe this guy didn't understand. But he also believes that someone in management was directing the floor staff there to do this. Probably lying and saying we're just doing it as a courtesy, but in reality, they really want to know when you're there and you don't play. And he says there's a very good chance this policy extends to other Caesars poker rooms. So if you care about your comps at all, beware. That's a good point. So a few things here. First of all, why would they make this directive? Why would management say to do this? Why would management tell them to swipe them in when they, don't, they really don't want to be swiped in and then hurt their theoretical? Why, why would it bother management, You know, some kind of upper management, either at, at Harris New Orleans or, or even higher up at Caesars, that people are just going there playing poker and not playing anything else? Like, uh, like how is that worse for them than the person staying home entirely? I'll tell you what it is. Uh, casinos have a weird bug up their ass about this average daily theoretical. And for some reason, it really bothers them if you dare set foot on property and don't play. For some reason, that makes you look like a less reliable gambler. It makes you look less addicted. It makes you look like someone who can resist gambling. So they sometimes will use tricks to get you know, to figure out that you're there such as giving you tier credits for uh, for dining, so you can swipe your card and get a few tier credits for, for dining there, but then you know, you've, now you've just tripped yourself. Now they know that you're there for that day, and it works into your theoretical. And they do this on purpose. They, they want to know, do you have the willpower to come to the casino and not play? Because then you, you're less reliable of a gambler. They, they want someone who can't resist playing a lot when they walk into a casino. If you can kind of take gambling or leave it, then you're not as valuable to them. So that's that's the main reason they want to know this. And unfortunately, it hurts people. Like, for example, let's say you're a regular medium to high stakes video poker player at Caesars. But then one day when you weren't otherwise going to go to Caesars, some friends of yours were going to go down there and play low limit blackjack. So you agree and go down with them and play some low limit blackjack. If you have them swipe your card, then this will have you in as someone who plays low limit blackjack and it'll it'll hurt your theoretical and it'll also hurt other metrics there that are sometimes used to determine your comps because you'll suddenly be seen as a a low limit player. So you've got to be very careful not to do things like that. You've got to be careful never to give your card in any way or identify that you're there at any of these casinos, unless you really are going to play. That is, if you care about comps. If you're already over-comped and you, and you, you have no way to get comps anyway, or if, if you never earned comps in the first place, then don't worry about it. But if you care about your comps there, never, never swipe your card in any way unless you're going to play that day somewhere close to what your average play is for a day. So that's the reason they seem to care. They shouldn't. I mean, they, they should be able to separate it, that you can 
go to the property for something else, you know, for, for eating, for hanging out with friends, for playing poker, and that you, you're not necessarily going to gamble every time you set foot in there, and that doesn't mean you're not someone who will gamble a lot there, but they, they figure it in. They really want to know, on average, every time you set foot in the property, how much you gamble. Not on average in your serious gambling sessions how much you gamble, but on average, every time you set foot in the property, how much you gamble. That's what they want to know. So be very careful. Now, how can you stop this? Go Buckos, it happened to him. He didn't swipe his card. So how do you stop this? Well, you have to preemptively stop this. If you do not want to swipe your card in a Caesar's room, Harris, New Orleans especially, but any other Caesar's room, and if you care about them knowing you're there and affecting your comps, and if they know who you are, if you're a stranger to the room, they're not going to swipe you. Like, they have no idea who I am in Harris, New Orleans. So if I sat in the poker room, they couldn't swipe me because they don't know who I am. But if you're someone they know and could swipe because they know who you are, go to the floor man immediately when you step in and say, it is very important to me that you do not swipe me in. I do not want to be swiped in. Please do not swipe me in. Can you promise me I'm not going to be swiped in? I just want to play with that record that I was here because it will screw up my comps. You can, you can be honest with them. You can tell them it will screw up my comps. Uh, I don't want to be rated this way. I just want to come here and play poker and not have to worry about any kind of rating. And they'll probably say yes. If, they're, if, you're warned before, if you warn them beforehand, the floor men, that you don't want this, they'll probably say yes. Because I, I don't think it's a, a huge violation of what they were told to do if the player asked not to. I think this is one of these things like they're just told to do it, but it's not a tragedy if, if they make an exception. So definitely if you play at any Caesar's own property and you care about your comps, and they will know who you are, if it's someone who knows who you are at the poker room who could swipe you in that works there, Make sure they know right when you walk in, do not swipe me in. Because they're doing it at Harris, New Orleans, and they may be doing it at other Caesars properties, and it will hurt your comps. So thank you to Go Buckos for bringing that to my attention. We've lost Calwatt. It's uh, after 3 a.m. there. Trader Risk, you're still with us? I, I'm here, but I'm, I'm hanging on by a thread. Okay. Uh JSTAT says, I always tell the pit when playing blackjack at Caesars Entertainment Casinos that my comp rating will suffer if I give them my total reward card. The 25% of expected loss is not worth the ADT. Yeah. Even at blackjack, he doesn't want to do it. Because they, they rate you kind of poorly at blackjack. You don't, uh, they don't give you, because it's a slow-moving game, it's not like video poker where you just cycle in so much money so quickly uh, by playing so many hands. And, vi- and blackjack, it's all very slow, so you, you're not given credit for a, a high average loss there. Unless you're really there for eternity or or really play high limits. So JSTAT's saying that when he played blackjack, even if he's playing decent limits, he tells them, don't even swipe me in. It's not worth it to me. It'll mess up my comp rating. So that's what I would suggest, especially if in the poker room. The MGM is going to be opening a new resort in Macau. They already have one there called MGM Macau, but they're going to be oh, they're going to be opening up another one. And it is going to be called MGM Kotai. That's C O T A I. Now Macau is a Chinese controlled territory. And it does very well. 
they get a lot of rich Chinese gamblers coming there. And they're basically making a fortune at every property there. So that's uh, that's considered the hot area to own a casino. Caesars, of course, is too stupid and they don't have one there. But, and, and there's only limited numbers of licenses given out. That's why they can't just open one. But uh, Sheldon Adelson has properties there. Wynn has properties there. Uh, MGM has one, and now they're going to have two. They have MGM Macau, now they're going to have MGM Kotai. The MGM Kotai is going to have uh, almost 1,400 rooms, which means that they're going to go from 600 hotel rooms, MGM, to almost 2,000. And the new resort is going to have a uh, 2,000-seat theater. They're going to have artwork, including 28 carpets from the Qing Dynasty and a four-story atrium garden space featuring digital art. It's also going to... uh, uh, They're going to have 552 gaming tables total between the two properties. And... MG, Macau has been a rapidly expanding market. So even though this resort is costing $3.4 billion to build, it just, uh, Macau has been doing so well that every year it, there's a major gain. They've gained 18 years in a row as far as uh, the gaming revenue there. And they made... 36% more in January 2018 than they did in January 2017. Can you believe that? I mean, that's it's a huge, even better than expected. They have a lot of big whale gamblers there who gamble huge sums of money and uh, even a lot of people who come in that don't play that high but add up to a lot. There's big poker games that go on at, in Macau. I'm not sure which property, but that's where Tom Dwan plays. I believe he's backed by organized crime money, but regardless, huge, huge games that most poker players would not be rolled for. The one problem, the one problem that could occur is that gambling in Macau, there's... It has a questionable future, unlike Vegas, where gambling is going to go on forever. In Macau, it, it's getting a little questionable. Now, there's only six licensed casino operators in Macau. There's MGM. There's Sands, China, which is the same as the Venetian at Sheldon Adelson. There's Wynn. There's Galaxy Entertainment. There's Melco Resorts, and then there's SJM Holdings. Those are the six licensed operators from Macau. If you're not one of those six, you don't have a license to open up a casino there. MGM's license is going to expire in 2020, so they don't have that long. SJM Holdings license is also going to expire 2020. The other four, Sands, Wynn, Galaxy, and Melco, will expire in 2022. However, authorities in Macau have not indicated yet whether or not those licenses will be renewed. So, 
there's some belief that the reason that MGM is opening this second resort is not just to get more money from gambling, but also to make it look like that they are not just there to make money from gamblers. Right now, 80% of the revenue in Macau is from gambling, which is much more than Las Vegas. I think it's like 42 or something. It's a, actually more than 80%. I don't have the exact number, but more than 80% of the revenues in Macau come from gambling. So uh, it, it seems that there's some concern from the powers that be in Macau that they don't like that. They think there's uh, too much gambling going on there. They don't like it's just uh, a hub of gambling and nothing else. So that's why some of these licenses may not be renewed is what's feared. So MGM opening up a second property with various non-gaming attractions. It's kind of a way to show Macau and the authorities there that MGM is not just there to make money from gambling, that they're offering other things to those visiting Macau. And MGM believes that this is really the first step to getting that license renewed. They're just afraid if they don't offer more than gambling that in 2020 they're going to be denied a license and they're going to be screwed. So it's kind of has a dual reason to opening there. And it's thought that other properties owned by these other five companies will start doing the same. That they're As it comes closer to the renewal time, they're going to realize they have to offer other things to pacify those making the decisions about the licenses. Because nobody wants to lose the Macau license, believe me. That's uh, Macau is really seen as like free money. Guaranteed to profit over there if you own a casino. It's not like Vegas where every year gaming revenue becomes a smaller and smaller percentage of the overall revenue uh, of the uh, resorts in town. Vegas, over 20 years ago, started the process of getting away from counting on gaming. Macau has not. So they're just getting started on that. Not because there's lack of interest, but because they feel they have to to keep the license. Very different in Vegas. This never happened in Vegas. No, no property or company was ever threatened in Vegas. Hey, you better diversify to offering other options for the traveler here that aren't gambling or we're going to not renew your license. That was never threatened to any Vegas property. Just this is what's going on in Macau. In Vegas, they did it just because they felt that was the future. That was the right thing to do revenue-wise. In Macau, I don't think they would have done it. I think Macau, they're making so much in gambling and it's expanding every year. It seemed foolish to do anything else unless you have to for your license. So with all the expansion that Caesars was doing, they, they kind of overlooked Macau, and that's uh, that was seen as a major mistake on their part. Wynn's competition with Sands, a.k.a. Sheldon Adelson, is part of the reason, yeah, I'm talking about in Macau, it's part of the reason that Sheldon Adelson's newspaper, the Las Vegas Review-Journal, posted that story basically throwing itself under the bus to make Steve Wynn look bad, which we discussed last week. Trader Risky is still with us. 
Has the T taken effect, or is he just slow to take the mute button off? I'm here. here. Skype's screwed up. I've got to, like, go back to the front screen every time to get off mute. Okay, so, so uh, yeah, if, I, I'm pretty sure you've never been to Macau. Uh, do you... With, uh, what was going to ask you? With, with, do you have any interest to ever go to Macau? If it wasn't so far, would you, would you have an interest to go there? Oh, if it wasn't so far, absolutely. Yeah, that's how I feel. But, um, like, I'd like to see it. I'd like to, yeah, I would like to visit, but it's just so far, it's just not worth it unless I'm there for something else. Yeah, it'd be a, definitely be a long journey. Yeah. And that's, that's, so it doesn't get many Americans over there. That's, that's for the same reason. People just don't want to go that far to gamble. Uh, there's actually some nice places in the world that just don't get visited because they're hard to get to or very far from everything. Like, uh, the farthest place from Los Angeles, and Las Vegas for that matter, in the world, is an island called Mauritius. It's, a, it's an island nation near Madagascar. It's, it's, it's said to be very nice. It's uh, a place that does survive partially off tourism. However, it's not nearly as popular as it would be if it had a better location. It's far from pretty much everything. It's uh, it's not far from East Africa, but aside from that, it's far from everything. So they get people coming from South Africa to vacation there, but that's pretty much it. So it's just, you know, it's, it's right next to Madagascar, and it's, it's 12,000 miles from L.A. and Vegas. It's as far as you can travel on Earth. And I've seen pictures of it. It looks beautiful. I'd, I'd, I'd love to visit there, but not 12,000 miles. That's, that's insane. So you, You'd have to be flying for... You'd have to be in the air for, I'd be, I think, close to 24 hours to get there. And, of course, you couldn't just take a nonstop flight there. But even if you could, it would take, like, 24 hours to get there. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. I think a little bit less, but close to that. That's how long it takes. <laughs> It's very, very far. It'll be an adventure. Yeah, 12,000 miles. And that's that's why it's so hard to visit places from, from Los Angeles or Vegas to visit South Africa or Madagascar. Anything in that region is so far. And the reason it's so far is because it's both south and on the other side of the globe. And the, the reason the south part matters is there's a trick called the Great Circle Route. If you guys have ever been on a plane, especially if you're flying somewhere far and the plane seems to go much farther north than it would appear it needs to go and then goes back south and it seems like they're just going extra miles they don't need to. It's actually not true. Because of the way the earth is shaped this is a trick to where, where they can go east and west much more easily if they go further north. Because if you think about it go to the North Pole and uh, you know you at the very North Pole, you could actually uh, walk around the entire globe, uh, you know, east-west, of, by, by just you know, stepping around it. You could do it on foot uh, within minutes. The, the, uh, and then at, the, at the equator, that's where that's where to walk around the globe east-west would take the longest. Even if you could walk and there was an ocean, you, that, that's where it take the longest because it's the widest there. So, a trick that can be used to go across to the other side of the world is to go far north. Uh, go east or west there, whatever you need to go, and then go back south, and it can make the whole journey a lot shorter. It's known as the Great Circle Route, and that's used by airplanes all the time. That's why sometimes you'll find yourself flying over Greenland, 
to get to Europe or, or Asia or th- things like that that you normally wouldn't expect. So you can't use that when going to a place like Mauritius from Los Angeles because it's, uh, it's south and it's also on the complete other side of the globe. So you really have to go all the way around. There's no tricks to get there fast. So it's uh, probably, I'll probably never go. Benjamin is fascinated that Mauritius is the very farthest place. And of all things on a cruise we were on, one of the waiters said he was from Mauritius. So Ben, who was very young at the time, I think he was like three, he says, oh, that's the farthest place from where we are right now. And I thought like, it makes the guy feel bad because it makes him feel so far from home. I don't know if the guy knew that. That's funny. How random. Yeah. So I of all things I have like a three-year-old tell you that. I mean, he only knew that because I told him. <clears> like Ben had asked me what's the farthest place on earth, and I told him Mauritius, and so he memorized that. A, so of all things, the guy was from Mauritius, and Ben tells him that. Okay, so... Online poker in California. I was at the Commerce Casino. I played at the Limit Hold'em tournament. Didn't cash in it. Didn't come close. There was there was a when I got my seat and I saw the way the guy to my direct left was playing. I knew I was not going to cash in it because, unless the table broke soon. Because this guy was super aggro, but he wasn't bad. He was just super aggro and three bet with with like semi trash all the time. Actually, with complete trash sometimes. Like he three bet ten six offsuit and he just. Like the worst trash, he wouldn't do it. But anything that he thought could even possibly make a hand, he would three bet. Sometimes cold call, but usually three bet. uh, Sometimes four bet. So you never knew what he had. And if he's to your direct left on in a tournament setting, it's a big pain in the ass because unlike cash, where you think, okay, I'm just gonna you know play aggressive back at this guy, and eventually it's you know I'll, I'll. I'll get over on him because I'm going to be playing superior preflop hands. In a tournament setting, you get unlucky against him a few times, uh, then you're screwed. Also, in tournament limit hold'em, because of the stack size versus the blind situation, you, you really can't call down second-best hands as much as you can in cash. So you have to let go of hands much more easily. And against a player like that, it's it's very hard to know what to do because uh, you can try to call him down light, but then you know, you know with ace high or, or, or middle pair, and then so many times he's going to show you a better pair or, or get there on you. Uh, you can try to bluff him back, but then you know maybe he'll rebluff you back or, or, or continue continue chasing you and catch you. So there's when he's to your left, it can be very tough, and that's exactly what I had. And he was running well. So even though he came close to busting at one point, he, he rocketed right back up. Anyway, he ended up uh, entering the final table as the chip leader and ended up chopping for uh, very close to first place money with, with three left. So he did well. I did not. But anyway, I was at Commerce, and I, I played cash after that. And at the cash table, there was some discussion of online poker. And someone asked, hey, isn't that going to be legal here at some point? And I said, well, <laughs> maybe, maybe not. And I explained to them the whole problem with the ongoing battle between the Indian tribes who want poker stars here and the ones who don't. And I said, this has been delaying online poker in California for years now, and there's no end in sight. Well, the end is even going to be farther away than we thought. Because it appears that no online poker legalization bill will be introduced in 2018, and 
I guess the deadline for that is coming up very soon to introduce a bill. At least they they don't have to do much with it yet. But the the, the bill would have to be introduced already for the 2018 legislative session within days. And it does not appear anyone wants to do it. In fact, even the ones who were going to introduce the bill were stating that what they're instead doing is monitoring the sports betting legality situation and seeing where that goes and if sports betting can possibly be made legal in California due to a change in federal law, which may or may not happen, that they will try to introduce them together. Sports betting legislation and online poker legislation kind of tying it together in one neat package rather than doing two separate efforts. So this is basically being tabled in California until at least 2019 to where they can get a better picture of where the sports betting fight is going. Now, the sports betting fight, if you don't remember, has to do with a law on the books from 1993 called PASPA. This is called the Protect America's Sports Act or sports and or something like that. It's I don't know the exact acronym or something like that. And that is something which makes almost all forms of sports betting, live or online, illegal in the United States except in the state of Nevada. It's legal in a few very limited forms, like you can't do straight bets, which is what most people do. In a few other states, there's a few forms of sports betting you can do that are mostly useless. Uh, But for full sports betting and the sports betting you probably know and do, it's only Nevada. So New Jersey's been pressing for a while to get sports betting just like Nevada has, and they've been failing. They've been trying to overturn or modify modify that PASPA law, and they are failing in doing so. But the NBA has come out recently in favor of legalizing sports betting. Of course, they wanted that laughable 1% of all gross bets play, placed, so that's not going to go anywhere, but... There does seem to be some possible progress in changing this law, enough to where the state of California is saying, hey, I, we think that there's a chance that we can have sports betting here at some point, so why not just wait another year with the online poker and see where this goes? And if uh, PASPA gets overturned or modified to where we can have online gambling here, then or sports betting here, then maybe we can uh, get sports betting and online poker. In fact, maybe we can even get online sports betting and online poker. So they they don't want to fight the same thing basically twice. So if you were hoping to play legalized online poker in California in 2018, it will not be happening. And keep in mind, even in the best-case scenario that they decide to pass it in 2019, with or without the sports betting, there's still the implementation. There's still the licensing. So you're not going to be playing on January 1st, 2019. You may not even be playing in 2019 if it gets legalized in 2019. So you may be looking at 2020 or later to play legalized online poker in California, and maybe never. I heard an old show on the Call to Listen line when I was walking the dog the other day, and I had to laugh. When I heard myself warning that because of all the delays in California with legalizing online poker, that it's very possible that maybe we won't be playing online poker until two th- legally in California until 2015. <laughs> Time, it seems so far away. Now it's three years ago. Well, Brandon didn't appear, so we're going to talk about the Fountain Blue. And that will be it. The Fountain Blue on the Las Vegas Strip has a new name 
and an opening date. So the property is going to open as uh, edition. Or sorry, not, it's, it's going to open as as the Drew, not the edition. I said reading something else. It's going to open as the Drew, D R E W. It's going to be a sixty-story building, maybe more, but around sixty stories. It will have a casino. It will have four thousand rooms. It will have more than five hundred thousand square feet of convention and meeting space. The property will be mari- managed by Marriott. And it is scheduled to open in late 2020. So it's no longer going to be called Fountain Blue. It's going to be called The Drew. And that's been awaited for a long time, this Fountain Blue. In fact, it, it was partially built already. It was on the uh, site that was once... It was once occupied by the El Rancho Hotel, if you remember that. So, it's uh, the address is at 2755 Las Vegas Boulevard, if you want to Google that and see where that is. It's uh, kind of, it's, it's kind of by Circus Circus. So it's it's on nor- it's the north part of the strip. It's not that far from the SLS. It's uh, not that far from the Westgate, once known as the Las Vegas Hilton. In fact, if you drew a line directly east from the Fountain Blue, now the now the Drew, you'd run uh, pretty close to the Westgate. So yeah, now it's, it's now called the Drew Las Vegas. The Algiers Hotel was also once on that site. It was once intended to be a sister property to the Fountain Blue Miami Beach Hotel that was very well known in the 50s. But they have changed the name. Um, So the question was, who is Drew? Why would they call it the Drew? Well, apparently this is... a name that was selected as a memorial. Because uh, the person, the Drew that this was named after, the uh, the developer Steve Whitkoff had a son named Andrew Whitkoff in 2011. And Andrew Whitkoff died at the age of 22 from an overdose of OxyContin. So as a tribute to his dead son, Steve Whitkoff, who's building this, decided to change it to be called The Drew. You know, this is not that surprising that the son of a super rich guy like Steve Whitkoff would have died from an OxyContin overdose. A lot of times, children of super rich or famous people end up screwed up. Sometimes they get spoiled. Sometimes they just think they're not going to have to work for anything in their lives. Sometimes they think they can do things without consequence. 
and they end up making a lot of bad decisions. And sometimes the parents are too focused upon making money and their success financially and don't really pay as much attention to their children as parents who are not quite as busy. And a lot of times they regret it when things like that happen. Uh, now, there are parents who are just very detached to their kids and never really give a crap, and they can move on from it pretty easily when something like that happens. But of, often when that happens, the parents just go, what the hell, how did we let that happen? How did we not see this coming? How, how, could, we, how could we have let our son do that? How did we not see it? Why were we not paying more attention? And when something like that happens, you, you look at all your wealth and everything you've accomplished and think, I don't care about all that. That means nothing to me now that this has happened. That's all I can think about now is what happened to my son. So. It is sad when that occurs, but but sadly, a lot of times, children of really, really rich people like that, or really famous people, that uh, seems to happen surprisingly often. Now, regarding the property... It was. Uh, it started in 2007. So, in 2007, if you told someone it was going to open in late 2020, they would have laughed at you. It was expected to finish in 2009. But as you guys know, there was the 2008 real estate crash, which hit Vegas very hard. So, Carl Icahn bought the property in 2010 for just 150 million. But he barely touched it. It just sat there, basically doing nothing for seven years. In August 2017, he made a nice profit by selling it for $600 million to Whitcoff and a Miami real estate group called New Valley. So at the time Whitcoff bought it, that uh, he didn't say exactly what he was going to be doing with the property, but... Uh, I hadn't heard this, but it was said that they're going to be ditching the Fountain Blue name and concept, and indeed they did. In fact, uh, in the news relief, in the news release when they bought the property, they were saying that the hotel is formerly known as Fountain Blue. Right when they bought it, so it's clear they were going to change it. They were thinking that perhaps it would be called a Marriott something, because it is going to be managed by Marriott. But uh, they decided not to. So this is the first time we've gotten a date, a real date, that this is going to open. Late 2020. Now, it may not meet that deadline. It might be 2021. But that is uh, when they're planning. Now, there are... Other projects in the works. There's, of course, the Win West, which may or may not still be called the Win West when it goes up. There is another Win property called Paradise Park, which is located right behind the Win. Win West is, is actually directly west of the Win. Uh, Paradise Park is uh, right behind it. Right behind it in the Encore, they claim that they want to build a 47-story hotel tower. Win West, they want to build a 2,000 to 3,000-room hotel. There's, of course, Resorts World, which is uh, further north. Not all that far from the Drew. In fact, this area, they're all not too far from each other. 
the Drew would be the farthest north. That would be almost where the SLS former Sahara is. But then a little bit southwest of there would be Resorts World. And then a little bit south of there would be Wynn West. And directly east of that would be Paradise Park. Both of those are Wynn properties. So, so what do you think of that whole area, Draft? Do you think it can ever... Do you think it'll ever catch on? I mean, there's the Strip, the downtown, and there's obviously this whole empty space that's been Yeah, there. I've wondered this myself. I, I, now actually, I think that, believe it or not, I think the fact that the Drew is going to open and it's really going to be developed now may help things because, you know, on one hand, resources, they all create more competition, but I, I think they need more over there because right now just Circus Circus isn't going to do it. And and the win is the win is far enough south to where it's just kind of barely enough. Like it's 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 still not so far to where it's it could still be considered part of the center strip, even though it's kind of more north strip. But uh, beyond there, as you said, a lot of empty space that people are not going to walk by. And I felt the resorts world was just kind of too remote. It was going to be just a little bit too far past the win and encore to where I think people weren't going to bother to walk over there when there's really nothing else there. So now that there's going to be the Drew even farther down and and Win West will be on the other side of the street, I, all of a sudden now there's not open space and now the only question is are people going to be attracted over there? So they are fortunate at least that now people staying at the Win, the Encore, uh, this Win West, this uh, Resorts World, Drew, that now when they want to walk around the area, they have places to walk to. So these kind of can all... And it, they'll compete with each other, but they'll also help each other in a way. Uh, where, where before, when I saw Resorts World planned, and I said, I don't, see, I don't think they're going to get the foot traffic. I don't think people from the wind are going to walk there just for Resorts World. I think they're, they're going to kind of see that area still as a wasteland and not go that direction. So I'm not sure. I, I could see this becoming uh, a new area in Las Vegas that people want to go to. That's kind of the new the area with the new luxury hotels that before was kind of ignored. I mean, look at City Center now. City Center, look before that was a nothing over there. there was for so, so long, nobody went over there. I mean, yes, it was close to everything, but still, uh, people didn't have a reason to go to that particular place. Now it's something you just you, you don't think twice about. It's just something that's part of Center Strip now. This is a little bit different because this is a different area. But uh, even the Strip itself was considered out of the way for a long time, and downtown was considered the happening place. So things change very quickly in Las Vegas, and I can't dismiss that this is too far, this is too out of there, people aren't going to bother. I think if there's enough places that people are going to want to visit all in one spot, or the people are already staying in one spot, that can help. But I, 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 I acknowledge your concern, and I, I have it too, that perhaps people just aren't going to really want to go to that north part of the strip they're just not used to it and they're just uh, they're going to have much less interest than what is expected so i don't know so what, what do you think about that i think you know it, it'll be a long it'll be a, it'll take a while and it's a long-term investment but you're right if they fill it out with all the new hotels i mean they're just going to have to market the shit out of it and, and offer free parking Yes, <laughs> maybe they'll bring the free parking back. Right, the win isn't offering free parking, but maybe, you know, maybe yeah, maybe they they could bring that back. I don't know, but yeah, if if there is some reason to go over there, or some reason there's a lot of people already there, then they have a lot better chance, and they, and they do now. In fact, this could even help the SLS 
which was really out in no man's land right now. And uh, this could help them because they're farther down, but they would be pretty close to the Drew. So that's been my biggest criticism of the SLS was that why spend so much money remodeling the Sahara as a a high-end place that is out there and kind of in a bad area. Not a terrible area, but a moderately bad area. Like, who's going to want to go there? And sure enough, nobody. So uh, maybe this could even help the SLS if it's even still open by that point. Yeah, if, if they can hang on, it'll, it'll help them for sure. It's pretty much the only chance they have. Now, the Drew having 4,000 rooms, where will that put it? It'll put it pretty much equivalent with the Excalibur and the Aria and the Venetian. The MGM Grand by far has the most rooms in Vegas. They have 4,968 rooms. The Luxor has 4,400. I wouldn't have guessed they were the second biggest, but they are. 4,400 they squeezed into that pyramid. The Venetian has 4,027. The Aria has 4,004. So it's all around the same. And same with the Excalibur, 3981. So those three are all pretty much the same. The Bellagio right behind them, 3933. Caesar's Palace, 3793. Circus Circus, just about the same, 3763. Then the Flamingo, 3466. And the Mandalay Bay, 3211. I would have guessed, if somebody asked me, what do you think has more rooms, Mandalay Bay or Luxor? I would have totally said Mandalay Bay. That would be a good trivia question. It's not even close, though. Imagine if someone said, what do you think has 1,000 rooms more than the other? <laughs> more than 1,000 rooms. Mandalay Bay versus Luxor. Like, which one would you say has the other beat by 1,000 rooms? I would have totally said the Mandalay Bay. Luxor just doesn't look yeah, that Yeah, for sure. But I think, they, didn't they just add on to Luxor recently? Did they? Maybe that's what it is. It just doesn't seem that yeah, large. Yeah, because I think they did do something. Okay. So, so that's that's the future right now in Vegas. In the 2020s, you could stay at the Drew, the Win West, the Paradise Park, Resorts World, all in this area, and you can go to conventions at the Caesars Forum, right there at Center Strip. In fact, the World Series could even be there, as I've mentioned on a previous show. Something nobody is talking about except us, but I, I think it's going to happen eventually. That they're going to get rid of the Rio and move it there. So that there may be a different look in some parts of Vegas in the 2020s. Maybe you'll be... Uh, in Vegas in the year 2021, and you look at it and go, wow, this is quite different from three, four years ago. Just like I said in the 90s. Like every time I came there, it changed so much. So that's our Vegas news for the moment. And that's really everything I had planned for tonight, which is it's good that I finished this show earlier than I thought. I had a lot of topics tonight. Let's see, one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. What? Twelve topics. I thought I was going to be doing this forever. But we went through them pretty fast, except for the first one, which Team MLK complained about. The rest of the topics all went pretty quickly because there just wasn't like a lot of in-depth discussion to be had for any of them. So that is actually good because I actually have to do something during the day tomorrow. And I cannot nap at all. I, I It'll be a nap-free day tomorrow, Friday. So... And I just thought of that 
tonight as I was about to start the show. I go, oh crap, I can't do the show till five in the morning, or I can't. Do- Sometimes I'll do it till three, and then by the time I get in the archives, it's in the f- around four, and then I, I do other things. And by the time I get to sleep, it's like five thirty. So I knew I couldn't have that tonight, but I go, well, I have a twelve item agenda. I got to get through it. So let's take a quick look in the chat room. Uh, there we are. JSTAT says, PASPA is the Professional Amateur, Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act. There you go. He said he used to call the El Rancho the El Rancho, and the Stardust the Sawdust. Uh, so that's, that's little nicknames that JSTAT gave it. Yeah, the El Rancho... I remember that property. There were so many different... Attempts to do something with it. After the El Rancho closed, I heard so many different stories about what it was going to become next, and it just never did. It just, it always fell through. Everything planned for that El Rancho site fell through, so it was funny that the Fountain Blue became yet another one. By the way, the El Rancho was originally the Thunderbird, if you know of Old Vegas. The Thunderbird was a hotel, like if you look at old pictures of Vegas in the 60s in Las Vegas, then you'll see the Thunderbird. The Thunderbird actually opened in 1948. And I believe it was the first hotel my parents ever went to in Las Vegas. I think they went there in the 60s. And so it was the Thunderbird from 1948 to 1976, the Silverbird, I didn't even know about that, from 76 to 82, the El Rancho from 82 to 92, I do remember that. And then I remember after it closed, they were going to open it as El Rancho's Countryland USA. It was going to have a country music theme, which I don't know if you guys remember, in the mid-90s, especially around 94, country music exploded in popularity and it partially because of popularity of line dancing at the time but not just that it just it, it really blew up country music and it it started to really hit the mainstream it wasn't just something that hicks in the south listened to it it was listened to in a lot of places in fact uh i lived in riverside california at the time and while that Riverside, that area is the type that would have more of an interest in country music anyway, but there are four country stations there, which is insane. Four separate country stations. Uh, eventually, some of them closed. I think there's only one left now. But they, there was really an explosion in the popularity of country music around 1994. And I especially remember that because that's when I became interested in country music myself. And I, I still have that interest. Though, honestly, I, I don't like the new country music very much. I think it sounds uh, too much like pop music. I thought the the 80s and 90s country was the best. That's what I've... So when I, when I found it in 94, I was hearing a lot of the 80s songs. And also, uh, I liked the songs that were coming out then in the 90s. But uh, in 2000, it started to change. I, I stopped liking country music as, quite as much, the new, the new style that was coming out. And in the 2010s, I really haven't liked it much at all. We just lost Trader Ruski. said he's got to go. Is it just me now? So we're about to end. So anyway, it went from, uh, it says Countryland USA never opened. 
then uh, it was bought again in 96, and it was supposed to be a hotel called the Starship Orion. I remember that too. It was supposed to be a hotel with a, a an outer space theme, and it was going to be a billion-dollar complex, and this is a billion dollars and 96 dollars. And it was supposed to have seven separately owned casinos within the resort. That's crazy, but never came to be. And they were considering just wrecking the whole thing because uh, Turnberry, which owns condos in the area, they were considering just knocking. They wanted to buy it to just knock the whole thing down because uh, they had condos in the area. It was considered an eyesore, and uh, so they they bought it. They actually bought the resort for only forty five million in the year two thousand. They were in the process of developing Turnberry Place, which is a condo complex. And uh, they pretty much just bought it to, so people buying expensive condos in Turnberry Place wouldn't be looking down on a closed, dilapidated hotel. The El Rancho sign could be seen in Con Air, the movie Con Air, when uh, the plane was about to crash in Las Vegas. So anyway, the El Rancho, which nothing on that site has been opened since 92. Looks like uh, almost 30 years later, we are going to see an opening. I didn't know if anything would ever open there. We should be back in six days on February 21st. Yeah, I just discovered something. I, I was going to go play... I just looked at the date of February 16th, because it's after midnight. I was going to go to Commerce and play PLO8. They have a $1,100 PLO8 tournament tomorrow at 1 p.m. I was going to go. But somehow I thought the 16th was Saturday, not Friday. Now I realize it's Friday, and now I realize I can't make it. So I, I claimed I was going to try to make like 10 different LAPC events. I made one. That limit hold them and I didn't cash in it. Every time there's something that happens. That's funny. I really thought I was going to make Saturday. I was about to announce, hey, I'm going to be there Saturday. Nope. Nope. The tournament is later today in 12 hours and I cannot be there. Well, I thank all of you for listening to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. The Druff and Friends show. We didn't find Brandon tonight, but we did have Calwatt and Traderuski. I thank them. I do thank Eric Benzamokin and Calwatt for their generous donations to this free roll and to next week's free roll. Calwatt, he wins it. He donates and wins, and maybe he'll win next week too. Seems like whenever there's a bounty on him, he wins. That's why I'm shocked last week he didn't win. Sorry this can't be as long of a show as usual, but we still got in... Four and a half to five hours. That's still pretty good, right? Now it's official. Now you know it's ending. If I put on this music, you know it's done. 
I have been thinking about what to do about this year's World Series and whether I want to sell pieces of my, of my action. And I'm wavering. I may not sell anything. Because, to be honest, it, one, is kind of a pain in the ass to administer, and, and second, I f- honestly feel guilty when I lose. And I, I really... There's something to be said about just only answering to myself. Not that anyone makes me answer to them, but just anything that happens there, the only person who deals with the consequences me. And in a way, there's something relaxing about that. Where I can just lose in peace. As strange as that sounds. But then again, I do enjoy that people here have pieces of me, even small pieces, and that they can watch my action with some stake in it, where they get they can get as excited as I do when I move up in chips or have a chance to make the final table. So I don't know. I might, I might not. I go back and forth. But I'll announce it if I choose to or if I decide I'm not going to. Either way, this show will continue. Remember, if you know anybody who may want to run an ad on here the rates are cheap and if you can refer someone you will get 25% of every dollar they ever pay to sponsor the show even if they're sponsors for 10 years you'll get 25% of it so if you want to make a little extra money you know someone who may want to sponsor the show then keep that in mind that is all for this evening I will talk to you guys in about five and a half days for our next program on the 21st. Good night and shalom. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.